Hey, welcome to the 250th episode, 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 episode of the Random Podcast from Heck. My name is Tony. This is the podcast about random things in a world of entertainment, which includes movies, TV shows, and comic books. This is a podcast that comes out every single week for the past 250 weeks without a single break. Whew. Big shout out to Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They have been longtime supporters since like the beginning of the show. You can be a supporter by going to patreon.com slash gmanfromheck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from Heck, which is an additional 30 minutes of podcast entertainment every single week. I'm currently talking about 1980s New Teen Titans by Marv Wolfman and George Perez. Sometimes I talk about movie. And I'm thinking about maybe doing a little like off my mind, random subject you know topic just ranting or just thoughts on whatever but we'll, we'll see if that happens but <laughs> if you can't commit to a monthly commitment you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash she man from heck and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or four and that is ko-fi.com slash g man from heck so what is happening on this momentous uh, milestone 250th episode pretty much the same as always the oh man this is kind of a bummer the movie feature is jurassic world was dominion is that what it's called oh <laughs> uh, yeah as if you've seen any of the reviews you know it's uh not doing so hot so you can hear what i thought about that later in, in the show there is also the debut of ms marvel ms marvel is on disney plus that is is a lot better <laughs> that that was that was such uh, remember when i, I mentioned the delight it, it is a delightful show <laughs> so you can hear about that the boys is back so we're gonna be a little bit behind as you listen to this episode what episode four is out yes yeah, so i think they dropped three episodes last week right or a week and a half ago to whatever so you can hear about the first three i think which is gonna be plenty you can hear about that, and then we'll just be like a week behind. That gives you the chance to listen to or to watch it, you know, whatever. And then we have Obi-Wan Kenobi, Episode 4, The Man Who Fell to Earth, The Time Traveler's Wife, The Flash, and Superman and Lois. It's a full week of, of TV and streaming and movies, and so we should we better get, get going because... <laughs> Time is time is not money, right? Or I don't know what what time is, but I something I spend too much time on on this. So let's just let's get started with with the news. Big huge news. <laughs> Netflix uh, mastered universe <laughs> revelation is coming back. Oh my goodness, why is it coming back? Um, so Kevin Smith is going to be do more more of the the Tila show maybe heat man will be in it this season i don't know um okay we'll see uh i'll, I'll i'm sh- maybe i'm i was going to say i'm sure i'll watch it maybe i'll i'll probably watch it will i cover it maybe I, if you if you listen to the episodes cuz they they broke the first season down and i was a little disappointed you know, I, I liked the show growing up. I wasn't like a hardcore fan, but I, I watched quite a bit of He-Man, you know. And it was just so weird that in the first half, He-Man's like wiped off. He's gone. He's not, not even there. And then he comes back, and then he's kind of not there. And so it's just, uh, I don't know. But we'll, we'll see what's going to happen. I mean, yeah. So, so more of that, no idea when that'll happen but uh we have that to look forward to so so that's that's great 
uh, there was a trailer for Black Adam. And I feel like this week is going to be me kind of being Debbie Downer about everything. So Black Adam, I mean, I guess we should start off with my thoughts on Black Adam. I'm not the biggest Black Adam fan. He's he's fine. You know, he's he's Shazam's or Captain Marvel, whatever you want to call him. He's his nemesis, his enemy. You know, he's like the anti-Shazam. But we have Dwayne Johnson, you know, likable Dwayne Johnson, charismatic Dwayne Johnson, whatever you want to call him. He, you know, everyone, I think almost everyone loves Dwayne Johnson, yet he's cast as a villain, as like a hardcore, you know. So if you watch a trailer, you see he doesn't really look like a villain. You know, maybe it may be an antihero. Maybe he's a little violent, a little extreme, but he's kind of doing the right thing. And yeah, we, we've seen Black Adam kind of doing that, you know, being the like the, the leader of his country, trying to protect his people. I always see him kind of like like a Doctor Doom, like ruling with an iron fist. So I, I I don't I really don't know what to to think of this you know of course absolutely I, I'm I'm going to watch it you know I'll I'll support it I don't have high expectations for it and that's that's a good thing sometimes because you know when you get too excited then you're let down and when you're not don't have high hopes or whatever then you you, you can only be surprised or you can be correct so we'll see and then we you know we have the Justice Society and and we get glimpses in a trailer and they release some like kind of images of them and I, I i don't know we'll, we'll see there's also the possibility separate the, okay, this next i'm moving on to the next thing in case it wasn't clear uh, joker 2 todd phillips is he keep release an image like a, a cover of a script um i i don't know i mean the the joker was a good movie but it has like nothing to do with the Joker in the comics. It is not the Joker. It is not the Joker. Uh, yeah. So I mean, I I think I've seen the movie twice. I don't know if I'm not like any rush or need to see it again. But yeah. So I mean, if if you look at it as a separate thing, totally fine. But when they put like DC Comics on there and you know say it's it's a DC whatever movie, it's not. So I don't I don't know and it's like do we really need a sequel like where where are we gonna go with this but whatever I mean uh, yeah I'll watch it but it just it's it's like if you're gonna do a Joker movie do a Joker movie you know why is this because you know this isn't like super villain this isn't like Batman's villain this is this is a dude dealing with mental illness and I don't know. So the the title is Foley a do dua dua do, which I guess translates into madness for two. So does that mean he's he's getting a sidekick, a partner? Does that mean Harley Quinn ish person is showing up? I don't, I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, speaking of Harley Quinn, I guess uh, season three of the HBO Max. So I was kind of worried, you know, we, we knew when, when second season, cause season one and season two came out like almost back to back. Boom, 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 boom. Awesome. Great. Great animation and all, all that. And it, it did, I feel like the show did evolve. Cause when I saw that first episode, I'm like, really? It's like, okay, is it, is it absolutely necessary to be dropping the F bomb? Like every other sentence. I mean, it was, it was, just, it was to the point it was, is kind of like, like a, a satire. It was just, it was kind of ridiculous. But I enjoyed the show. 
And it was it was cool that we got the seasons back to back. But the way it ended, it kind of felt like this is the end of the show. It's like, oh man, that's that's a bummer because you know it'd be great to have more. And I think everyone kind of felt the same way. And they're like, well, hey, let's let's do a third season. The problem is because they didn't you know space out the seasons and it hadn't even gone into production. So that means like, oh man, we're gonna have to wait. And I don't even remember how long we've waited. It feels like it's been a while, but it probably hasn't been that long. Maybe it has. So it sounds like. I, this seems crazy. It's actually coming this summer. I'm like, that's sooner than I thought. I thought it was going to take longer to do the animation and all that. But so that that's great. So we can look forward to that. We don't have a specific date, so that means you know June, July, August, probably maybe August. But we're we're getting more. So that that is 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 awesome. Some interesting Ghostbusters news. I didn't even know this was a possibility, but I guess there's like some celebration. I think the 40th anniversary is coming next year or something like that. But they're talking about doing another live action movie. I I mean, I guess if you watch the Afterlife movie, there were, you know, end credits, you know, or whatever, did kind of tease more. Uh, I don't know. I don't remember like what the the numbers were, like the box office numbers, if it was like a huge success or not, but I, maybe it was. So it sounds like we are going to get more. And the next one looks like it's going to be called Firehouse. And because, you know, we saw, spoiler, and the last movie, you know, returned to the, the Ghostbusters Firehouse headquarters. And so we'll have to see. So Jason Reitman and uh, the co-writer Gil Kennan, they, they mentioned this at some some gathering of Ghostbuster fans or something like that. And I guess it's going to be the next chapter in the Spengler family, whatever. And there's also going to be an animated show on Netflix, totally unrelated. It's supposed to have new characters and, you know, like a new take on everything like that. So that's that's cool. Well, that'll be fine. So we'll have to wait. You know, yeah, awesome. Great. Give us more Ghostbusters. That's what people want. Um, speaking of what people want, apparently people want more of The Boys. So, you know, The Boys just started. I, and I don't know when, they, if they looked, were waiting to see, like, what the numbers were for the first week the first three episodes but it looks like the boys is coming back for season four so bravo to all those involved and i like the you know i so let me just say right now in case i forget to mention it later i do like the show i did like the episodes my problem is that i had to watch three episodes with like over the weekend last weekend that the try to prepare for it and i again i know oh boohoo tony you had to watch three episodes and it's just yeah, you know what it is. I'm not going to go into that again. But um, so I'm excited. It's it's, it's interesting. So we'll see. I, I'm I'm curious to see where this season is going to go because like, things are are pretty bonkers already. Um, interesting Marvel uh, MCU news. Jake Schreier is apparently going to be directing a Thunderbolts movie, and I'm resisting the urge to say Thunderbolts and Lightning. Very very frightening. Uh, I think this has a lot of potential. And depending on what they're going to do with it. So Jake Schreier, he he did a couple things. I know he did some music videos too and everything. So we'll have to see what, what he's going to do. And um, the, the speculation, I forget if it was Hollywood Reporter or Deadline or Variety, one of the three, saying that the, maybe we'll see Zemo again, which would make sense since Zemo is like, you know, part of the, the Thunderbolts in the, the comics. And then we could possibly have U.S. Agent, which would make sense with the way... 
capped with the way Falcon and the Winter Soldier ended with Julia Louise Dreyfus's character. Like, what is her motivation? Where where is she going to go? We know that she's you know trying to push Yelena Belova into you know going after Hawkeye or whatever. So they're saying Zemo, U.S. agent Yelena, since she has interaction in interaction <laughs> with Julia Louise Dreyfus with uh, the Contessa, and then Ghost from. Ant Man and the Wasp. That would be cool because I, I like that character. Even though she didn't, she kind of turn over a new leaf at the end. She's like, oh, maybe I was wrong, but whatever. Uh, but yeah, yeah, Elena's not bad. And then Taskmaster, which again, the same thing. She's not really bad, you know, because she was being used before. And then Abomination, because Tim Roth has already been back, so maybe do something with him. And then possibly Winter Soldier, Bucky. Like what? Bucky and Zemo, I I don't know. I mean, so all that speculation, you know, nothing is concrete there, but it could be interesting. Now, I had a discussion with a uh, buddy Rich, and um, <laughs> every time you say that, it's like Buddy Rich. His name's not Buddy. It's my buddy, my friend, <laughs> Rich, and you know, he he was he. I actually I I don't want to I don't want to give away his. I don't want to take credit for what he said. And I don't know if you know, maybe he wants to say it himself somewhere. Uh, but we were t- kind of talking about who could direct Fantastic Four. And his, his idea is, is, is a good idea. But w- what I think with, with the Fantastic Four, I feel like Marvel is going to want to put like a big, huge director, like well-known. Some, because I feel like with Fantastic Four, this is potentially like the next big franchise for Marvel Studios. Eternals was supposed to be the next big franchise. It kind of didn't happen. I still need to see the movie a second. I've only watched the movie once in theaters. I, I keep saying it's like, oh, it's on Disney. I didn't even buy it on, on, on Blu-ray, 4K, HD, Ultra HD. <laughs> I should, but I didn't. I haven't, and I haven't watched it on Disney Plus, even though it's on there. After every episode of Moon Knight, they're like, watch Eternals. I'm like, no, thank you. I saw it once. I don't want to watch it right now. Maybe soon. So Eternals was, I think, you know, hopefully going to be like the next big thing. That's not going to, you know, we're probably going to have Eternals too. But other than that, I don't know, think we're going to get like solo movies with these characters unless people start caring more about them. And in Avengers, what's going on with Avengers right now? Avengers are kind of like in limbo. Are, are, do the Avengers even exist? Are they even operating? I don't, it feels like they're not because... You know, there's who's in charge of the Avengers. You know, there's no Stark Foundation that, that I know of, and there's no money, and so yeah, I don't, I don't know. So it, it feels like with the Fantastic Four, because of the the rich comic history, that this could be like the next big Avengers things. So while you're not going to get a bunch of characters that could spin out, I mean, yeah, you could do like a Human Torch movie or a Thing movie. You know, you could have that. You could bring in other characters. You know, that are, are Fantastic Four related and give them their own movies and all that. But I feel like the Fantastic Four could be the next big thing, even if they did like a trilogy. You know, that that could be a huge thing. So I feel like they need to have a big director that can handle this and and kind of like the the pressure and responsibility of being this driving force for the next six to ten years you know with marvel related characters and and i say six even if you're doing three years you know what maybe every two years we'd get a fantastic four movie at at the 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 least or whatever so it's probably be longer than i don't know so you know there could be like some like sam raimi sam raimi has handled the spider-man franchise through sony so he also had to deal with 
the Sony execs and their whatever legal requirements and stuff that expect I mean, we saw, we, we know how Spider-Man three went and Sam Raimi did the best that he could with his hands, you know, so you need someone that can carry that weight and know what's going on. He might not want to do it and maybe people don't want him to do it, but you need someone that is willing to step up and, you know, cause whoever they get for fantastic four, they might only want to do one movie. Maybe they're like, yeah, I'll direct fantastic four. I'm, I don't want to commit to doing, you know, a trilogy or whatever. Anyways, We'll have to. So, no news on Fantastic Four. That's just. I don't know why I brought that up, <laughs> but maybe Thunderbolts movie. Uh, Stranger Things four. So, if you listened last week, you heard all about seven, all seven episodes and all fifteen hours. It felt like it was like fifteen hours of, of over seven episodes. I don't know, but when it comes back in July first, so I, I guess there's only two more episodes. I could be wrong. Is there another one? I think that's it, right? Because it's supposed to be the end. But it sounds like episode eight is going to be an hour and 25 minutes, which is longer than most episodes uh, that we've had so far. But it's, it's pretty long. Episode nine is supposed to be two and a half hour, two and a half hours. <laughs> Are you serious? That's like over two, two episodes. But uh, OK, so July 1st, uh, that's going to be here before we know it. Just just wait. Blade uh, going back to Marvel. I guess it's going to start filming next month, and I have zero expectations for Blade. I'm uh, yeah, I, I like the Wesley Snipe movies for the most part. I even like the third one. I, I was uh, okay with it, but um, this just I maybe this will be cool. Maybe things will be different. You know, even be even better. So I, I don't know. <laughs> you know, well, let's let's hunt some vampires. Okay, it's, it's, <laughs> I mean I'm not a super fan of, of the character in the comics, but. I, I can respect him, so we'll, we'll see. Lock and Key season three, a trailer came out, so it's the final season. I, I like the show. I think it has a lot of heart, and you know, I, I like the actors. I think the, the kids do a great job. So we'll have to see. I'm, I'm kind of not like, oh, like what's going to happen to third season because you know what problems are going to have to deal with. But that's you know, you need that. So it'll be interesting to see how they wrap things up. So that's going to be. August 10th, and I'm thankfully it's gonna be at eight episodes. I was a little worried when they're like, it's gonna be one more season. I, I was like, is it gonna be like a reduced season? Like, are they gonna shorten it a little bit? But I guess not. So we have that. There was a teaser for Sandman, and um, okay, okay. I'm trying to remember when I when I watched it. I I don't think it, sh- it showed a whole lot, but it showed glimpses and. We'll see. You know, I'm, I'm going to keep an open mind. I'm not going to get super excited. Uh, well, but I, I would imagine they're going to do a good job. The the audible audio um, productions of Sandman, they've, they've done a good job with those. And, and I'm, I'm sure it's t- two totally different production teams and all that. So, But I'm hoping with the, the, the time and care that they put into those that hopefully that means that whoever gained to write to the visual Sandman, you know, series that they're going to put the the care and everything and and money into it. So let's keep our fingers crossed for that. There was a a teaser. So I I mentioned it last week for Wednesday. So Jenna Ortega and uh, I I'm excited for this. Yeah. I, I, I think I've mentioned this before. I was never like the biggest, Adams Family fan. I I tended to 
be more team monsters. Um, but we'll see. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm excited to see what they're going to do with this and how, like, what, what they're going to do with. Because even like the, the recent movies, you know, like Christina Ricci who played Wednesday and, and those, those. Um, I think I've seen those movies. I think I've watched them. And, and as you know, Christina Ricci's supposed to have some mysterious role, unannounced role. In, in this series. So I'm curious to see what they're going to do with it. And I like Tim Burton. I know some people don't, whatever, but I think he can bring the, the, the sort of creepy quirkiness that the show should have. Yeah. So I, I, I think it, it'll really work out for the best. So I, I'm excited to see what they're going to do with it and how they're going to like modernize it and, you know, still keep it true to what it's supposed to be. So we'll see. Speaking of um, Adam's family, Rob Zombie <laughs> release a Munsters teaser finally, so we kind of get like a new take on the the intro with the the Munsters theme, and it it looks like it's just it's blast from the past. It looks like they they copied it. You know, it's in black and white. You see everything going on, and then after they they go through the whole song, it's like now in color, and then you see them in color, and it looks a little actually looks a little cheesier in color. That's like the downside because at least in black and white, it it I don't I don't know how to describe it, but it it doesn't look as as fake. <laughs> I don't know because there's something about it's having like Herman. Because if you go back to the show, you think about Herman Munster, even though he's supposed to be green, but when you see him in black and white, it doesn't it's it seems fine. But if you put it in color, it's like wait, there's a green person here. Obviously, people are going to be like, why are you green? You know, even if they don't know that he's supposed to be like Frankenstein's monster or whatever, so he can like maybe sort of pass off as some like weird kind of human. But if he's green, you're like, wait, what? What? So I, I'm kind of excited for that. I really don't know what to expect, you know, from this. I haven't like read any any interviews or any any information, so I don't know like how serious it's going to be. Is it going to be like kind of quirky and weird, or are they going to do like a serious take on it, or is it just going to try to be nostalgic and reproduce like you know callback to the series? I, I don't know, but I'm I'm definitely interested to see how that's going to turn out. And uh, the last bit of news is a trailer for Jordan Peele's Nope was was released. So Nope is uh, about aliens i guess and uh it's it's a look trailer looks good i really don't know what to make of it really don't know what to expect but it looks like it's going to be be pretty interesting so we have that to look forward to so that was uh pretty cool so you can check that out and you can also make sure you check out the rest of the show because that's going to be news for the week Okay, as far as comic books this week, at Image Comics, there wasn't a whole lot that I read. There was Skybound Presents After School number one, number one of four. Uh, so I read this. I didn't know any, anything about this. I wasn't really sure what to expect. It, it's written by Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead with art by Giovanni Nero and Greg Hinkle. And uh, Veronica Fish does uh, the cover eight. So I was like, okay, what is this about? It's it's an issue number one, so I should maybe check it out. And the write-up says, morals have eroded. Your kids are out of control. Skybound's new horror anthology is going to teach those teens a lesson. Then it says, in the debut issue, Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead 
uh, Marvel Studios White Knight. Oh, oh, Moon Knight. Uh, they worked on Moon Knight. Okay, that makes sense. And Greg Hinkle present a standalone cautionary tale soaked in blood and tears. Nora's anxiety prevented her from approaching high school with any degree of confidence, that is, until she adopted Janie, an emotional support dog with a winning smile and a killer secret. But just how far will Nora go to keep her new life? Uh, that's an interesting write-up because I actually didn't read that. I, I think I started reading it, then I was like, oh, I'll check it out. So I, you know, I got the issue and, and read it. Uh, I didn't realize what it says right there that it's a standalone issue. So because I was like, oh, four issues, okay. So you read this, and it's a it's a self contained story, which is awesome because you can go in there and see what happens, and you know, you, you get your conclusion, all that. So it was definitely an interesting thing. She doesn't necessarily adopt a dog the way it is her parents. Get, you know, she has a lot of anxiety and stuff like that. So her parents, like, you know, we've seen, you know, you got there's a lot going on here. So we thought, and then you know, the dogs are, and she's, and it makes a change on her, you know, her life and everything like that. So, but but it's interesting because when you see the dog, at first I'm like, is the dog really there? Because the way it the dog is colored and everything like that, it almost seems like is this a ghost dog? It's like it's not quite fully there, but it, it is there. It's not a ghost dog, and uh, it's things definitely get weird uh, really really quickly. So you should check that out. Um, then there was. Uh, that Texas Blood issue 14. Someday I will get caught up, and I don't know when. I I need like I, I I I'm telling you like I need like a time bubble so I can freeze time and have time to to catch up on everything. And I know it seems so silly. It's like, well, why don't you just do it? But uh, there's just so much. I barely got through this week's comics, and and there wasn't a whole lot. Maybe because there's so much many shows. It was my last week of school. You know, graduation, clearing up my classroom, all, all that stuff. Because there's also Time Before Time, issue 13, which I need to get caught up on that. I didn't realize, I thought Declan Shelby was still writing this, but he didn't write this issue, which is, is a bummer, but we have, whatever, we have that. There's a Swing, volume 5. I don't think I've talked about those or, or not. It's, it's, it's actually, it's, it's a much, very extremely mature title. It's about a couple who's into swinging. It's it's actually really it's an interesting story seeing this lifestyle. This is something I will fully say that I've never partaken in any of that, and I don't think I could. It just it to me it doesn't seem. It just seems I don't know. It would be weird, and I don't want to say it's weird because I don't want to. I'm not judging anyone that that's doing that, but you know you have to. You, it takes a what what does it take? Not not necessarily a lot of confidence. It takes a lot of trust and you know commitment and i th- that sounds weird cuz then that's not saying that a regular relation doesn't have trust or commitment but anyways it's it's been an interesting um series th- just seeing the, how the, the story unfolds and like what they go through and and everything like that so it's real easy to dismiss it like oh that's just a bunch of smutter but it's it's not it's there's actually all the characters are are really well developed and all that so it's it's may not be for everyone, but it's it's definitely been an interesting. So I I haven't read volume five. I'm I'm definitely want to check it out to to see where the characters because I think this is the last one, so you can see how everything wraps up. So yeah, then there was a twig issue two. So this is five issues. I'm I'm you know I I love Scotty Young's stuff, and I know right that right there is kind of saying the way I'm uh, 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 you know this genre may not be for me personally 
the the it's a cool design for the character. This world that we're seeing is is interesting. It's a little kind of fantasy ish base, and maybe that's like not my my first thing that I want at this current moment, whatever. Uh, so it's um, there's some interesting things, and I don't really know where it's going to go. Kyle Strom does the the art, so basically Twig has been sent on this mission to go retrieve something, but then twig was late and things got off to you know because like big huge responsibility but twig was was overslept things was you know late start and everything like that and uh things are possibly falling apart you know thing it didn't quite go as well as he planned um but then we find out this issue like wait it might even be worse than you thought and if you don't fix things, it could be really bad. And if you want to try to fix things, it's going to be like really hard. So, yeah, it'll okay. Where's this going? To, I mean, because now there's only three more issues, and with the way this kind of set up, I was like, it could easily be another you know fifteen twenty issues or something. You know, just just to tell like. So we'll see, but yeah, it's it's a definitely an interesting story. Okay, then I didn't read anything at IDW or Boom, but at DC, there was Poison Ivy number one. So this is by G. Willow Wilson with art by Marcio Takara. Poison Ivy is an interesting character, and I feel like we've had many different takes on, you know, we've see, sort of seen like different versions of, like literally different versions of, of, of Poison Ivy. And, you know, there's with her evolution and then uh, separation and then fallback or whatever, we're, we're seeing her on her current mission, like what she's going to do. What's a little hard for me, and it doesn't necessarily take away from the comic, it, it kind of makes it interesting. She's being pretty extreme. And I, I, as I say that, and I kind of almost cut myself off, yeah, she's being pretty extreme with how she's handling things. She's always been extreme. You know, she's always done a lot of, you know, harsh and final things to, to fight for the right of plants and, and all that. But some of the stuff she's doing is, it's like even even more so. So as I read this, I'm like, holy crap, where is this going to go? And and it's also kind of weird because it just seems like, you know, of late, it's like Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn. You know, it's like, it's official. They're a couple and all that. But there's like mention, but... You know, because of what happened recently in the pages of Batman, you know, so Harley's not quite in the picture, and uh, I really don't know where this series is going to go because, like, what what Poison Ivy is doing is, you know, it's it's almost like pretty final. So I don't I don't know, but it's it's like okay, well, well, let let's see what's going to happen. Uh, oh, I didn't read a Nubia Queen of the Amazons. I I maybe I should check that out. I don't know if I'd be into it because. You know, some of the Amazon stuff I, I've skipped over. So, I, one, I don't know if I'd be interested, you know, since I haven't been keeping up with it. But that came out. I should have checked it. Multiversity Teen, Multiversity Teen Justice number one. This wasn't for me. I wasn't a super fan of this. And the main thing is, as I'm reading these characters, I, I don't really care about them. And, you know, they're they're from, I forget what Earth they're from. But it's like these, you know, they're different versions of the Teen Titans. And it, it's kind of, was it Earth 11? Is it like the, the counterparts Earth where everyone's like the opposite gender? And uh, it's just, 
even though they're basically the same characters that we know, their personalities are a little different. And it just, I, I don't know. So I, I loved Teen Titans. And, it, you know, you could say it's interesting to see like a different, you know, different versions of them. But with the, the story that was set up, it, it didn't like completely grab me right away. So I'm like, okay. I, I mean, I read the whole thing. And what I've been doing lately is like, if, if I start losing interest and I just, I stop reading and I just like start flipping through the pages uh, to see, is there anything that's going to grab me that would make me go back and finish reading it or maybe read that page or whatever. And so I, I, I did my best, you know, I, I, I was like, I got to read through it. And it just, it didn't like boom, you know, knock me over or anything like that. One of the things that, uh, you know, I don't think, it, you know, I, or I know it has nothing to do with it. This is, uh, like, part of, like, the Pride stuff, you know, DC. And that, that sounds bad when I say Pride stuff. But, you know, we, we do have a lot of, you know, gay characters here. And that, I think, is so incredibly awesome. And, you know, I, I, I know I don't do much to support the community. But, you know, I, I would hope people would know I'm an ally at school. I've take I t- took the the responsibility of putting out the pride flag. You know, we have a flag that, that you know would be put out every day. My thing is, you know, I started. I, the reason I took the responsibility. <laughs> so off topic. I took the responsibility is it's like okay, this flag needs to be put away at the end of the day, and I'm usually like one of the last ones to leave campus. You know, there's a there's a couple people in the office that are there longer than me usually. Sometimes, not always. But I was like, I don't want to leave this flag. I'm super paranoid. Not that I, I mean, it's it's a great community and all that. I'm always so paranoid about stuff getting taken, or you know, or just some some knucklehead messing with it. So I was like, we can't keep this flag out, and well, you shouldn't keep flags out. You know, they, they shouldn't be out all night, and then you never know about the weather and all that. So I took the responsibility of putting it away at the end of the day, and then in the morning since I was one of the first ones to get on campus, I would put it out as well. So anyways, I know that has nothing to do with this, but my it's, it's, I'm still seeing a lot of the same thing with these pride comics. It feels like because we have gay characters, there seems to be a focus on, Hey, you didn't call me or you didn't text me or let's get together. It, it's like, and I know that this is a huge thing because even like the past few years when we had gay characters, and I'm using the umbrella term gay, you know, for, for all of it, because I, I'm maybe I'm not as educated as I should be. And, you know, I know we have the different, you know, terminology and everything like that. So I'm just using the broad gay. So when we have gay characters before, you know, they, it, was, it was almost like, yeah, this person is gay where we're not going to dwell on it too much. So now that that it's more, it's more accepted, more acceptable to talk about it, which is just so silly that we couldn't before or that we're not supposed to, or that people are so easily offended. People are still offended by it, which is just like, move on. Then don't, don't read this. If you have a problem with it, you know, whatever, get over it. So it, it just feels like that now that it's more acceptable which again is is it just sounds so stupid when I say that because it should always have been acceptable, but it feels like whenever we have gay characters, it's like it's there's it's about the romance. But when you look at like um, who's what's a good example? Okay, like Damien. You know, Damien kind of has a, had a crush on a girl, but that's not 
the whole thing about his comics like you don't even see it and you know like that character's not even in, in there but it's not going to be like like oh do you want to go to the movies or hey can i call you can i text you or heart emoji or this or that but whenever we have gay characters in the comics so he's like oh let's make out let's do this let's hold hands and and so it just feels like when we have heterosexual characters when they're, there's a, they're a couple, you don't always see that. And there may be a scene like, you know, there's been stuff like Peter Parker and Mary Jane lying in bed talking. But you, I don't really recall, and there's, I'm sure there have been images, but I don't really recall like panels of Peter and Mary Jane making out in bed, where in comics, it seems like that. Like, I just remember like Wiccan and, and Hulkling, like that's all they're doing is like making out. They're sitting here, they're making out. They're sitting here, they're making out. And again, awesome. It's great that we have this out there. It's like in your face to those who have a problem with it. But it's like there's, they're, they're regular characters too. They, they have regular interests and, and aspirations or missions or whatever. So it, it, it feels like they're being defined. Like these characters are gay, smooch, and now kiss. You know, I, I just feel like they could be, and, and that's not what I'm not, that is not what this comic is about. You know, there's the mission, the fighting and different things like that. But I just felt like there was a lot of it. So maybe I'm, because I'm, I'm whatever, be, becoming so cognizant. I don't even, I, I can't even talk anymore, but I, I just feel like when I'm, maybe I'm being hypersensitive and, and, and I'm not being hypersensitive because I, again, I'm absolutely not offended. I'm, I applaud it. But I just feel like that that's all we see when they're gay characters. And I, you want to have gay characters? Awesome. They can do whatever. They can be together. They can be in bed. They can hold hands. They can kiss. But it should be more than just that. That shouldn't be like the focus of it. But that's not. I, I just felt like there's a bit of it here. And it's like, here we go again. Does that make sense? I don't know. I, I feel like maybe I just I sounded like a complete a-hole. I don't know. But that's not my intentions. It's just I just didn't, wasn't interested in these characters in this world, and and I think that's the main thing is it's a multiversity stuff, which I've I've kind of grown you know away from that. This is another Earth. I don't really care like the multiversity or the Justice League incarnate. I lost interest in that because you hear these other characters from different Earth. That's not what I want to read. I don't know. Get off my lawn, right? It's, it's like. I just I'm so tired and just trying to keep up with everything. Monkey Prince. So here, here's a Monkey Prince issue five. I'm not a, <laughs> I'm not a super fan of anything, am I? I feel like that's all I'm saying. I, so this this character has been okay. There are some interesting things about him, and you know maybe it's it might be a cultural thing that maybe so that people are like like oh this is really cool. And I I do find some you know there there's some some cool things about that. I I love that this is not just another white character, white dude character, but. The, the the character in question, I don't even know the kid's name because I'm horrible with names. I haven't really seen anything that's like kind of like won me over like, oh, I really care about this kid and his plight and his problem and trying to navigate through high school. And it's like, what? He turns into a monkey now too. And his parents are super villains. What? I don't, he doesn't know that. Or no, Batman said something and he's like, no, he's wrong. So, but that's, that's where it is interesting. So the, the fact that he turns into this monkey prince Okay, that's fine. I know, and I know there's more to it than we're we've, we're seeing. You know, we're we're getting tidbits and stuff like that. But as far as a character himself, I'm not I, I'm not too sympathetic with him, and 
whatever. The interesting thing is where the first four issues, he was in Gotham. So we get like Batman and we get Damien and, you know, stuff like that. The penguins like thrown in there. But then the parents are like, we need to move, you know, probably because they're supervillains or not. They're villain henchmen. So they need to move. So they moved to Amnesty Bay. And uh, so it's like, are we going to see Aquaman? Are we going to see Black Manta? And we do see Black Manta. So the reason parents want to move there because they're going to take on a gig being henchmen. And they're not just henchmen. They're, they're both they're like doctor. They're like scientists or whatever. So they're really smart. They're evil hench, evil doctor hench. I don't even know. So we'll see. Yeah. And then we had a. Uh, in case you missed it, Justice League 75 Special Edition. I didn't check that out. Flashpoint Beyond number two. This, I really don't know what to make of this. I mean, this is this is a fascinating read. And at first I was like, is this just a reprint of Flashpoint Batman? But no, it's not. So, you know, Thomas Wayne is back, even though why he's not really sure what's going on. The Flashpoint world is back, even though it supposedly was erased. And he's seeing that, like, people... Like he he's like I should seek out Barry Allen because if he you know can become the Flash again then maybe we can you know I can get back to the real world or, or the other world or whatever, but then someone kills Barry Allen so it's like okay who did this and other people are getting like killed and murdered who have like the potential to possibly make changes in in that so there's definitely an interesting like who done it or what the heck is going on mystery angle to the series. So uh, yeah, there's some definitely some, some cool things here. Uh, there is Earth Prime, The Flash, issue five. So again, these Earth Prime books, each one is taking like a different CW show. So even though this is a Flash, it's really Nora and Bart. Uh, what's interesting, so I, I will fully admit I didn't read it all. I very read very little and I was just flipping through. Uh, so I think, I think it was Dave LaFuente who did the art. And we see like older Wally. Oh, oh, he is Wally. He's not Wallace. Older Wallace West, Wally West, which is interesting because he's nowhere to be seen in, in the show. And, you know, he's just mentioned from time to time. I just don't understand why they don't recast him. If what's his name who played Wally West doesn't want to do it, because it, it just it makes no sense that he's nowhere around. Iris is missing somewhere in time. Wally's, what is he even doing? I don't know. Is he still meditating somewhere? Anyways, more into Flash later. Dark Knights of Steel, issue seven. So even though this is Tom Taylor, this is not my favorite Tom Taylor book. And the reason is because of the time period. So I'm not a super fan of like medieval. Is is, is it even considered medieval? So um, yeah, I mean, there's there's some some interesting takes and it's basically like an Elseworlds or, you know, seeing different versions of these characters and, and, and all that. So it's, it's fine. Uh, I, I think my, my main problem is just like that, the tension that's, that's being created to, co- to, to bring conflict, you know, cause you need conflict so you can get the resolution or whatever in, in the comics, but just seeing this, this animosity or this hatred between the different factions, which, you know, normally it's like they shouldn't be there, but that's what's driving the story along. And so sometimes I feel like it's like, do we really need this? Are these characters, should they really like hate each other and all that? But again, if you didn't have that, there'd be no story. Then there is Dark Crisis number one. 
So this is basically picking up after Justice League 75, you know, Justice League are dead and we're seeing, you know, some of the younger characters like, you know, uh, Jonathan, you know, he's, he's trying to, and Wally West, even they're all the villains when they got word of the Justice League being dead, they're like, Oh, this is our chance. Let's start doing some evil stuff. And, and that then Hal Jordan comes to earth, which is interesting because he's been away for a while and he's like, what the heck is going on here? And then, he, and he's surprised when he finds out that Prince, that um, Black Adam, I was like, totally, I was like, wait, it's not Prince Adam. I was like, what's his name? I totally drew a blank there. Black Adam, I was thinking He-Man from the, the Tila show. Black Adam, you know, he's like, do we trust him? Because, you know, he's the only one that, that saw the Justice League, whatever, die. So he doesn't really, really buy it and everything like that. And, and then there's like Jonathan is like, well, we need more heroes. So he goes to Brazil to talk to Yara Flor to see if, you know, she wants to join the justly. He goes to New York to talk to, uh, Jace Fox to, to talk to, you know, the Batman of New York. And then he talks to some other people and, uh, it's, it's an inch. I don't know if it's a secret, whatever, but, um, you know, he, he tries forming a new justice league and some, some questionable, uh, choices there and, and you know Black Adam even questions some things and then uh, one of the things that was a little confusing because at one point because throughout throughout this every time we see Jonathan it's like someone has a target on him so like someone's like watching him through a scope like they're about to shoot him but it's like how the heck are you following him everywhere it's like he's in in Bloodhaven or whatever and then he's in Brazil and it's like is it more than one person following him someone have a teleporter they're, they're tracking him everywhere but then uh, the Titans Tower starts getting attacked and without I, I don't think it's a spoiler or whatever but something that happened and uh, basically a Cyborg and Beast Boy were kind of merged but then here when we see them they're not merged because we, yeah, and I won't go, so, yeah. Something kind of crazy happens there. And uh, so it's like, wait, what? So it's like, did we miss something from the like last issue of Teen Titans Academy, which I think was last week? Or is it just, don't worry about it, whatever. So, uh, and I, I'm still I'm not really clear on what Deathstroke's, he like wants to kill everyone. It's like, is he mad because... Is it has to do because he was killed and brought back? Why is he? Why is he so mad? Why? Why is he so serious? I, I don't know. Then we had a uh, Batman Killing Time issue four, so I'm I'm not reading that one. That's uh, a Tom Taylor. That's the Batman, uh, Joker, Catwoman, whatever. Uh, Batman Beyond Neo Year three. I I try it again, and I, I just can't get into this and. There's just something, and I don't know if it's because it's Batman Beyond, but like a little more serious, like, you know, higher stakes or whatever, you know, because we saw Bruce Wayne is dead, he gets killed, or did he get killed? I don't even remember now. And it just, it's a little more bleak. And while, you know, things were kind of dark, I feel like with like the original animated series, it, it still wasn't bleak because, you know, Terry McGinnis was still having fun. He had a lot to deal with, but. I don't know. It's just, it just feels like too much, and it's uh, yeah, it, it doesn't feel right to me. Then there's a uh, Batman 124. So this is interesting because, well, the backup story. I'll start with that. There's a like a Poison Ivy backup story that's by G. Willow Wilson. 
and art by Danny, D-A-N-I. But then with the main part, it's basically Batman has a run-in with Abyss. It's like, wait, what? Is it Abyss or is it someone else? What's going on? So that that was a a, a fine story. There's uh, Aquaman Andromeda. I didn't read this. It was a black label. I was like, I started flipping through it and I was just like, eh, I'm not feeling that. So maybe, maybe you liked it. I don't know. Let me know. At Marvel, we had Amazing Spider-Man issue three. My main problem so far is just how bleak things are. Again, I don't want bleak, bleak, bleak. I mean, things have been so bleak, you know, in, in the world. What, you know, so Spider-Man's going through such a, worse you know parker luck whatever than than usual and uh he's got this major problem going just happening between him and tombstone and tombstone's like not cutting him any slack and so we'll have to see what's going on here so that that was like the main part of it because last issue spider-man was caught in a trap and the thing that it's like Spider-Man's like, no, no, keep the mask, don't take the mask off, whatever. And he's and Tombstone's like, I don't care who's under your mask, which just seems silly. I mean, unless he's going to kill him like right then and there, it's like you learn the identity, you have power over them. But he's just like, I don't care because you know Spider-Man was unconscious and he's like tied up or, or you know he's got some restraints on him. And it's just like, take his mask off. But I, I guess then realistically, it's like if you take the mask off, it's like, wait, okay, that's what you look like? Who are you? It's not like, you know, just because you take Peter, Peter Parker, like you're the, that photographer. Although Peter Parker is a little more than a photographer, but you know what I'm saying. Uh, then there's Fortnite X Marvel, Zero <laughs> War. Um... It's it's fine. So I, I I don't know if there was another Fortnite comic because I, I totally missed it. I know there's a the DC Fortnite, the with Batman and and I like that. Especially it was weird because like Snake Eyes wasn't an issue, but I it the way it sounds like there was another Marvel Fortnite adventure that happened and maybe I just totally missed it, which I don't see how. But this this was okay. So we have Spider Man and you know he was on this. Fortnite adventure before and you know some others were and then they're trying to recruit some people to go stop whatever you know save today and everything so he goes uh goes to madripoor to talk to patch and you know you got some other whether they're Fortnite characters i don't know so it was okay and if you've been watching the news you know spider-man's gonna get a new costume in the Fortnite comics so there's that if you're you're into new costumes. Uh, Legion of X issue twelve. I didn't read this, and I start I started looking at this. And I'm just like, what what is going on? So it was to say, God for sale. Legion is offered an unholy deal by Mother Righteousness, a wheeler deal. I say I can't even read this whole thing. I'm not a big Legion fan, and or basically, I, I guess I should say I don't like Legion. I just I don't care for his character, and I don't know what it is about him, but I'm just not interested in him. And I, I know like the Legion show was supposed to be really good, and you know the Legion comics people really people really like that. I just I can't get into him. And there's something about it that just yeah. So I didn't read that. Um, Marauders uh, for for me the art is is good. So it's, I think it's Eleonora Carlini. Uh, but it it 
didn't feel like it fit the characters. So like I said, it's really good art. I would love to be able to draw like that and have my own style, but it just, it seemed a, a little off. And you know, we, we have a lot with uh, Cassandra Nova and I don't like her. So, you know, just trying to keep up with it, but uh, I should probably go back and, and try to read it. And, you know, I'm just, I'm trying to be more like, if I don't like it, I don't want to read it. Cause you know, I don't want to sit here and say, well, I didn't like this. I didn't like this, but you know, part of me feels like I should be reading these just to, you get what I'm saying. Right. Um, Savage Avengers issue two. So it's, I think the, the most fascinating thing for me is just like the characters that we have here characters that almost feels like they should not be in the same book it's just so weird i mean one conan with marvel characters is just such a bizarre thing but you know it worked in the the previous i mean to me that i think that was like the the interesting driving force in the the previous savage avengers series so you know we have sav we have conan we have electra daredevil we have cloak and dagger have black knight and it's like wait what's going on with with devil dinosaur what and then you know then there's a deathlock that's like causing some trouble and everything like that so it's um definitely interesting to see and, and i think what i really like is is a dagger just way she's kind of like stand, you know talking to the to conan because he's kind of coming down on cloak a little bit it's like oh he's soft and whatever and she so there's some some interesting uh tension if you want to say that star wars issue 24 the final hunt so uh what's her name uh Elian Zara, so that she's the the protege of Grand Moff Tarkin, the one that like hates Princess Leia, like you know, like that. So this is uh, their final confrontation for now, maybe or maybe forever. So we'll have to see what happens. I, I think this is the one where Leia dies. No, it's not. So there's that. Thor issue twenty six. This is a continuing Banner of War. Uh, so if you look at the cover, you see Thor has turned into a Hulk. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so it's like trying to fight him. He's not being too reasonable. Banner is trying to get control of the Hulk and the Starship Hulk thing, which is, again, so weird. At one point, like, uh, okay, I, I guess I'll just spoil this. But Sif, this, she's like, I'm going to call back Odin or call back Thor and so we can, you know, stop him and help him or whatever. And then uh, he he kind of breaks. He resists the Bifrost and kind of like breaks it. It's like, wait, what? How how is that possible? And then we get an, another big like crazy sort of development at the end, which is going to continue. I guess in the pages of the, of the Hulk, the next issue to Hulk. Or, uh i don't know we'll see and then uh there is venom issue eight and i i just i can't get into the series i don't know but let's see what's this say the moment you've been waiting for <laughs> not me you've watched and read in terror for months as dylan brock has fulfilled his destiny and become the new venom but what about his old man what about the original venom what about eddie brock your answers start here, true believer. If you buy no other issue of Venom in 2022, you must buy this one. And then the next two. But start with this one. I, I don't know what it is. And it, it's just, there's just something that is just not working. And while I, I like Brian Hitch's art, there's something about his, the way he draws Venom. I mean, they're definitely you know different 
builds and and we've seen venom drawn so many different ways sometimes he's just drawn way too big and everything so that that's not the case here but there's i don't know something about and and it's not just the the body's build but it's also like the the designs of the symbiotes and it just seems different you know and whatever and i just i don't really maybe i should re, I, I started fl i flipped through this issue and maybe I should read this because if I'm going to read anyone this year, I sh should read this one, right? But part of me, I just like I just don't care, and I don't know what what the heck's going on with with Eddie, and and part of me, I'm just like at this point, I don't care anymore. And Dylan, I you know I was okay with Dylan in the beginning, but maybe I like Dylan when he seemed younger because he seemed more vulnerable now that he's suddenly like like a teenager it's like how that i still don't understand how that happened it's like did we have a time jump when the rest of the marvel universe didn't you can't do that so i i don't i don't know but maybe people are like this i hope and uh i hope <laughs> hope you're okay with that seg oh man that's gonna be comics for the week all right, let's talk Superman and Lois, Season 2, Episode 13, All is Lost. So it starts up five years ago. We see Allie talking about her life being far from perfect. So she's doing one of her like meeting talks, whatever. She's like a very small group of people. She's saying she was born incomplete. She feels something's missing. So she wrote a book to give people hope. And, you know, something like that the, the voice can be filled and stuff like that. So then she does like a book signing. Lucy comes up to get her book signed, and you know, she's talking about her sister and stuff like that. And and then uh, Allie's like, she's like, at what point did you feel you weren't special? And she's like, well, I'm a nobody and stuff like that. So that's kind of how it started. And I mean, obviously, Allie is, you know, preying on that because you you can see that she's by luck. You know, she she I I mean, these are people that are coming to her meeting or whatever to her signings. So yeah. So then it, we see Lucy's is asking other fo followers. So this is like in a present. They're like at this lot. She's like, why are you leaving? One lady's like, Allie's been gone for over a month. She's not coming back. And Lucy's like, you don't know that. Superman flies around the world, goes back home. He says, there's no sign of Lucy, of, of Allie anywhere. Lois is like, well, she must be back in the other universe. So Superman kind of wants to go back there. But she's like, you're not going back. She's like, you were there for a month. She's like, you left me alone with two teenage boys for a month. And she's like, and... She can drain your powers, so you, you know you're, and and you're also not as strong over there that, as you are here. He's like, well, he's like, all right, fine. He's like, I'll, I'll wait. You know, we'll make a plan for when she does come back. And she's like, you could spend some time with the boys too, and then they're gonna have to tell them about Lana's decision to stay away from them. So Lois, meanwhile, she's also hoping to track down Lucy now that Allie's away. So maybe they can try to bring her back. Nat asks John, you know, John's in his workshop. He's like, you know, do you want any breakfast, whatever? And then he says he has to keep working on the suit. He thinks that, you know, Allie can drain life along with the powers. So Nat goes to make him a breakfast burrito, whatever. John Henry asks the computer to open up a recent file about the suit. And the computer's like, which suit? And then he's like, what? And then he, like, looks at the computer and he sees his jaw drops because he doesn't know that there's two suits. Sarah's watching a video of her performance on her phone. Then Lana comes in. You know, she's listening. She's like, that voice. She's like, who is that? And Sarah's like, uh, it's me. And then uh, <laughs> Lana's like, she says something. She, she mentions Alanis Morissette. She's like, oh, you could be. And and Sarah's like, who's Alanis Morissette? Which is like, come on. It, that, that is such a, 
I, I, this is a, the first time that they do this in this episode where it's like they're trying to make it that the adults are like old, that the, the kids don't know that. But if Sarah's like so into music and singing, she, she would have had to have heard of Alanis Morissette because, I mean, Alanis Morissette is still performing and recording. So that was just, okay, whatever. So then Lana's like, what is this? And Sarah's like, oh, this is from, from last night. And you know, she's like, I don't want to bother you with all this because of your breakup marriage stuff or whatever. Then Lana's like, oh, I wish I could have been there. And she's looking at it, Then she realizes that it's at the bar where Kyle's fling whatever worked at. But Sarah's like, but, but dad's person, she wasn't there. And Lana's like, I don't know what he was thinking taking you there. And Sarah's like, you don't understand. She's like, no, I don't. So Lana's like ticked off. <laughs> Clark's tells, you know, talking to the boys and then we're supposed to just ignore the whole Cushing family. And Jonathan's like, you do realize we go to school with Sarah, right? And Clark's like, Lana isn't ready for Sarah to know the truth about our family. And Jordan stupidly is like, uh, shouldn't, shouldn't that at least be up to Sarah? And Jonathan's like, yeah, isn't she like overreacting? Clark's like, Lana has every, you know, she has, she has to lie every day to protect their secret. So is it really fair to expect Sarah to have to do the same thing? And Jordan asks, he's like, well, do you think she'll ever change her mind? And Clark's like, I don't know. He's like, but for now, we need to respect their wishes. He's like, on the bright side, I have a whole, <laughs> I planned a whole day of chores so we can spend time together. And they're like, how's that the bright side? So then uh, Lois goes to the, the paper. She's talking to the Gazette, whatever. Chrissy Beppo gives her all her files from her time with Allie. She's like, well, clearly Allie only let me know what she wanted me to know. Sound familiar? And it's just like, get over it, Chris. It's so stupid that she's mad at Lois because, oh, by the way, my sister, like, almost she committed suicide because she joined a cult. Yeah, that's going to be the first thing. Oh, nice to meet you. I'm Lois Lane. My sister joined a cult. It's, it's just, oh, by the way, my dad works for the government and does all this, this top secret stuff. But, oh, yeah, but let me just tell you everything. She's, I, it, it's so annoying, these people about, anyways. <laughs> Lois says, she's like, well, I can explain. And Chrissy's like, good, because, you know, Lana thought that Clark was on a month-long assignment for the Gazette. And last I checked, your husband doesn't work here. So Lois says, but he want he wants to, <laughs> he he wants to work here, but he doesn't want the job just because Lois, you know, he doesn't want to get the job just because Lois is working there. Then Chrissy's like, so the month long thing was to impress me, and Sam walks in, sort of like you know, any sign of Lucy. He says that he got a hit or something like that. He tracked her down to a lodge in the middle of nowhere. Chrissy asks, she's like, are you, you sent, is a DoD sending a team out there? And Sam's like, Miss Beppo, if my daughter's there. I'd like to be able to extract her before sending anyone in with guns. So he's like, you know, for now it's just lane family business. And Chrissy's like, well, I'll go too. And she's like, I drink the tea. I watch those people die at the portal. She's like, I almost died at the portal. And then Lois, I maybe to kind of make it up a little bit to Chrissy. She's like, she's right. And she might be able to help. Sam is like, fine. Just, you know, don't get in the way. Then on Bizarro World, which is weird to think because the, the, when they sh they don't show it often all the time, but it's, it's it's a cube shape just like how Bizarro World is in a comic except it's red instead of all the blue. So we see Allie and her her followers are gather. She addresses the a whole world like the incomplete people of the world. Soon we will be able to be we'll all be gods. There's just one thing to do: merge both Earths into one. 
It's like it's just this weird because I, I guess it doesn't matter who who's dominant because they're both there. Nat comes into the workshop and she's like, "Oh, I went out and got fresh coffee." John Henry's just like just staring at her suit because so I guess he he brought it out of her closet into his workshop, and he's like, "When were you going to tell me?" And she's like, uh, "Today, maybe." She's like, I finished it last night. He's like, so now you're a superhero? And she's like, no, I just want to help when the time comes. He's like, good. Start. You can start helping by taking it apart. And he's like, putting a suit together like that puts your life in danger. And she's like, no. She's like, why are you treating me like a child? He's like, you're 15 years old. She's like, I've been helping you with the suit since day one. And he's like, you could die in that suit. She's like, I almost died two days ago in jeans and a jacket when Mrs. Cushing's clone tried to murder us. And she's like, and I saved your life, by the way. She's like, I'm more than qualified to not just sit on the sideline. And he's like, are you going to take it apart or am I? And she's like, I build stuff. I don't destroy them. And she just like walks out. So we see Sam, Lois, and Chrissy, they drive out to the lodge. This could be their last chance to get through to Lucy. Sam wants Chrissy to stay in the car, and he's like, I'll even crack the windows. And she's, she's not happy about this. So, to, But then he's like, look, you, you can be our, our lookout. He's like, it's standard operating procedures. So he and Lois goes in. Agent Wu from the DOD, she, she's there. She's like, you need to leave. And Sam's like, he tells her, relax. He's like, I know you're just here because of Anderson. And Lois is like, Allie had him killed just to get the pendant. And then you hear, don't listen to her from above so lucy's like up on the second floor and lucy's like she's lying and she's she's like you shouldn't be here and lois is like neither should you and she's like it's over superman destroyed dependent wow you really will say anything to get your way and sam's like it's true it's over so lucy says that Allie will come there and they'll merge and then she'll be whole Lois says, like, Allie merged, but she's not whole. She's become some kind of parasite. She drains people's energies be, to be more powerful. She doesn't care about helping others. Lucy says that Allie's the only person who helped her, and that's why she'll wait as long as it takes. It's like nothing they can say will change that. So Sam reaches for her arm, and then he puts, like, this weird, like, DOD handcuff on her, and he's like, well, I'm not leaving your side again. He's like, whatever's coming, we'll face it together. So then Clark is with Jonathan. They're like in the, they're working on a tractor or something like that. And he's like, oh, your brother seems pretty upset. And Jonathan's like, well, you kind of banned him from talking to the girl he loves. So, but it's like, yeah, she doesn't, what, she don't want to talk to him anyways. The last episode, you know, Nat says hi to her and she's like, oh, hi, Nat. And she doesn't even acknowledge that Jordan was there. So it's like, whatever. And then Clark asks him, he's like, well, do you think there's anything I can do to make it better? And Jonathan's like, you want my advice? The lying son who let everyone down? And Clark's like, that's not who, that's not you. He's like, really? He's like, with the other John, he messed up on two worlds. And Clark's like, no. He's like, you're just kids dealing with circumstances the best you can. It's not too late for either of you to make things right. And he's like, do you really believe that? Clark sighs. He's like, anyone can make a bad decision. The true measure of someone's character is what you do afterwards. He's like, you've been putting into work to make amends. So uh, what does that mean? You're, you're not mad at me anymore? And Clark kind of like scoffs. He's like, I was never mad, Jonathan. It's just, as a parent, you care so much about your kids. I want to protect you from everything, but I have to learn to let you make your own mistakes. And that's what's really hard. But I promise you, I will always be here for you when you do. And John's like, Dad, he's like, everyone hates me. I'm never going to play sports again. I have no future. He's like, that's not true. It's going to be fine. Clark's like, you know, I should go check on your brother. And then he's like, uh, about that. Then we see Dum Dum Jordan. He went to Lana's office. And she's like, Jordan, now's not really a good time. He's like, please, it'll, it'll only take a minute. 
And he's like, you need to know that Sarah means everything to me. And Lana's like, all that matters is Sarah knows that, and she broke up with you. He's like, yeah, but I, I couldn't tell her the truth. You know, I was lying to her all the time, but now that, that you know, I was wondering. She's like, oh, no. He's like, you still can't tell her, but I love her. So it's like, Jordan is so selfish. And Lana's like, it's not about love, Jordan. If Sarah knows your secret, it puts her whole life in danger. And he's like, I can keep her safe. I have powers. And and Lana's like, not even Superman can keep everyone safe. She's like, your mom told me everything. Tag Harris kidnapped Sarah trying to get to you. But but, but that, that wasn't my fault. It's like, that doesn't matter. Do you not get it? Oh, and she's like, so Lana's like, she will never be safe if you're part of her life. Please, Mrs. Cushing, just just give give me a chance. To do what, Jordan? My family's going through enough. So think about what you're asking. If you really love Sarah, if you want to protect her, you'll stay away. He's like, sorry to bother you. And he leaves. And she just like sighs because she's like, because she, I mean, she comes down. She's a little harsh with him, but he's also being a dum-dum. It's, it's like, come on, man. So they flashback to Lucy at her first apartment. Allie's there. And she's like, oh, it's a fresh start, whatever. And she's like, what's your, your sister or brother thing? She hasn't, Lucy hasn't told him yet that she's got her own place or something like that. They wouldn't understand. And she says, you know, it's, it's more about Lois. She still thinks that she's her mom. Allie says that she could probably help Lois, you know, her, her need to try to fix everything. Lucy's like, well, I'd worry about someone getting hurt. And Allie's like, I would never hurt your sister. Lucy's like, I'm more worried about Lois hurting you. She's like, you know, Lois will never believe you or me. And Allie's like, well, she's a champion for the truth. She's bound to see it sooner or later. In the present, Sam is being searched for the key to the handcuffs. He's like, search all you want. They find a Superman call calling thing, but like nothing else. They end up going in another room, and he says that you know the only way out is if she comes with them. Lucy tells Lois, she's like, tell him to un- unlock us. And Lois is like, you forced this. She's like, you drugged him. You lied to us. And Lucy says that she did what she had to. Lou- Lois says that she did what she had to to help Allie. She's like, we're your family. And Lucy's like, she cares about me. Lois says that they care about her. She's like, I love you. And she says that Lucy's like, that's such a lie. She's like, ever since mom left, she's like, I've been a prom in your life. And you always make sure that I know it. She's like, Allie wants me around. And she's never hurt me. Sam tries saying that Lois is her sister. So, of course, she cares. Lucy says, stop trying to make things better. She's like, after today, I'm done with you. Jordan, um, he's pouting uh, on, the, on a bench in, in town. Clark walks up. He's like, you overheard? He's like, Mrs. Cushing is right. It was about me, not what's best for Sarah. And Clark's like, well, that's very mature of you. And Jordan's like, yeah, but it doesn't make me feel any better. He's like, I still love her. And Clark's like, I know. He's like, but you can try to focus on the good. You know, he's like, you can do things that other people can't do. So what? So what? It's an amazing gift. More amazing than you even know. He's like, I want to show you something. And he's like, I promise it'll make you forget about Sarah, at least for a little. 
Sarah finds Kyle walking down the street with a couple of his firefighter coworkers. You know, they went shopping or something like that. And so she wants to talk to Kyle. She's like, mom saw the video of me singing and she, you know, she saw the bar. So she's like, I tried explaining that, you know, who wasn't there. He's like, she's like, I'm sorry. And everything. He's like, no, no, no. It's like, it's my fault. He's like, I'll go talk to her and I'll smooth things out. And she's like, really? He's like, yeah. So then Lois asks Lucy, she's like, you really think I don't love you? You know, if I was hard on you, it's because I thought that that's what you did. She's like, I was a child raising a child. And Sam's like, she did the best that she could. Lucy says, no, dad. The reason she was hard on me is because she hated me. She's like, you blame me for everything wrong in your life. I was the reason you couldn't be on teams or a school paper. Sam's like, that was because I didn't trust you girls with some random sitter. Lucy says that she still looks at her like she did back then. Like, you know, she's something that she's shackled to, a constant disruption in her perfect life. Lois like, I'm sorry if I ever made you feel like you were a burden because the truth is you're my life raft. She's like, I wouldn't have survived childhood without you. She's like, and I still need you. Raising the kids has taught me a lot about love. You can't just say it. You have to mean it. You have to show it. So please just give me a chance to show you how much I love you. Lucy's like, you can't just say words now. And she's like, I, I just need to think. And Sam's like, you're right. So she's like, you know, you need uh, you need time to think instead of being forced into it. So he puts, puts his thumb like on the device in this little look square. And then it opens up the, the cuffs. So he's like, the, you know, issues between them is because of him. And Lois is like, no. And Lucy's like, yeah, it's because of mom. He's like, you never abandoned us. And so it's like they, they have like this bonding moment because they're both agreeing on something. And then... Woo comes up. She's like, Lucy, you need to come outside. They go, I'll, I'll go outside. And they see Allie just like floating above the trees and her, like her eyes are glowing. Superman, meanwhile, takes Jordan to the North Pole or wherever the fortress is like up there. He says that they're going to do some training. Clark says he spent years out there on ice perfecting how to fly. So now Jordan can do it. So they're standing over this like huge like crater, whatever, rift. And Jordan's like hesitant. So he's like, okay. So he jumps and he falls. And Clark's like watching. He's like, come on, come on, come on. He's like, you can do it. Come on. He's falling, falling, falling. Then he just starts flying. And Clark's like, woo. And they're like, they're like, eh, all this stuff. But then, you know, he's flying back. He's not slowing down. He's like headed to this big like mountain. So then uh, Clark goes up and like catches him and you know, stops him. He's like, that's a thousand times better than punching feedbacks. And Clark's like, what? He's like, that's what grandpa made me do. He's like, amateur. And Jordan's like, can we do it again? And Clark's like, yeah, and we, you can do my favorite path called a Kessel Run. What's that? So here's the other thing. Jordan apparently is a big dum-dum. He's never watched Star Wars, which, you know, not all kids watch Star Wars. But, you know, I have kids in middle school that know everything about Star Wars. And they may know more, you know, than I do with all, like, the Clone Wars and Rebel, you know, every little detail and stuff like that. So. So uh, Jordan and Sarah are both dum dums. They, they all they're so they only know about current events. They're just in their own little worlds. Allie lowers herself and her eyes like go back to normal. She walks up to the few people standing there. Lucy steps forward in front of the others. I knew you'd come back for me. And Allie's like, "Of course we did. We promised you." And she's saying "we" because now there's two Allies. They're merged. Lucy whispers, "She's like you merged, and soon you will too." Lois is like, that's a lie. She's like, the pendant has been destroyed. Sam says, like, that's right. I saw it with my own eyes. Allie's like, we don't need the pendant anymore. She's like, we found a different way. Lois says that she just wants to turn Lucy into a monster. She's like, they won't be herself. She'll be a version of herself who hurts people. Sam's like, it's true. (laughs) He's like, all he's doing is agreeing. 
Allie says that they would never hurt her. Lucy Lucy looks back and forth, just trying to decide like who to believe. Then she asks Allie, she's like, what do we do next? Allie's like, we finish what we set out to do, merge both planets. You can do that? And Allie's like, we can with enough power. And that's why Lois is going to tell them where to find Superman. But it's like, she probably knows that Lois was married to Superman in the other world, uh, right? I'm assuming. John Henry is trying to dismantle Natsuit. He he's like using this little like handsaw, like power saw, but it just it got dem- demolished. Like trying to cut through. The computer said that Natalie used the same material as his suit, but then applied a special lacquer made from X kryptonite. So when he looks at it, he's like, it seems impenetrable. And the computer says that. And it's and also clearly superior to your own suit. He's like, that'll be enough. Thank you. So he goes in Nat's room and she's like, how did the demolition go? He's like, you knew I couldn't destroy it. She's like, I hoped. She's like, you really didn't give me a chance to test it out before you went all aggro dad on me. And he's like, the suit's impressive. And she's like, are you really surprised? You know what I'm capable of. And she's like, please don't be the person to hold me back. And he's like, you have to understand where I'm coming from. I'm your father. And she's like, I do, but we already lost one world. She's like, I can't just sit back and watch another one destroyed. He's like, this time, you know, I have to fight. He sighs. He's like, okay, but first, you know, we're going to look at the upgrades on your suit and we'll go from there. Kyle goes to Lana's office. He's like, you know, she's like, clear up her her kind of legs a little shaking. She's like, everything all right? He's like, I see your, your worried leg is going. And he's like, if I'm the cause of that, it's like, I'm sorry. She's like, no. She's like, it's me. She's like, I'm a terrible person. Every move I make lately is, is the wrong one. She's like, I got upset with Sarah when I should have been celebrating her. She's like, I yelled at Jordan Kent. And he's like, what'd he do? She's like, oh, it, it's a long story. She's like, that's the thing. There are all these secrets piling up. And she's like, I'm just not handling it. And she feels like, you know, she doesn't even know herself anymore. And he's like, I don't know what is you know you have going on but i've lived with you long enough to know that you're a good person and you're a hell of a mom he's like whatever you're done i'm sure it's for the right reasons so he's like why don't we pick up the girls we'll do family dinner we'll go to whatever this one restaurant and she's like i don't know he's like no it'll be dinner as co-parents he and but then she's like but we still need to talk about sarah performing at tanya's bar he's like yes ma'am but he kind of smiles because he notices that Lana has like the family picture before her quinceanera, like in a frame in, in her office. So even though there's maybe splitting, who knows? She still has a picture of him in there because they're family. Allie asks again, Lois, she's like, where is Superman? And she's like, I don't know. He can be anywhere. After all, he is the world's greatest hero. Allie's like, but you know how to contact him. Lucy like looks at her dad because she knows about the device thing. And he just kind of like slowly like shakes his head. And she's like, Lois is like, it's not like I have a red Superman phone. Although that's not a bad idea. Ha ha ha. Bat phone from Batman 66. Allie's like, again, where is he? Lois is like, what are you going to do? Kill me like you did Anderson? Wu is like, what? And Allie says, she's like, I didn't kill Anderson your son's other self did and lois looks at or lucy looks at lois she's like is that true and lois is like she ordered him to do it Allie's like lois was she's like she wasn't even there he made the choice himself he's the monster and lois is like you manipulated him and lucy's like the only manipulator here is you she's like it's like i never know what to believe and i'm sick of it so she reaches in her pocket and sam's like don't and lucy's like you want superman i can get him 
So Clark and Jordan return to the farm. Jordan's landing is, is pretty hard, but he's like, oh, it's getting better. Jonathan's like, where were you? And so, so Clark's like, at the fortress training. And Jordan's like, oh, I was flying. And then Jonathan's like, while I was here, he's like, well, don't worry. I got the list of chores done. And he, they're like, Jonathan, he's like, oh, I'm going to go take a shower. So, you know, he gets to sit home and do all the, all the work while they have fun. Lucy's still holding the device, and Lois says that this isn't the way. Sam's like, he's like, give it to me. And she's like, stop, just stop. She's like, I have to do this for me. So she flips the thing open. Sam runs at Lucy, and then Allie starts, like, draining his life. The others, they freak out. They're like, get the heck out of here. They start running. And then she's like, call him. Lucy screams. She's like, you're hurting him. Allie's like, I said, call him now. And then Lucy pushes it. Superman arrives. Allie stops draining Sam, and she starts on Superman before he even lands. You know, she, or he, you know, he's flying there. He's getting here. He's so he didn't land. She just like turns around, and in the air, she just starts draining him. So then Chrissy came out of the car because she heard when she heard Superman fly. So she's she sees what Allie's doing, and she I guess she apparently calls emergency DOD number. Okay, it's like I don't know who's gonna run, how they're gonna get there so so quickly. The computer tells John Henry that the, the uh, Sam's emergency number has been dialed. And he's like, by who? And she's like, Christine Beppo. So he asked for the location. He's like, Lois must be there. So he has to go. And that's like, we have to go. And she's like, you know the suit will protect me. Superman, he struggles. He gets up. He moves forward towards Allie. And then he like falls to his knee. John Henry and Nat are, are, are flying there. He sees what's happening, you know, like telescopic whatever vision thing. He tells Nat to get Superman and he'll get Allie. She's like, yes, sir. So Lois is screaming, enough. Superman like turns and like looks at Lois. He almost looks like Bizarro now. He's just like so getting crispy. And he's like, Lois. And then John Henry whips his hammer at Allie. But then she somehow hears it and she turns around and she's able to use her draining powers to stop the hammer. So somehow her draining powers is similar to telekinesis, or maybe she's draining the moment. I don't even understand. I, I was like, what? She tosses it back at John Henry like somehow. And uh, then she looks at Lois and Lucy. She's like, now nah, we can finish this. Superman's like flatlining. And so Nat scans him and she tries like jumping his heart. John Henry arrives and tells her to go to max power because and then superman is dead but then he um he starts his heart starts beating so he grabs superman and he tells lois to meet them at the dod nat grabs sam and they they take off so then another flashback to lucy's apartment and she says lois called her uh ally a cult leader blah 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 all this stuff ally's like you know as soon as they find the doorway to the other world then you know, they'll, they'll know that Lucy's right about this, whatever. And she's like, this is where it's like, she's just really manipulating things. And she's like, you know, sometimes family isn't the one you're born into, you know, saying that they're family now and whatever. So then we see Lois or we see Lucy, <laughs> the, the L's are getting me. Lucy is sitting by Sam's side in like a hospital bed. He comes to, and she's like, I thought I was going to lose you. And she has like tears. She's like, this is all my fault. And he's like, we all make mistakes, but through thick and thin, we've always been a family. And she's like, I don't deserve you. And he's like, I always told you that you and your sister are the best thing that ever happened to me. And then she's like, well, what about Superman? You know, she's like, I don't know if he's going to make it. So then uh, Lois is waiting in the hall. John Henry comes out. He's still unconscious and they're running tests. 
And she's like, well, it's it's not like they can do blood work or anything. He's like, actually, they were able to draw some blood. But she's like, his skin is impenetrable. Not at the moment. But now that means they can get some answers. They can help him to, you know, if they know what's what's wrong. So we see uh, the, there's family dinner. Kyle is talking about, about Sarah and her playing whatever. Lana says, she's like, well, I want to go to the next show. And Sophie's like, me too. And Sarah's like, you're too young. You know, just like all this stuff like that. And, you know, Kyle's saying more. And Lana's like, you know that, you know, he's going to want 10%, whatever, you know, like as her manager. And he's like, darn right, I, whatever. So they're all having fun. And then Lois and John Henry arrive at the farm. So they, they tell the kids and Nat that Clark's still unconscious, but he'll survive. Lois says that the docs say his cells look normal. And Jordan's like, well, that's a good thing, right? And she's like, it would if he were human. There's a chance he might never be the same again. Nat's like, but Allie's still out there. We need Superman. And John Henry's like, well, until he comes back, we're all going to need to step up. Allie's talking. She's back on her other world. She's talking to the other Lana. She's saying Superman is dead or he may be close to it. His powers are probably depleted. Lana's like, well, I can go finish him off. And then she's like, you know, what will you do in the meantime? And Allie just smiles. And she's like, and then we see her. She's like, I don't know what she's doing, but she's floating. And she's, I don't know, she's zapping both suns. There's like two like red spheres. She's doing something. I don't know what she's merging something. I don't even know what she would be doing because she's stealing power from something else. <sighs> Whatever. So it was, I think, two more episodes left or something. Alley, whatever. <laughs> but it was a good episode. Then we have the Flash. Flash is back, season eight, episode seventeen. Keep it dark. So this episode, there wasn't a whole lot of the Flash in there. Uh, there was really more about Allegra, Allegra, and kind of Chester. So this just kind of goes to show. You know, we we did see a little bit of Barry, but you, I I still don't understand the whole Grant Gustin saying that he only wanted to do fifteen episodes. They could sprinkle it out. You know, they could have them film. I mean, do they get paid per episode? Because they can say, okay, shoot for, you know, two days here, and we can use this footage over, you know, two or three episodes. Because, you know, he could be off doing something else. And, you know, he, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe it is a per episode thing. So even if he's in an episode for 10 minutes and another episode for 30 minutes, it's it counts as an episode? I don't know. So there's a fire alarm at Ivo Labs. Flash heads there. You know, he's running through the city, gets there. By the time he gets to the labs, the fire is already out. And they're like, Flash, you're back. The scientist is like, you know, thank you. He's like, you know, you put out the fire with a wind funnel. He's like, you, you saved seven years of hard work. I would hate to think if we lost it. And Barry's like, huh? So he's thinking that maybe there's a new speedster in town. Then he goes to Joe's house. He's, he's talking to about the possibility of new speedster or whatever, because he's already gone through the list of the, all the known speedsters. Cecile comes down. She's like all like panic and everything, you know, because they have like all these kindergarten interviews for, for Jenna all day. She's like, did I forget anything? They're like, uh, you forgot Jenna, the invisible child that, that we haven't seen in forever. At uh, Central City Citizen Media or whatever it's called, annoying Taylor. Oh my gosh, I cannot stand this Taylor person. She goes up to because you know people are giving like Allegra pitches and she's like the temporary editor in chief. So she wants to look into the, the, the possible new hero. She pulls some pictures, and there's, like, light covering one. It's Allegra from when they fought, was it Blockbuster or something like that? So she wants to try to see who, you know, if they find the identity of this person. 
and Allegra kind of kills her pitch. She's like, well, it's not really right for the CCC. And then and Taylor's like, says the temporary editor-in-chief. She's like, it's just so nasty and everything. It's like, doesn't matter if she's temporary or not. She is your superior. And plus the fact that she already said that she was going to bury her or whatever, tear her down or so blah, blah, blah. Well, Iris already looked at this and, you know, she said it was an interesting angle and that she'd consider it. So Allegra's like, well, then maybe we should wait until she comes back. So why don't we just like, you know, hold off on it for now. Then Allegra gets a text from Lydia Sanchez. She's like, we need to talk now. So it's, and then this is another text. It's about the Aranas. So she goes to j- jitters. So Lydia was uh, the lady, was her friend, coworker, or whatever. I guess they were in the gang together. She already, I don't think they met it in prison. Uh, she was the one that uh, Allegra did the story on about how, you know, she's trying to turn her life over around and everything like that. So I think she was in Iron Heights also, but she says that the old gang is trying to pull her back in and they're expanding. So they're, they're taking all, they're taking over all of Keystone city and now they want central city. So they've been, and they've been dropping bodies. Allegra's like, they're not killers. Like these just like steal cars. Lydia's like, not anymore. So she tells Allegra that she changed her life by writing an article about her and, you know, all this stuff like that. She showed that she could have a better life and, you know, she doesn't want to, but she's going to have to leave Central City. Allegra's like, well, we have to try to stop them from, you know, killing anyone else. She's like, what if you could help the CCC break the story? And she's like, I, I, you know, you know everything about them. Lydia's like, you know what they do for snitching, though? And Allegra's like, we could protect you. You can be an anonymous source. And, you know, she's like, the Aranyas operate in the shadows. The only way to take their powers, expose them to the light. So she's like, think about all the other girls and gangs who are trying to get out. But while they're talking, there's this other girl sitting at a table like coffee. And she takes a, a picture with her phone of the two of them talking. She tells her boss about Lydia and it looks like she's skipping town. So I'm like, who is this lady? She's has these big, dumb looking sunglasses. So it's actually a Dr. Light. <laughs> And uh, then Millie Rollins, uh, Sunshine, she's also there. So they're going to, I guess, target Lydia and the reporter. I don't know if they know who she is. Uh, Barry and Chester, they check out Ivo Labs. So there's no tachyons detected. Barry says that there's, that means their speedster isn't using the speed force. So Barry wonders if maybe the speedster is the one who started the fire by accident. You know, because is it possible negative speed energy or something like that? And that could have been how they got there right away. So if they accidentally started the fire because of combustion or energy, whatever, then he notices uh, this uh, like box next to where the fire was. And uh, the biometric lock is, is like open or something like that. And it's, it's, so it's broken open and it's empty. So Chester says that, you know, the only reason you need a box like that is to hold a very strong electrochemical cell or something like that. So maybe the fire was a distraction to steal that. Barry says that they need to talk to the one person who knows speedsters better than even he does. He's like, so I'll be off the grid. He's like, Team Flash will be on its own. Allegra runs uh, Aranya's gang story by Taylor, um, Vanya, and Ariz. I forget his how you say his name. So the other, the other, all the, the three writers, and you know she has pictures up on like a board, pictures of, of sunshine, Doctor Light, Ultraviolet. She says how they used to work for Black Hole, that criminal organization. And according to rumors, Ultraviolet died last year. And Taylor's like, and why should we care? Allegra's like, 
I just found out that Dr. Light and Sunshine are running to Aranias. So they're involved in extortions, million-dollar thefts that shouldn't be possible. They're leaving a trail of bodies. And Taylor's like, you got all this from one source. Is there anyone else that can corroborate co- their story? Allegra's like, she's all, all we need. And she's like, which is why we're going to do a live interview with her tonight. Allegra and Vanya kind of laugh. Eris is like, kind of like uneasy about it. Vanya's like, we'd have no time to fact check her story. Ares says that, you know, how do we know that the source is reliable? And Allegra's like, I just do. Taylor's like, I don't get it. And she's like, why are you so passionate about this story? And Allegra says, she's like, I know it sounds crazy, but you just have to trust me that I know what I'm doing. Taylor scoffs and she kind of like laughs. Chester is going to provide tech to filter Lydia's voice and face during the interview. And then he asks Allegra, like, how's she doing? And she's like, oh, I'm fine. And he's like, well, you know, reporting on Aranias is a big deal for you. And he's like, how did the staff take it when you told them about your connection? She's like, uh, I didn't tell them. And he's like, are you sure that's the right move? She's like, I need them to trust me. If I told them right now, you know, that I was in Aranias, I, I don't, I couldn't risk, you know, them losing their faith in me. So Allegra and Lydia talk, and she's trying to calm her nerves. You know, Lydia's like, I don't know if I should do this, and like that. And then the lights go out. So then this uh, like little light blast like comes through the window, courtesy of Doctor Light. When there's her Doctor Light gun, I, I just don't understand how. To, whatever. So Allegra takes out her phone, hits like the flash alert, but it, it fails. So apparently she wasn't informed that Barry was going off off the grid. Another blast comes through, or it starts up, and then Sunshine is like teleporting right in front of him. So it's weird. I guess she doesn't have to see where she's teleporting to. She doesn't have to worry about, oh, is there a wall here? Or did someone leave a chair in the middle of the room? I'm just going to teleport there. She grabs Lydia's arm and it like, kind of like burned. Chester like opens the door, slides like some sort of like flash bomb in there that, that kind of distracts Sunshine. Then they run into the other room where um, I guess there's like some high-tech anti-teleporting security or something like that. I don't know if it was always there or if Chester managed to rig rig it right now. Sunshine's like, because she tries like teleporting in there, but then she just like bounces off. She's like, you can't keep me out forever. And the other reporters are in the room. Taylor's screaming, who is that? Chester tries, you know, he explains how the force field is pretty much like everything proof, you know, it's whatever. And Eris asks, he's like, how do you know how to do that? She's like, you're just an IT guy. It's like, okay, can you be a little more insulting? Allegra makes up a story that when it was just a citizen, they got attacked by Dr. Light. So, you know, they, they had that set up or installed. Banya's like, why doesn't my phone work? And Chester's like, oh, they, they must be jamming the signal. Then he realizes that, oh, his force field, it was only meant to be a temporary shield until they, they could call for help. So Allegra asked, Chuck Chester, she's like, can he MacGyver something so they can bypass a jammer? And he says, you know, he could probably make whatever, some sort of transponder receiver or something. Sunshine's just standing outside the glass door. Taylor's freaking. And then she, like, teleports out. Taylor screams. And she's like, Sunshine just dis- just flipping disappeared. And she literally says flipping, which just makes it sound funny. I know I say it all the time, but... It's funny to hear someone else say it. Allegra says, she's like, we just need to calm down. She's like, until the force field goes critical. She's like, Dr. Light can't fire and Sunshine can't teleport in. And Eris is like, how do you know so much about them? 
but it's like, isn't that like part of the job? You know, whatever being knowing about things. Maybe she's just did a lot of you know research on all the meadows around. Taylor's like, yeah, Allegra, how do you? And then like above, like through the windows and a skylight, whatever, they see a message: "Give us Lydia or die." At the Argus Supermax site, so like the the island, whatever, Leon Wu, Barry's talking to Thon, Eobot Thon, and he he tells Barry, he's like, you took my speed. What more do you want? He's like, my body's broken. I can't sleep. I was like, I don't know why he whispers. Barry's like, no, you did this to yourself. He's like, Armageddon was your plan. So Thon tries talking to Barry because you know he's not saying anything. So then he's like, "This was a waste of time. I shouldn't have come here." But Thon tries stopping him before he leaves. He's like, "Like, oh, it's it's too bad what happened to Frost." And then he's like, "I do wonder why you ran all the way over, you know, to see me." And then Barry's finally like, "He's like, well, there is a new speedster." Taylor snaps at Vanya because she's writing something. She's like, "You already working on page one?" And she's like, "I'm writing a letter to my kids in case I don't make it out." Lydia. She's like, I should just turn myself over. And Allegra's like, no. Taylor's like, if she wants to, let her go. Vanya's like, you can't just send someone out to die. And Allegra's like, we promised to keep her safe. And Taylor's like, you did. I didn't. She says that, she's like, I saw the code that Chester typed in earlier. So she's probably snooping, whatever. Allegra gets in front of her. And then she's like, Lydia is our source. It's our duty to protect her no matter what. And Taylor's like, an ethics lesson from you? Really? Your whole past is unethical. And and Ares is like, what? She's like, the whole reason she knows so much? And Taylor asks Allegra, she's like, why don't you really tell them what you're hiding? And Allegra's like, don't. She's like, this is my life. It's my decision. Too late. And she's like, I had a contact look into Allegra's sealed juvie records. She's like, guess what they found? Our ex-con co-worker was in a gang with her cousin, Ultraviolet. And she's like, it's the same gang that's been killing people, which is not necessarily true because they weren't killing people back then. So Allegra, she's like, she used to be one of them. And Ares is like, is this true? And she's like, I'm so sorry for not telling you, but we have to stick together to protect Lydia. Vanya's like, stick together? You lied to us. And Ares is like, yeah, she's right. We can't trust you. Chester's almost has a, the transmitter thing completed. Lydia's like, why don't you just let me go out there? And he's like, because you and Allegra are doing important work trying to stop them from killing others. He's like, they're scared of you. Allegra comes in and she's like, we need to get this signal out now. He's like, well, I almost have it done. You know, I just need a little more time. We don't have time. It's like, Taylor just told them about me and they don't trust me. And she's and she memorized your shield coat. Allegra's like, I never should have taken over after Iris left. Trisha's like, That's, it's not your fault. She's like, it is. She's like, I'm not a leader. She's like, I never have been. She's like, all I do is just make things worse. She talks about like this one like job when they're in a gang, like robbing these trucks and just how things went badly, whatever. And I think that's why her and Ultraviolet went to jail or whatever. And one person got shot and they're in a the truck. There's just like lawn furniture. So it wasn't even anything worth stealing or whatever. So she's like, Lydia's in trouble because of her. But Lydia's just like, you saved me. It's like, you saw, or she's like, I saw myself the way you did, that I have a future. And when I, when you said that we could take down Aranya, she's like, I believed you. I still do. Chester, like he says some stuff also to like try to pump her up. He's like, you can't lead if you try to stay in the dark and blah, blah, blah. Barry's talks some more to Thon about the speedster. 
he's like, you know, does he know about another speedster hiding in 2022 since he's been all, like, all over the timeline? Thon's like, but it's so obvious. He's like, are you really that stupid? And, but he, he's not going to help. So Barry's like, well, I get why you won't help. He's like, you're jealous. He's like, not of me, of this new speedster. She's like, their journey is just beginning, and yours is, you know, you lost. So he's, Thon's like, I won't be replaced. He's like, no one will feel or want the, the, the need for revenge like I do. He's like, hate, hate, hate. You know, also like, he's like, no speedster will ever replace me. So this new speedster doesn't, he flashes like he doesn't care about him at all. So there must be another reason they don't want to be found. So what is it? And about, again, he's like, you don't see it? He's like, the new speedster is running at frightening new speeds, just like you eight years ago. They're hiding because they can't control their new abilities. He's like, the fire was an accident. And and then uh, I think maybe Barry said the fire was an accident. And then he zips off. And Thon's just like left there. And it's almost like he smiles a little bit. So it's like, does he know something more? You know, like what's going on here? So Taylor's still going on. She's like, I don't like it, but we have to turn over Lydia. And Allegra comes in. She's like, no. She's like, we're not going to because I have a plan to get us all out. But for it to work, I need you to trust me. And Taylor's like, that's not going to happen. Vanya's like, yeah, we don't want to turn Lydia over, but Taylor has a point. Allegra's like, she's like, I was ashamed of my time in the Aranias. She's like, I was afraid that if I told you about my past, you'd stop trusting me. So I thought there was just too much at stake to be honest about who I really was. She's like, but, you know, lying about my past and, and keeping you in the dark is what lost her, their trust. She's like, I'm done hiding. And she holds up her hand and then it starts like lighting up, like powering up. Everyone's like shocked, including Lydia, because I guess she didn't know. And then she says that she's the light meta in those photographs. She's like, I never really told anyone that before. And Taylor's like, you're the one who's always been helping to flash, saving people. And then there's bright light from outside the room. Sunshine and Dr. Light are there, are standing there now. And Allegra's like, right now, I'm going to save us. So I was like, all you have to do is trust me. And Chester says that if Allegra says she has a plan, he's like, I'm in. And Liddy's like, me too. And then Allegra's like, so who's with me? Dr. Light, she looks at the, sh the shield, whatever. She's like, oh, it's a photokinetic energy shield. You know, of course, she can tell like right away just by like kind of touching it sunshine she's like let me see your your ammo or whatever like that she takes a bullet she like somehow charges it up with her powers or something like that i guess the, the combination of two is gonna do something dr light puts a, the bullet in her her gun shoots it Ta -da! the force field goes down <laughs> but but then there's like this bright light and then when it like, goes down like they're all gone and they're like, where are they? So then Allegra comes out from the other room, and she's like, you can still walk out with more than just a bad sunburn. And Sunshine's like, we made you an offer. Give us Lydia and live. Allegra says that every other body they, she's like, yeah, and then every other body you drop is gonna make CCC media responsible. She's like, that's not happening. And it was weird, as she's saying this, the camera's kind of doing this weird like tilt back and forth. It's almost like, like they're on a boat or something. So then the light and uh, sunshine start powering up. Allegra like dodges in the other room. They're like barric barricading themselves in there. Chester's like, he, he says, I just have to reset the shield. And Taylor's like yelling. She's like, well, do it faster. She's like, is this the plan? Is, is Allegra's plan even going to work? And Lydia's like, it will. She's like, just trust her. So now they're like hand-to-hand -hand fighting. Allegra's putting up a good fight against the two, but it's, it's still two against one. 
So an Allegra ends up getting shot inside with like a Dr. Light bullet. And she gets up, she uses her, her power to kind of absorb it with her, with her, you know, she puts her hand by it. And then she uses it, she zaps it back at Dr. Light. So now Allegra's like totally amped up. She's like just totally glowing. Sunshine tries teleporting behind her, but Allegra is kind of like able to see where she's coming. And she's like reaches and like kind of pulls her down and slams her against the ground. Sunshine's like, I can feel, Sunshine's such a dumb name. She's like, I can feel how hard it is for you to control that much power. She's like, you can't beat me. And Allegra's like, I don't have to beat you, whatever. Then the monitors turn on. So the others have started the live broadcast with Lydia. So she says she's been living in fear from from the Aranyas, you know, for years. At first, she was afraid to show her face, but she's like, they should be the ones to be afraid. And she's like, and to the other girls out there in the gang, she's like, you can do it too. So Vanya asks, she's like, because they're like, they're, I guess Vanya and I don't know if Taylor was involved with it, but Vanya and Ares are like doing the interview. So she's like, you know, who's running the gang? And then she names them uh, Leighton and. Uh, Sunshine by their real names. Allegra says, she's like, that interview is going out live to the world. It's like, so if you go after Lydia or any of my staff, everyone will know it was you. He's like, she's like, you can leave now. And Sunshine's like, this isn't over. And she's like, bring it on, bitch. And then they teleport out. <laughs> so it's just, I don't know. It seems people know who Dr. Light is, I think. I don't think her identity is a secret. Sun, I don't think Sunshine's. Uh, identity is a secret so it's like oh no you're in a gang the, you don't want people to know about that so then later we see the police are at the office the the one i forget her name she must have a name because we see her all the time this, this lady officer lady cop she says that they have apbs out on the two and they've also frozen their accounts so they're going to have no funding so that means that aranyas are over which is like what they could just like steal money they probably have like hidden money Eris says that he's like looking at the computer, like 20 million views and counting. And it's like killer Keystone gang exposed. He's like, this is our biggest story yet. And then Allegra is she's like, guys, she's like, thank you. She's like, I owe you, which is if you need to expose the truth about me, I understand. Vanya's she's like, she, you reminded us of the oldest rule in the book. Always protect your sources and each other. Eris is like, we're going to keep your secret too for, for as long as you want us to. So then Ares and Vanya, they leave because they're going to set up like talking to the, so someone in Keystone and whatever, you know, they're trying to set like follow up interviews. And Allegra's like, it's guys, it's 4 a.m. They're like, oh, what a coffee. And so she's left alone. Allegra's alone with annoying Taylor. And Allegra's like, you're not going to join them. And she's like, seriously, you're not going to fire me for everything. Allegra's like, you were trying to save the lives of your coworkers. And she's like, plus, you're a great investigative reporter. And Taylor's like, thanks for keeping us safe today, boss. She starts to leave, and Allegra's like, hey, those photos uh, of me in the flash, like, where'd you find them? She's like, Chirper. So not that hard to find them. So Chirper's supposed to be like Twitter. And she's like, Allegra, she's like, I know you're not hiding from us anymore, but how long can you hide from the rest of the world? So this is, which is weird. It's like, so why doesn't Allegra wear a mask? Which it just seems so silly. If she, you know, she doesn't want anyone to know. At Star Labs, Chester's bragging to Barry about Allegra's leadership, uh, how she, all this stuff like that. You know, and she's like, it, you know, it was just really nice being myself. And Barry's like, oh, you 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 both stepped up. You did good. But they stepped up. Apparently, they didn't level up because Barry didn't want to give them that much of a compliment. 
so she's like well how'd your search go whatever and then um he's uh, not really much or whatever he gets a they get a data message video call so from from caitlin she says that she can't go back there yet it's just a video of her she, she can't go back there yet when barry left her apartment she wasn't sure how to feel and she still doesn't she's like it hurt she's like i'm gonna go away for a little while stay with carla for real this time so her mom and she's like i just need space to think and she's like i don't know when i'll be ready to come back until then just know that i love you all so then allegra asked barry if if she's gonna be okay he's like yeah i think she is at ivo lab the new speedster runs in and is like wearing all black with like a lower half you know face mask and you can tell it's a woman by her eyes she puts a like some device in a case and flash shows up he says he's like that's something you don't see every day someone returning stolen tech and she tries running out the door but flash like runs in front of her he says he's like i just want to talk she runs again he gets in front of her and then she you know they do this for a while she releases like big negative like speed lightning bolt and then flash jumps and does like a a twirling flip whatever thing around it and she's like i could run at the speed of sound but you can run a lot faster he's like you can't outrun me so why don't you just tell me who you are and what's going on she's like i'm not a super villain she's like that fire was an accident and he's like you risk people's lives to steal a battery she's like well i'm sorry about that she's like i'm not a natural speedster like you so that's why uh she's been so hard to trace so her speed is temporary she found her way to generate her own speed force but you know it just it just doesn't last so there's still some kinks to work out so she thought the newton battery whatever would help so why not borrow the battery that she already invented instead of you know the years it would take to make a new one and he's like the battery was invited was invented by mina the one and then she takes off her mask. She's like, it's Dr. Mina Dewan. And he's like, you're the CEO of Fast Track Lab. She's like, I read your book on something. I forget what it was. She's like, three times. And she's like, oh, that's thanks. That's a compliment. That's an honor. And she's like, I just want to use my gifts to help. And he's like, when I, you know, at first I had a mentor that helped me with my powers. She's like, if you're interested, and he like holds out his hand. And she's like, are you serious? She's like, I promise you won't regret this. But because of the nature of the show, it's like, is that true? <laughs> you know, you never know these days. It's like, it seems like she's on the, the, the straight and narrow, whatever, but I wouldn't be surprised if she turns out to be. I don't think she's. But it's like, do we really need another, another speedster? It's like, oh, my goodness. So we'll see. Uh, I think there's, I forget, there's three or four more episodes left. So we'll see what's going to happen. Okay, then The Time Traveler's Wife, episode four. This was a weird episode. Like When I saw the trailer last week, I'm like, really? And again, I, I don't even remember if this happened. This must have happened in the book, but I don't, there's, I'm sure they expanded it. So Claire says that you know she didn't choose Henry, and then he didn't choose her. They just happened to each other in the wrong order. So she, you know, she's doing one of her, her videos, whatever, and you know we see her or like making dinner in her apartment, like in the, the past, shortly after they, they met when she was 20. In the video, she's, she asks whoever's watching, she's like, are you in love? She's like, I hope so, but ask yourself this. When it happened, did you choose, or did you choose who, when, how? And then old Henry, he's asked if this person who is now a huge part of your life, 
is anything like you thought that they would be. It's like, did they arrive when they were supposed to? And Claire's like, is any of it anything like you planned? So Claire then it says to her roommate when she's 20, she's like, it's not that I can't cook. It's just I choose not to. She's only kind of half cooking now. And her roommates, she's like, you must really like him. Claire says, or I hate his guts because, you know, what she's trying to make. She's trying to cook like chicken and it doesn't look quite right. Older Claire says that the only difference with this is that it's all mixed up and sometimes they know what's coming. So then there's this guy who greets Henry, Henry 28, his name's Gomez, and it seems like he hates Henry already. So he calls him library boy. And he, um, so he meets her, Claire's roommate, her name is Sharice, and Gomez is like, yeah, she's with me. And Henry's like, uh, he's looking, he's like, can any of you actually cook? And they're like, no. Then he's like, oh, let, let's see if I can make something of this. And Gomez is like, library boy takes the charge. And then there's like a buzz at the door. So Claire goes to answer and Gomez runs after. He's like, hey, that guy, I think I've seen him before. And she's like, yeah, well, now you're seeing him again. Go get him an apron. Cherise asks Henry how long he's known Claire. He's like, oh, that's complicated. And she's like, "Uh, it's not. She's like, I live with her. So when do you see her? And he's like, oh, from time to time. And she's like, is that a joke? He's like, well, actually, it's really funny if, if you know new to context. Gomez comes in. Oh, library boy still making jokes? And Henry's like, yeah, and I'm running out of material. It's a like, good thing you came back. <laughs> so he's just like like snapping back. You know, he's it's nice because, you know, Gomez is being such a jerk to him. And, and Henry's like just not backing up. Claire asks Henry, he's like, can you come um, out with me for a minute to like by the door? Like, cause there's like this kind of like a hallway, whatever. And she tells him, she's like, it's the door. It's for you. And he's like, who is it? And she's like, it's you. So Henry 41 is there like over at intercom. He thinks that he just freaked out Claire. And she's like, uh, I can actually still hear you like over at intercom. Cause she's standing right there. 20 is like, sorry, old man. I'm actually in the middle of a very not good moment, which is still currently transpiring. 41 outsides. He's like, well, in 13 years, you're going to be naked running from the police. He's like, you need to let me in. 28 says that he's like, I just met her friends and they hate me already. And this really isn't a good moment for there to be two of us. He's like, yeah, well, guess who's coming to dinner? Then in the past, by the, the, the clearing at the rock, it's the final visit. So what we saw last episode, Claire has a, the blanket and like the picnic basket, whatever. And he asks, you know, he's got like the suit. He's like, why did you switch out the clothes? And she's like, oh, we're going to talk about how you're dressed. And then he looks, he's like, oh, you look lovely. And she's like, it's May 24th, which is an awesome day, right? That's my birthday. And he's like, oh, happy birthday. And she's like, 2006. And he's uh, he's like, why are we dressed up for your birthday? And it's, again, she's like, it's 2006. So he's like, is that important? Then he kind of thinks about it and he's like, oh, she's 18. So she's like, how old are you? He's like, 41. So she puts on a blanket and tells him to sit. He's like, uh, huh? And she's like, that's what we do. We sit and talk. He's like, yeah, but you're 18. And she's like, and? He's like, and I'm married. And she's like, to me. He's like, well, no. And she's like, yeah. He's like, well, not right now. And he's like, you know, my wife, who I left at home in bed, you know, how is she going to feel about me slipping out with an 18-year-old version of herself? And she's like, nostalgic? 
He's like, uh, there are rules to this, things that I set up, that, and I'm not breaking them. She says that they don't need rules anymore. He points out, or she also points out that there was 152 meetings over 12 years. This is the last time in a clearing, and you know she doesn't even know for how long. So she's starting to get upset now. He, and she, then she's like, at least tell me for how long. And then he hesitates, and he, he's fine like two years. And, and he's like, yeah, and you meet a younger me, and boy, does he get a fright. She's like, what, what am I supposed to do for two years? He's like, live your life. Get on with it. He's like, don't think about what's coming with me. It'll come anyways. Do whatever you like. Meet people. Be with people. And she's like, be with people? She's like, is that dad speak for? Then he's like, 26-year-old me is out there right now, and he's not saving himself for you because he doesn't know you exist. So please don't save yourself for me. This makes her think of, of that Jason guy from two years ago that raped her. And then she's just like, I wanted you to be my first. And Henry's like, well, I don't want to be yours. So she like turns and looks at him and he's like, I want to be your last, Claire. And she finally says, two years. And he's like, yeah, and just a little while. Just let it happen. She's like, you've never kissed me. And he's like, oh, I've kissed you a million times. She's like, then she's like, then I expect you to be really good at it. And then she starts kissing him. Then Claire's lying in, in bed with an arm around her so she's 19 and Gomez is 32. So this is a year before she meets Henry. She's with Gomez and then she tells him, she's like, you have to get up. And he's like, what time is it? She's like, it's about three. You got to go. Sharice is coming back. So Claire was with her roommate's boyfriend. Then later she's standing in the kitchen. She's kind of crying. Gomez comes out. And he's like, are you okay? And he's like, and then he like mentions like how big the place is. He's like, how do you afford it? And she's like, it's getting demolished in three months, except the plans are going to change and it will still be there in 20 years. He's like, how do you know? She's like, I got a tip when I was a kid. So he laughs like this, you know, clairvoyant, whatever, realist. She got real estate advice. So he wants to know why she's crying. She's like, uh, was it me? Was it was I bad? And she's like, no, I'm crying because of what we both did, just did to Sharice. She's like, I just betrayed my best friend with my other best friend, and I may have just messed up the rest of my life. He's like, oh, thank God. Uh, he's like, oh, just thank, thank God about the sex thing, not about the other part. And she's like, to be clear, she's like, I was drunk. I hate myself, and it will never happen again. He puts on his coat. He's like, I, you know, I always thought you were a lesbian because you, know, you were always alone. She's like, you realize that lesbians aren't alone. Then he's like, who's Henry? And she's kind of caught off guard. Then she's like, uh, I don't know. Who is he? Gomez is like, you kept saying his name in your sleep. And she's like, oh, that Henry. And he's like, who is he? And she's like, my lover. So Gomez kind of has like a strange reaction. And he says that she th he thought that she didn't have anyone. And you know he really thought that she was alone. And sh she's like, oh, it was really kind of you to take pity on me then the moment your girlfriend was in boston he's like i love sharice so claire's like good she's like that's the real thing and he interrupts he's like but i love you more she says that you know she can be patronizing and he'll get over it but if she's going to tell him the truth which is worse she's like i don't love you i love henry i love henry much more than i could ever love you or anyone else and gomez is like so then where is he and why have we never met him? She's like, oh, he'll be back in about a year. And he's like, oh, must be a heck of a guy if he can walk away from a woman like you and expect you to wait around for him. 
Claire's like, maybe I'm a heck of a woman because I'm willing to wait for him. But let's walk right past that possibility. And he's, he's like, yeah, but you didn't wait for him. You slept with me. And, and then he's like, and that got out of my mouth before I fully thought it through. She says that the next time he sees her, everything will be fine. This will not be mentioned. And so he goes out, slams the door. Gomez goes to a bar. Like, then he calls Claire. He's like, uh, if you haven't listened to uh, the first two messages, please don't. Then there's like this couple yelling down at each other down the street. And it's Henry 27 and Ingrid. So Gomez gets involved. He's like, excuse me, sir. You know, she said not to follow you. And 27's like, who the fudge are you? And he's like, nobody, sir. But the lady did say not to follow her. So maybe you should be heading this direction. And so it's almost like Gomez is looking for a reason to get in a fight. 27 looks at him and he just kind of chuckles. He's like, fine. And then he's like, woo. And he like double flips him off. <laughs> so then Sharice and Claire are sitting and drinking wine she asks claire what she thinks of gomez and she's like oh whatever you know he's, he's great and sharice is like i think he's into you and she's like uh-huh and sharice is like you must have noticed the way he looks at you and she's like you're a beautiful woman she's like shut up you're a beautiful woman then she says that you know gomez thinks you're a lesbian and she's like there you go i'm a lesbian and you're a beautiful woman then sharice kind of stares at her she's like i feel exactly the same and she's like, same as what? And then Sharice kisses her. <laughs> Claire kind of pushes back. She's like, what was that? And Sharice's like, did I do it wrong? Claire says, she's like, you're my best friend. Gomez is my best friend. I can never betray my best friend with my other best friend. That would be awful, even though she does or did. She says that this is a dry spell for her and she doesn't want to make her life more complicated. Then we see <laughs> Claire lying in bed and Sharice puts her arm around her. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, Claire, are you serious? You sleep, slept with both your best friends. even And they're best friends that are together. Back in the meadow, 41 is, is trying to stop the makeout session. But you know, he's like, I told you I have rules. And, and one was that nothing ever happens is clearing. She says that he made up the rules for him, not for her. So she kisses him some more. Then he like jumps up. He's and she's like, "I'm your wife." He's like, "My wife is 33 and lying in bed waiting for me." And she's like, "Your wife is right here and she's waited long enough." He's like, "It's this place, you know, where I taught you checkers and French verbs just a week ago." He's like, "It's grooming, Claire," which is what I said. I think first episode. He's like, "That's what it is." All right. It's like, "I'm sorry." It's like, "I can't not here." And then. He, he kind of let it slip that like he never proposed to her. And then she, she's like, wait, you never asked me to marry you? He's like, we knew it was going to happen. It was inevitable. She's like, no, it's not. He says, he's like, it is. That's how time works. She's like, no. She's like, I'm not going to marry you just because time says I do. She's like, I'm going to marry you because I want to. And there's no way that, you know, she will if he never proposes. So she's, you know, there will never be a better time or place. Is this her 18th birthday right there on the very spot where he groomed her or something like that? And he like chuckles and she's like, husband, propose. So he gets down on a knee and she's like, hmm. And then he's like, what? She's like, well, you wouldn't buy a car without a test drive. And then she starts unbuttoning her dress and he's like, he's like I've seen you naked lots of times. He's like, that's not going to work. She's like, yeah, but not at 18. And he's like, how shallow, shallow do you think I am? She takes off her dress and fade to black. Then it's nighttime. He's lying on a blanket next to her. 
he gets up and he like writes in her journal and tears a page out. And then like Claire's like sobbing in her sleep and he asks if she's okay. And it's because she's not going to see him for, for two years. So she's like, why, why do I always have to wait? And he says, he's like, I had to wait or whatever. He's like, I was 28. And she says that he's asking her a question or something like that. And she thinks that she may have an answer. And then he, he starts coughing and then two years. Whoosh. So he appears naked in a fountain. Police start, you know, they, they see him because people are screaming, whatever. So police start, they happen to be right there. So they, they start chasing him. Then we see Claire 18 is at the clearing. Then she looks at the journal and a piece of paper falls out and she reads it. But then 41 gets to Claire's apartment. So he's naked and then she lets him in. He's like, where are my clothes? And then 28 sitting on a bed and he's like, first visit. So she's like, you should remember this. And 41's like, why? She says, you don't remember your first visit to my bedroom? 41's like, hey, don't blame me. She's like, he's the one with the, who's not paying attention. And then 28's like, oh, so I'm to blame for your bad memory? And he's like, literally. She tells him to stop. And she's like, she's like, how old are you? He's like, 41. She asks, she's like, isn't this weird for you? And she's like, you should remember everything that he's going to say or everything he's going to say like like it's a script 41's like do you remember everything you said 13 years ago he's like what about 13 weeks ago or 13 days and 28 asks if he could put on some clothes because he's just standing there naked 41 he's like oh does the sight of your own nakedness offend you 28 says that he's just wondering where it all went wrong and claire's like oh he doesn't look bad to me and he's like can you stop like flirting with him and he's like look he's enjoying it 41 remember he's like oh i remember this night and then he's like gomez and gomez knocks and just like barges right in and you know 41's like behind the door he's like is everything okay and 20 is like yeah she's in her bedroom with her hot new boyfriend but go ahead and come right in he's like i just want to make sure everything's okay so 41's behind the door you know then he you know gomez leaves and for 41's like a-hole and then you know when the door closes gomez barges back up what did you say 20 is like i didn't say anything then the doorbell rings. So 28 says that he's like, man, I hate Gomez already. 41's like, he's your best friend. And 20's like, he, is wet. he doesn't believe it. So he's like, you know your best friend's got the hots for your wife, right? And he's like, I wouldn't trust any man who didn't. So she's like, why are you still standing behind the door? And he says, oh, I'm starting to remember everything that happens. She's like, and I'm sorry. Ingrid walks in a room. So Ingrid closes the door and she's like, I'm Henry's girlfriend. Claire's like, me too. You know, happily, we can double date. Ingrid turns around and she's like, she looks at him, she's like, I've never seen you with short hair before. And 41's like, how have you been, Ingrid? And she's like, you tell me, you, you know, it's like, how am I these days in the future? Or have we lost touch? Claire says that, oh, so she knows about the time travel. And she's like, I've known all about it. And I've known him a lot longer than you. Claire's like, well, I've known him since I was six. So Ingrid looks at 28. She's like, six? Gross. Then she looks at, at 41. 28's like, uh, you should leave. Claire offers Ingrid a drink. 28 asks 41, like, what happens now? 41 says, uh, what happens at dinner? Everyone tells the truth. And he's like, even me? He's like, twice. So Claire and Ingrid talk. She tries like like one upping Claire about like she's like oh I love Henry and like all this stuff. Claire looks at her. She's like you don't seem very happy about that. And Ingrid's like 
I didn't know that was an option. Gomez and Cherise come in, and Claire introduces Ingrid as her boyfriend's girlfriend. Gomez looks at her, and he's like, we've met. And she's like, I don't think so. And he's like, yeah, we have. She's like, no, we, I don't, I'm sure we haven't. Because she doesn't remember. 28 comes out and is like, uh, how are you doing? And he asks Ingrid, like, are you staying? And she's like, go fudge yourself. And then he mentions what they're having. Gomez says, it doesn't look like you're cooking anything. He's like, are you sure about that? He opens the door to the kitchen area. 41's in there wrapped in a blanket. He's like, cooking. And 41 says, he's like, hey. And 28's like, see, it looks like I'm cooking. And 41's like, hi, everyone. Gomez's like, who the heck is he? 28's like, who does he look like? Sharice is like, you? And Claire's like, are are you doing this? You know, the explaining? 41's like, sometimes explaining is the only option. He's like, with friends. 28 asks, he's like, if he's like, are they really your friends? And 41's like, best friends. And he's like, even that one? He's like, oh yeah. So 41 asks Gomez if he knows about the accident. He's like, no. So he tells him about the accident with his mom. They both show their their scars. And then uh, Sharice sees that she like does this prayer or whatever. Claire's like, don't play with them. And 28 says that they they both look alike. He's like, figure it out. Gomez's like, I get it. He's like, you're clones. 41's like, what? 28's like, there's no such thing as clones. 41's like, we're time travelers. Claire says that he has a genetic defect. He uh, basically falls through times. He basically can't help it. 28 says that he's from 2008. 41 says he's from 2021. And then they explain it all. Any questions? And Sharice is like, um, why are you wearing a blanket? So then Claire 34 says in the camera, she's like, from the day she met him, Henry was never one person. He was a river. He flowed around the people he met. And it took her a while to understand that there's only one way to survive a river is to be a rock. So then back at the dinner, Gomez is like, you know, in Back to the Future, Ingrid tells her, she's like, don't. She's like, don't what? She says, don't watch it with him. He heckles. 20 is like, it's very misleading. Sharice says that, she's like, I love that movie. Then 41 asks for pen and paper. He's starting to remember things. Gomez brings up, she's like, what about Quantum Leap? And so they're like, well, we don't really watch a lot of TV. 41 says that he, uh, because, you know, it makes a time travel happen. So he explains how, you know, he goes through time, trying to make things right. And 41's like, we don't put things right. They're like, why not? 28's like, well, time happens once. You don't get a second go. It's like, you can't change anything. Gomez says like, but you can see so much with, you know, so much more with your powers. And they're like, what? 28 says that he sees things just like he does, but not in the same order. It's like, that's not having a power. That's dyslexia. Gomez is like, but you could solve crimes. You could go out and see like crimes on the streets of Chicago uh, and like stuff like that. 41 hands a piece of paper to Gomez and he's like, there you go. He's like, what's this? He's like, your stock tips. Gomez is like, yeah, but I only just asked. 41 says, yeah. Gomez says, he only just asked. And 41's like, well, I heard you the first time. 41 says, it's it's a complicated way of doing things. So he and Claire usually just stick to lottery numbers. And Claire and 28, they're like, we do? 41 says that that's how they fund a rock and roll lifestyle. 28's like, well, why are we funding Gomez's rock and roll lifestyle? And 41's like, they're our best friends. And then 28's like, are they really the best we can do? And 41's like, the best. Gomez looks at the list and he's like, are you sure about this? And there's stuff like Netflix, Bitcoin, surgical maps, masks, surgical masks, and like like other stuff. So 41's like, of course I'm sure. He's like, I'm from the future. Ingrid starts going on, digging into Claire, like 
because she's like, well, why don't you do something like memorize train accidents? And Ingrid's like, he can barely take care of himself. He's not a superhero. She's like, grow up. 41 also wrote to Gomez, she's like, help him. He'll need you. Claire says that, you know, she's loved him since he was six. And Ingrid points to 41. It's like him. And, you know, she's like, no, you've loved him. I love the real thing. So she's like over by 28. And she's like, don't ever cut your hair. And then she looks at 41. She's like, am I dead? Because the way you keep looking at me, I mean, what, what is that? And there's just silence. And she's like, am I dead? And he's like, you know, I don't like to talk about the future. She's like, honey, I'm asking you a question. Look me in the eye and tell me. 41's like, everyone's dead in the future. She's like, how did I do it? And she's like, did, did I get messy again? Because you see there's like a bunch of like healed cuts on her, her wrist and her arm. And she's like, I have a right to know. She's like, you know, we were in love. And he's like, I'm 41 years old. He's like, I've never seen myself older than 42. He's like, maybe that means that one day I find a cure for time travel. Or maybe it means that one day I don't run fast enough. He's like, my survival depends on running. And I've noticed I'm getting slower. He's like, I'm sorry for everything. But knowing is not a right. Knowing is hell. And he finally says, you know, she's like, I need to know. He's like, not long. He's like, but you can't live by hiding. And 28 says that you live like that. You're, you know, you have to live like you're going to live forever. And 41 says that, you know, you're only wrong once if you do that. So she says that she's like, I loved you. And he's like, well, you know, then we must have had good times. So they hug. And then 41 disappears. Gomez is like, did you see that? He disappeared. And. And Ingrid's like, fudge you all. And she like, 28's like, how does everyone feel about dessert? So she leaves. And uh, Claire says, you know, it's, it, she, she, she walks out of the room to like put the blanket away. But she's like in her room and she's just holding a blanket. And she just like smells it. 41 arrives home. And then Claire, his wife, she's like, where have you been? And he's like, discovering that my wife's been lying to me our entire married life. And she's like, Oh, the clearing. And then, she, you know, she, she, you can see she still has a blanket on, on her bed. So Claire, 18, sits with the note, have mercy, X. So that's, that's what uh, Henry wrote on there. And you can see, like, the sun's coming up. So she's been there all night. Claire, 20, and then um, 28 comes into room, and she asks if she'll see him again. And he's like, well, technically, you're seeing me right now. She says that she meant him. And he's like, I don't know. Then he's like, no, you know, I do know. Yeah, definitely. You just might have to wait a bit. And then she hugs him. And he's like, what's that? And she's like, mercy. And then Claire 18, she's leaving to Claire. That's the end of episode four. So we got two more episodes after this. So uh, anyways, uh, it was an interesting episode. And, you know, so now we know that Gomez and Sharice must still be together and they're friends. And, um, but it's just weird to think that they both cheated on each other with Claire. It's like, do they ever find out about that? And, um, but, but yeah, so uh, otherwise if, if they weren't still friends, it's like, wait, you're just telling them about the time travel thing. I mean, that seems kind of drastic and I guess it's okay if Ingrid knows because she's not going to be around much longer, unfortunately. But so, um, so wait, yeah, it's uh, I'm I'm a, I'm a little worried about what's coming up, but you'll see. So we got two more episodes. 
with The Man Who Fell to Earth, season one, maybe? Episode six, changes, ch-ch-ch-change, turn. Um, I'm surprised that they haven't done more, like, David Bowie songs as, as titles, because they there is... I think wasn't there like under pressure? Oh no, duh! Under pressure was David Bowie, one of my all-time favorite. Anyways, um, Faraday brings out a bunch of TVs, just like how Newton used to watch. He records a message for Anthea. He's like, "This is my human voice. I hope my message reaches you on on Anthea. On Earth, you would be called my wife." He's like, "Our offspring would be known as our children." And then we see him like preparing the launch with them seeing him off. He says that you know he didn't have any doubt before that there was you know only the task ahead, but now something impossible is happening to him. Emotion, human emotion, it has no application on Anthea. He's sending this message to try to explain what is happening to him, and he appears to be going through some changes. Change. He says that. He translated Newton's designs. There's still two phases. Phase one was to build it. Phase two is to identify the fuel model to power it. This is where things began to unravel. And this was kind of a weird episode where he kind of like explains everything. It's kind of because since he's doing this message, but it's almost like he's talking to us. So he said, you know, they, they had the machine, but they had no way to activate it. So why would Newton summon him across the galaxy with no hope to accomplish things and with the fate of two worlds on a line? So he remembered what Newton said, seeing things through human eyes. So he tried to understand them. You know, he, he watched TV. He observed them. Drones on Anthea have no choices. He talks about how many choices that humans have here. And he, he like gives an example of like all the different kinds of coffee drinks that you can order. He talks about Molly and kids uncontrolled chaos he talks about the family consumption rituals dinner he talks about grace them speaking to their gods and he says that uh, they also have something else that they call joy you know for a moment he wished but that's another world word that they have here that his wife could feel it but joy has a price and that price is grief grief is a predator so he could have known it was coming or he couldn't have known it was coming for all of them because of him so he talks about natural selection, about the ability to survive or perish. He mentions every generation has a few minds that allow them to see new worlds, these geniuses of, of, of the times. Uh, one mind belongs as woman, Justin Falls. On Anthea, she would be called an adept. He talks about the algorithm thing that's too complex for computers, that you know if they try to simplify, it becomes too unstable. J- Justin says that it was if it was easy, it wouldn't be fusion. She's like, fusion, we can do fusion we can do it fusion they start like um the others are like like chanting whatever so faraday says that humans around him have fear fear of failure loss chaos and this causes them to lose control then we see drew calls clay um that's sort of the, the lady at ca so she wants to meet with him she's in london and she's like and i'm not asking so <laughs> clay like slams the phone down several times when, when they end the call so when they meet, she tells him that she needs to pull him out. So when the security council heard that it was him, they he asks if it's because of what he did to that family, which I don't remember, know if we heard about this. He's like, I was serving the country. He's like, none of them had the balls to do what I did. And he's like, you know, for all I did, you know, I get the basement. And she's like, you need to wake up. She's like, you almost didn't even get the basement. She's like, I fought for you. So she's like, you were out until you know I kept you in. And he's like, yeah, I know that. You saved my life. 
and he tells her that she said to let him run, so he did. And this, you know, talking about Faraday now, so he almost built it, and it's almost theirs. So he asked for one week, and she's he says that he has to bring him in, him. So I guess he wants to be the one to bring in Newton for some reason. So I don't know what his obsession is. Faraday says that fear is tangled with something called shame. Shame is fear turned inward. He's like, here, they have something called um, self. On Anthea, they're either an adept or a drone. But on Earth, they work for themselves. They believe the self exists in relation to something bigger, something that they don't need to see. This is called faith. So we see at dinner, Josiah is talking, then he kind of freezes. He gets up, goes to the record player, and he puts on music. Faraday says that they didn't realize the significance at the time. It was a first crack in Josiah's self. He does some scatting, you know, whatever talks about improvisation, theatrics. He explains jazz music to his wife. He talks about call and response, playing and not knowing like what the next note is, but hoping it's the right one to improvise. The ability lived inside of Josiah in ways that he did not understand. If he had, this message would be painless. So then Lisa meets with Clay. He says that he's like, you better have something good if you want to keep your job. And she's like, the tornado wasn't natural. So the tornado from what, the first episode? She's like, there was lead and silver iodide in the soil sample from the site. It was a cl- cloud seeded. Clay's like, are you saying Newton made the tornado appear? And she's like, well, China does it all the time to boost crops. So they did fly a drone into the clouds and then start a, a lightning storm. It's weirdly pretty straightforward. And Clay says, he's like, oh, that, that's really, really smart. So he needed a lot of electric, electrical interference, so he created a tornado. She says that the bits of the signal that they could track came from somewhere in Southeast Asia. And she's like, and there's more. The flight attendant on the private plane that took Faraday to the UK, her name's Ashley Fior, she posted right after they landed. So I guess Clay is going to go talk to her. Clay drives off. Lisa, then she calls someone. She's like, there's a problem. We should meet. So it's like, wait, who is Lisa working for? Edie goes to talk to Hatch, and it's a little awkward order. Then she's like, have you seen Teddy since you arrived? And he's like, no. Hatch is like, he says that she never asked about Teddy, and she says that he lies to him. He lies to everyone. So why wouldn't she assume all those years ago that he was lying about Newton? And he's like, I didn't steal the flipping patent. He's like, I'm not a liar. He's like, you're confusing me with dad. She says he had a reason for all of this. He didn't just randomly put her in charge. So they bring up the spaceman, and he says that he hopes she understands he doesn't want her to get hurt or killed. He's like, this is the CIA. They'll erase us. He's like, they'll destroy Faraday's machine in the warehouse before anyone ever sees it. She's like, it doesn't have to be like that. And she's like, Pressman Thorne. And Hatcher's like, Pressman Thorne? He's like, Thorne Oil? Melter of, of Glacier's Thorne? And she's like, he wants to add origin to a stable and hatch says he's like a real life monster and she's like he, he is this is the fastest way to get protection it's like who else can go to war with the cia besides big oil and hatch is like you don't go to big oil to back renewable energy she says thorne has senate majority leader and intelligence committee chair in his pocket he controls him hatch is like but no one controls thorne and she says that they're bleeding out without thorne they die so she's like, I'm not asking. She's like, I'm telling. She's like, I made the call. We have a meeting and you need to be there. Molly and Josiah are walking to school. They're doing like rhymes and stuff like that. Then he suddenly stops and he just, he goes into this record store and she's like, 
grandpa. So he goes in there, he picks up a guitar, and he's like, oh, girl, like, do you play? And he's like, oh, I barely, whatever. So he's like, show me a D. And then the lady working there, she you know has her own guitar. She hits a D. And then he starts playing, and it, like in a daze. And he's kind of like moaning, and he's like just playing and playing, like the string breaks, and he like falls over. So then he's taken to the hospital, you know, because Molly comes in the store. Justin um, runs to the hospital. Nurse tells her they need to run a test, but it looks like it could have been a small stroke. Faraday tells Josiah's story about he was born, I I think he was born in Jamaica, fell in love, got married, had a daughter, and he made a promise. He's like, I live my life for for you, or something like that. Justin's mother, she um, couldn't handle living in in the United States, whatever. So she ended up, she left them to, to go back home or whatever. Doctor says Josiah's previous condition has vanished. It's like a literal miracle. Justin says, she's like, but he doesn't play guitar. So the doctor wants to run more tests, and she's like, nope. And she's like, well, that's, thank you, we're, we're going to leave. So days passed, and they weren't any closer to finding a fuel source or simplifying the formula. Faraday was failing, and that's when he started feeling shame. He starts losing it, though one snippy lady, Lucy, because, you know, they're doing the machines. She, like, she shuts down the machine, and he gets mad. And she's like, it's unstable, and you're pushing it. And he, he's like, you work in a lab, and you were not told to stop. And he, like, shoves a bunch of papers and stuff, like, off a desk. And, he, and he's, like, yelling. Justin arrives just in that time. She's like, everybody out. She's like, you stay. That's the Faraday. So uh, apparently Faraday gave Josiah some of his DNA, and he says that, he cannot confirm what he is becoming. He can confirm that they are failing. Hatch comes in and says that, you know, Lucy's in his office screaming at him. And Faraday says that she terminated an experiment in process. And Justin yells at him. She's like, shut up about Lucy. It's like, something is happening to my father, and it's not a flipping stroke. Faraday says that perhaps he is between gears. And she's like confused. He's like, I fixed him. He is likely to live longer than you. And she says, she's like, I don't recognize him. And Faraday says that he eliminated his analog space, his representational space. She yells, she's like, that space was him. Hatch says, sounds like he needs a doctor, one that we can trust. He's like, this I can do. So Hatch goes to Teddy. It's been three years since they've talked. So I guess Teddy's must be his ex. They never really said if Hatch was gay. Every once in a while, it, it kind of felt like it. Maybe it was obvious. I, I suspected but Hatch, he's like, yeah, I'm sorry. Teddy's like, that's it. He's like, after three years of grief. And Hatch admits, he's like, I was ashamed. And, you know, I ran away after I got fired. And he's like, and it's like, I need you to look at something. He's like, I'm an a-hole, but this is about an innocent man and his family. And he hands him the file. And he's like, dystonia doesn't just get better. And Hatch is like, exactly. So he tells him, he's like, this is more alien stuff. So Clay finds a stewardess because she was like out on a run and he comes up to her and she's like kind of who's this like creep coming up to me so he shows her his badge and he's like really making her feel uncomfortable because he's just he has like weird like social cues or whatever he also mentions her address he's like oh ashley because he's talking about her name he's like that's e-i-g-h she's like 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 with a sleigh or whatever and he's like oh you you gonna be my reindeer she's like you want me to put reins in it's like dude what are you talking about he mentions her her address and like he's like oh Ashley you know daughter of whatever her father's name is and sister and and then he talks about her Instagram post about the plane ride and she's like NDA and he's like CIA so she he's like you talk or I have you charged with treason and he's so he's just basically threatening her and she says that 
he asked if the cabin was pressurized and he's like why and then she's like he kind of got like that and she points to some balloons so he talks on the phone to lisa and says that it it's about gravity or air pressure that maybe that's why he didn't want the lab on a third floor because of the elevators josiah is listening to music then he hears like a high-pitched noise he gets up and he walks out of the house and he's in his sock he like leaves the doors open so Faraday wonders about Newton's plans, you know, why the impossible science? Why the instruction to see with their eyes? Faraday says that his mind began to fracture. Until then, he only perceived our existence through a singular point of view with a singular purpose, to protect the hive. Josiah is under an, uh, under an overpass now. He's just like looking up. And we see like instructions for like the beekeeping hives that we saw like in the other episode or whatever. I don't remember if in a movie there's anything about bees maybe and you see that there's like a beehive under the overpass and but suddenly there's like traffic screeching around him veering around so it before it was like it was like pretty empty that josiah is just standing there but i guess he's in the middle of like a, a road under under the overpass so justin gets home and a cop greets her and like tries to reassure he's like he's okay he was just confused and he's frustrated so he's writing a bunch of numbers on a wall and Molly's just like kind of scared. And he's like, why? He's like, why is it stuck? And Justin, like, you know, she's able to calm him down, whatever. And he's like, what's happening to me? Hatch and Teddy arrive. Josiah just like stares at the number while, you know, Teddy checks him out. Then he later tells Justin and Hatch, he's like, physically, he's like a 40 year old triathlete. Um, his file reads like a fantasy. He's a miracle, but his mind might be best left to the psychiatrist. And he tells Justin, he's like, if you need anything, he's like, I'm here. So Hatch goes out to talk to him when he leaves. And he tells Hatch, he's like, shut up. He's like, you've been given a responsibility. He's like, I don't think you even understand the level of responsibility. Hatch is like, I think I do. And he's, does, you know, Teddy want to meet the guy who, and Teddy's like, I don't want to meet anybody else. He's like, I don't want to know any more than I have to. And he, he, he's like, don't fudge this one up. He's like, if you do, it's an actual sin. So Justin scolds Faraday because her dad almost got killed in the middle of the road. He's you know listening to bees. Faraday says that what she calls bees, they have a very similar species at home. And Theans hold them in high regard for their efficiency and singularity of purpose. Josiah drops a sheet of calculations and Faraday grabs it. Josiah struggles to get it back. So they're, they're both like kind of like trying to pull this paper. Josiah ends up elbowing Justin in the face and he like, doesn't even realize it. And then she yells at Faraday. She's like, GTFO. Um, she's like, you did this to him. Um, but it's like weird because she was super thankful before when he cured her him of whatever he had, dystonia. So Faraday's, he's talking about perspective. And you know he was looking at the machine one way and Josiah was looking at another. So the machine was calling to them call response so they were each responding different ways so he thinks about things and he's like he went for a walk he's standing by the river he's watching birds and then he runs back so he rings the, the bell he tells justin that he had her equation he's trying to communicate it doesn't have to be interpreted as, as electromagnetic waves the bees the guitar the waves are sound so on the wall faraday like circles a group of numbers and justin says that they're frequencies so he has a like a decimal between some. They crosses some out. Justin says like substitute sound waves for electromagnetic waves. They'll make the atoms work in harmony. Faraday says that the bees work in harmony. They need a supercomputer powerful enough to align atoms. That supercomputer is jazz. 
So Josiah converted his daughter's equation into sound frequencies because music itself is mathematical. So he simplified the equation and he wrote them a song. So at the lab, they wrote the numbers on, on music, like sheet music. Josiah is like standing at a keyboard. They turn on the big giant sphere thing with the lights. Josiah starts playing and the machine slowly starts turning. Faraday says like, play faster. So Justin tells him, you know, it's not, it's still kind of going, but she's like, try a higher frequency. That seems to be working a little more. And then it's like, it's destructing. So Faraday's like, like, no, the rule of improvisation is it cannot stop. So Faraday starts playing random stuff along with it. And he's like working it, changing the rhythm and the tempo. It's working. Hatch asks, he's like, what's happening here? Justin's like, we just taught a computer jazz. So now let's see if it can play. The lights start going on like around them, whatever. Justin like hugs her dad. You did it. And she smiles at Faraday. Teddy gets home and Lisa's there and goes to shake his hand. And she twists his arm, slams his face against the wall, like snaps one of his fingers. And she's like, the file for Josiah Falls now. So it's like, wow, Lisa. <laughs> Clay um, meets her later at their observation place or whatever because he's like, they turned it on. He's like, why didn't you call me? And she's like, it was the middle of the night. He's Because he's like, why are you away from your phone? And she says that she found Newton. He's like, what? How? She says that she got Josiah's medical files. She checked the hemoglobin levels in his blood work. Their blood needs twice the oxygen. That means they need dense vegetation. So they know they're looking for mountain ranges in Southeast Asia. So they're looking for elevated jungles. So Cambodia. She shows them a map. There's a mass showing on, on the map, like the overhead map. 200,000 tons of cement in the middle of the jungle. Clay says that that could be a silo or dam. She's like, no, it's underground. And Clay's like, oh, poop. It's like, Newton's in a bunker. Clay talks to Hatch by his car. He's like, congratulations. I mean, it's never leaving the building. But Hatch asks, he's like, why are you so flippin' brazen? He's like, I just saw a miracle. Clay says, he's like, you're a child. And he says that he has a machine. He has him. Hatch says it feels like Clay had him better before the machine worked. He's like, you psycho. And Clay's like, you know, you know what I absolutely have, Hatch? I have proof that you smuggled Newton's 10th design out of origin seven years ago and that you tried to sell it. And to whom? Okay. So this poop you're spraying about a miracle, that miracle had a price tag for you. That included the fact that you betrayed your sister, didn't you? Your steely and fragile sister, now that you're all bonded again, it'll be a flippin' shame if she found out. So Clay is just not a nice guy. Justin says of Faraday, Josiah is turning into something Anthean, isn't he? And he says that when he realigned him, he was trying to unburden her. She says, burden is love. She says that he doesn't understand. Faraday says that he's starting to. She says that you know he, he was trying to help him save the mission or help the mission, help himself. She's sorry that she yelled at him. He says that this wouldn't have happened without her equation. And she says that he interpreted it. Faraday says that he interpreted her father. And he's like, tell me about him, everything. So then Faraday says that on Anthea, their God is progress and meaning. On earth, their God is meaning. And at the beginning of the transmission, he asks, how is humanity beneficial to anything? Where does it fit in the universe? Now he knows. Finding meaning is a moment, and the moment is becoming eternal. Humanity is quantum. Humanity is jazz. And wife, it is beautiful. 
So this episode, you know, with with all the talk and explaining everything, it was kind of interesting just the way he kind of summarizes and just puts everything in perspective, like things about how we do like our customs and everything like that. So it was really interesting how he's just explaining everything and it just kind of shows like his viewpoint on how what we know is what we know. So it was kind of kind of an interesting episode, but it's still not really sure where like where this is going from here because we know like from the first episode what's gonna happen, but and like what what the heck is Clay doing? And it's like, are they gonna find Newton? I mean, we haven't really seen him since like the, kind of saw him in the first episode and uh, was it third episode or something. So it's just such a, such a weird show, but I'm I'm just I'm just digging it for some reason so much. Okay, then. Obi-Wan Kenobi, episode four. So we see Obi-Wan's in a daze. He's in pain from being burned after his fight with Darth Vader, which I still have issues with that, but whatever. Tala has brought him on a ship, and she tells him, she's like, stay with me. He's like, you're going to be okay. So then she brings him somewhere, and you hear, like, get the, the back of the tank ready. There's, like, others standing around, whatever. He gets submerged into the tank. We see his, like, shoulder and his back, like are burned we also see vader in a tank and like you know his arm is like burnt you see it's like severed at the forearm or whatever you know with a block of circuitry under flashbacks to her duel vader's words taunting him ben tries like climbing out of the tank Tala's like no you need to stay in your body needs a chance to heal he's like where and she's like you're on jabim she's like you're safe now he's like where's leia so she's been taken to the Inquisitor Empire outpost, that one like place. She's um, and she's being pretty fierce. She's like, "You can't keep me here. My father is Bail Organa. He's a senator. I am a princess of Alderaan." Then Reva comes in, and this is this part especially kind of bothers me. She's like, "That's cute. You have no rights here, princess." She's like, "The Empire doesn't take kindly to Jedi sympathizers," and. So just her delivery and everything like that, it you know, normally it's fine. It just doesn't feel like a Star Wars character. And maybe it's because I'm used to everyone in Star Wars having like a British accent and this is more like an American accent, I guess if you would say. So uh, I don't know. But other than that, it's it's fine. So Leia's like, he will come for me. Reva's gets closer, she's like, Obi-Wan is dead. No one Nobody is coming for you. And Leia kind of like bows her head a little bit. Tala talks to some guy named Roken. Roken kind of didn't sound like a Star Wars character either. He just sounds like a normal person. I mean, it'd be like if you put me in and not quite me, but whatever. He says, he's like, he shouldn't even be here. He's like, there's too many people looking for him. He's like, I'll put us all in danger. Ben's like, I need your help. He's like, you know, someone very important to me has been taken. So I was like, I need your help to get her back. And he's like, General, I'm sorry, but that's not my problem. Tal's like, she knows everything. You know, where we are, what we're doing. If if she finds them, you know, we'll need to prepare an evacuation. Roken's like, I can't shut it down. It's like, everything runs out of here. Ben's like, then help us get her back. He's like, I can't lose her. It's like, you have no idea what the Empire is capable of. Roken like sighs. He's like, I had a wife once. He's like, I knew exactly what she was before we got married. They tried to hide it, and then Inquisitors found her anyways. So he's like, so I know exactly what the Empire can do. Then he's like, he's like, you want my help? You got it. So they go over like schematics of like the, the planet. So they're on Nur. It's a water moon. It's in the Mustafar system. 
Tala says, that's Vader's system. Roken says that they don't think Vader is there. Intel says that he's still on in his ship, but he's close. So Ben asks, like, how far below the surface does the, the structure go? It's like, they have no idea. So it's their command and training center, and uh, it could go, like, who knows how deep. So nobody knows what it even looks like in there. So Ben's like, I don't see any shields. And Roken says, because no one would be stupid enough to attack. So Ben mentions that, he's like, well, we have some speeders and just like whatever ship he's like, we can use. Roken's like, it's suicide. And Ben's like, we need to find a way inside. And then this one lady, Sully, she's like, we're not soldiers. And she's like, the speed, sir, speeders are for hauling sewage. Ben's like, she's 10 years old. He's like, I won't leave her there. He's like, I'll go on my own. Sully's like, you can barely stand. And she's like, you're not getting in there. Tala's like, I'll go with him. She's like, I have officer clearance. I can get him inside. So then he's like, is your cover you know, still intact? And she's like, we'll find out soon enough. On the ship, Ben's like kind of practicing moving an object to the force. It kind of moves slowly. So it's like, is his connection weak or whatever? Is it because he's weak? Tala sees him and she's like, or he says that he'll be all right. But she's like, your body isn't the only thing that needs to heal. It's like the past is a hard thing to forget. He just needs time. That's all. Ben says that you know some things can't be forgotten, and Tala says that he he cares about Leia, but he's so he's going to have to try. Reva tells Leia, you know, she's still in cuffs. They intercepted a transmission last year. There was a bunch of talk about a secret network, a path. They thought it was a lie, but the safe house, like the one that she was in, has been found in two systems. And she slams down a piece of wood with like, you know, symbol carved on it. She says that she needs to find out where they are, and she thinks that she knows. And Leia's like, how did he die? Reva says that he was burned to death on Mapuzo. The people that she is looking for left him there to die. If she tells her where the path is, she can go home to her family. And this can all be over. So Leia thinks, and she straightens up. I don't know anything about a path. And Reva looks at her. Well, let's think a little bit harder, shall we? So Tala, she lands in the open hangar. They walk past, or she walks, she's by herself. She walks past, like, officers and stormtroopers. Some kind of, like, take notice or whatever. She reaches, like, a security gate, and an officer asks for identification. And he's like, no admittance without clearance. So she's like, I have officer class C. The dude just holds out his hand and he's like, now please. So she takes her little thing, hands it to him. He goes to his computer. There's like a pause. She's like, is there a problem? He walks over and says, this isn't your sector. She's like, I can't let you through. She looks at him and, you know, pause. And she's like, and you are? So he says, he's like, I'm the lead security on this level she's like then i am your commanding officer and you will address me as sir he's like yes sir of course she's like perhaps i should just inform the grand inquisitor of your insolence i'm here with classified intelligence do you know what classified means yes sir then why am i wasting my breath on you so then she goes through so good job she goes to a workstation she calls ben like on a com she's inside um the, the computer system he's like swimming to the base she overrides an entry port, so he'll be able to go through there. He goes in, and he takes out a stormtrooper that's, like, standing close by. Reva is, like, trying to read Leia's mind or something. She's, like, trying to do something for us. And Leia's like, is this a staring contest? And Reva, like, lets go, and Leia's like, ugh. She's like, you're strong. Uh, and so it's like, does would she suspect that Leia has Jedi? Po- you know, is there, is there even a possibility that she's able to resist whatever she's trying to do? 
And Reeve is like, the braver you seem, the more afraid you are. I learned that at a very young age as well. And she takes out Lola. She's like, I had a droid when I was younger too. It was taken away, taken from me like everything else. Tala looks at the schematics of the place and she wonders what they're keeping down below. She directs Ben to the detention center. She's like, just head north. Ben sees like a secret droid float by and then... Uh, where Tala's sitting at the station works thing, this dude comes up. He's like, this isn't your station. Let me see some identification. Come with me. So she leaves the comm there, and Ben's like, like Tala, Tala. And, but she can't answer. So then he tries ducking around a corner. Then Tala, she's like in some other room with the officer who's questioning her. She's, they're like, you can hear them like fighting. Two stormtroopers walk by Ben. Um, Tala says his name. There's like a little bit of static. So when he hears like, what was that? So then uh, they both draw their blasters, and Ben kind of uses the force to like make a noise like down the hallway. So they're like, over here. So Reva tells Leia that she knows what it's like being alone. Obi-Wan is gone. The people she's trying to protect are not coming for her. The only person who can save her is herself. Tell her where they are. They're all on the same side. Leia finally says that she'll tell her where they are. She just doesn't want anyone to get hurt. Reva gives her word. Leah says, well, I'll have to tell my father first. She's like, that's okay, right? She's like, we're all on the same side. Nice try, princess. I hope you like pain. And Leah's like, I'll never tell you where they are. So they take her in this other room, strap her to a chair. What are you doing to me? Let go of me. Let me out. Somebody, help, please. Um, ben reaches like a lower level. He says that he figured out what they've been hiding down there. He's like, it's not a fortress, it's a tomb. So there's like all these bodies, like this yellow amber, like dead, dead people. Reva says like, you're going to tell me what I want to know. Ben's looking at, at there's basically Jedi in the gla glass tombs. There's this one Jedi, because I was like, I, I didn't recognize it off the top of my head. This Jedi that helped Ahsoka with her lightsaber or finder lightsaber or whatever. There's like a youngling there. Um, I think there was someone else that was noticeable. Reva screams at, at Leia, say something. And she's, she screams back, I'll never tell you. Then your choice is made. So she powers up the machine. These two mechanical arm things start like moving toward Leia on both sides of her head. Ben, um, I don't know if he heard, hears Leia's scream, but then he calls Tala and he says he needs a distraction. So Leia's still screaming. Reva says that she's done this to herself. She's left her no choice. She's like, what are you doing to me? And then um, an officer comes in and tells Reva that she was told it, it cannot wait. So Reva shuts down the machine. Reva goes into another room. Tal is standing there. She apologized. She says that she understands that she's leading the hunt for the network they call the path. She was stationed on Mampuzo where the hunt began. She's like, they're on Florum. The network runs out of the Surtar sector. They use a salvage business to launder goods. They render new identities and fly the Jedi out. She found evidence before they were before the escape. Reva's like, impressive. And Tala says that we need to, they need to direct all resources there immediately, take the network out at its root. Reva's like, unless, of course, you're lying. It's like, okay, you figured it all out. Leia's struggling on a chair. There's like two stormtroopers in there with her. Then the lights go out. There's only like this little red light or like around the chair. Ben's lightsaber ignites and he strikes at the one closest to him. The second one's like, there's no way out. Stand where you are. Slash, slash, he's down too. But it almost seems like the lightsaber barely cut through the armor. So I don't know if it's resistant, but whatever. Ben frees Leia. She's like, you're alive. They told me you're dead. I didn't tell them anything. He's like, I know. He's like, I'm going to get you home. Reva says that it makes sense the path would have people among them. 
uh, what does not make sense is how an old man and a little girl escaped an imperial checkpoint on her planet unless they had help. But it, she, Raven knows that the old man is Obi-Wan Kenobi. So that's so stupid. Tala says that she's like, I will not have my integrity question. Then Raven's like, then admit you're a spy. Tala's like, of course I am. She's like, I spent two years undercover trying to find where they were hidden. When Kenobi came, they panicked. She's like, I, I got inside. Reva's like, you expect me to believe this? Tala's like, she couldn't tell anyone. If they found out, she would have been killed. And she promises. She's like, I promise. He's on floor. Ben and Leia are walking through the halls. A secret droid sees them and an alarm goes off. Reva's like, I do like a good liar. I don't know if you're lying to me or for me, but we'll see. Take her to interrogation. But then a big alarm goes off. And the other officer is like, it's him. So uh, Reva leaves. And then uh, two stormtroopers go to like apprehend Tala. Ben and Leia are running. He tries calling Tala on the comm. Then she starts fighting. She takes out to two stormtroopers. And it seems like blasters are way more effective on her armor than the lightsaber. But whatever. Ben blocks laser fighter from the seeker droid with his lightsaber as, as they're running. Two stormtroopers come out come at them from the other end of the hall. So he's deflecting bolts on both sides of him, like in, in, in front of him, behind him. He manages to ricochet like one shot at one of the troopers, dodges another shot, hits the secret droid, spins, swings, swipes at the other trooper, they run, two more stern troopers, both are taken out with ricochets. Then two more come, they start shooting. One bolt bounces and hits a glass on the side of the wall because they're underwater. So they're like, that's poor design. <laughs> uh, so it starts to crack. Now a lot more troopers are coming from both ends. Leia's kind of like, you know, clinging to the walls to stay out of the way. Ben deflects a bolt and he like, he, it, it hits a door switch that locks out like several stormtroopers in like one section of the hall. Leia screams about the window. So Ben uses the force to hold the glass in, pay, in place. Tala runs up. He tells her to get Leia out of there and he'll hold it. And he's like grunting. The troopers are like trying to pry open a door. One starts like shooting through it open. He deflects it, whatever. Then he forces to crack at them and he like starts running and whoosh, seals the door. They drown like instantly. <laughs> ben puts on like this, you know, Tala gives him this like big coat or whatever like that. And Leia's like, it's like, it almost like comical. She's like walking next to his leg, like underneath the coat. So there's like this little lump there. Um, fifth brother, he yells, he's like, I want the base shut down now third sister will suffer from this this is her doing so as uh ben and Tyler are walking by the hangar part rava yells out a traitor ben and Tala stop and turn around rava's walking with her lightsaber ignited and there's several stormtroopers she's like a child and an old man was it worth it betraying everything you are Tala's like this was never who i was and rava's like then you die for nothing and I just don't understand why she keeps downplaying Ben as just an old man when she knows how important he is, especially to Bader, well, whatever. All the troopers like raise their blasters. Thankfully, two speeders fly by towards the hangar, pew, 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 start shooting at everything. Um, the three run and are they're like shooting. Reva starts running towards them. Speeder does a like a rough landing. So Ben, Tala, and Leia get in. I didn't realize that that many people could fit in there. Reva's coming, but then she has to stop because Wade's and the other speeder, he's like shooting at her. He tells Sully that he's like, I got you, go. So uh, Reva's deflecting the bolts. Fifth brother runs up, destroy them. 
As Wade follows Sully and the others, Third Sister uses a force to lift some like explosive block things or whatever, whips at Sully's speeder, goes off on the back, and the speeder crashes into water. Sully's like, Wade! Fifth Brother looks at Raven. He's like, <clears throat> and he just like walks away. Then Vader shows up, and he's mad. You were warned what defeat would bring. So he uses a force chokehold. He's like lifting her high up. I will tolerate your weakness no longer. She's like choking. She's like, I let them go. Vader loosens the chokehold, but she, and she's still floating. She's like, I put a tracker on her ship. Soon the location of the network and Kenobi will be ours. Vader lowers her. It seems I have underestimated you. Fifth brother's like, but my lord, the base was almost destroyed. Reva cuts in. Kenobi is all that matters. Vader says, there can be no mistakes. You're certain the tracker is with him. And she's like, yes. She's like, where he goes, it will follow. Speeder enters a bigger transport ship. Sully's like sad. Roken's like, where's Wade? And she says nothing. Tala quietly says, guess you're soldiers now after all. So Leia and Ben sit. Tala gives like Sully a drink or something. Leia puts her hand on Ben's and he takes hers in his. And then we see Lola and like her jacket or her bag or something like that. It kind of turns on and beeps. So this really bothers me. Reva put a tracker in Lola. So does this mean she knew that Leia was going to escape? She knew that Ben was going to come of all these impossible odds. Or, I mean, why was she going to torture her? And and how did she know that Leia would, would grab Lola? Like, they're escaping who has time to grab a little droid? I mean, yeah, it's compact. Okay. And and even if they have the tracker, what if they fly straight to Alderaan and drop Leia off? And, oh, oh you know where Alderaan is. I'm sure it's on all the maps and everything. So it just seems, oh, whatever. But it's, a, it's, it's good. I still like the show. I do like the show. I just, there's little things that bug me. And I don't know if I'm just nitpicking, but... There you go. Okay, then we have The Boys, season three. And because we have three episodes, again, I my gut, my whatever, my brain says, okay, just just go quickly. Just do what I, I can't. I, it's 301, payback. So we see cities in ruin. Highlander finds Stormfront in the center of the destruction. So she wants him to join. It was like, wait, what? I thought... So- she wants him to join him, but he says, you know, he's not into the Nazi stuff or whatever, but she's like, not even you can stop me alone. And he's like, well, I'm not alone. And then Starlight's there and Maeve's there and A-Train, Black Noir. And, but then they're in the audience are watching the movie. So they're watching the Dawn of Seven and, and then, you know, Highlander, he doesn't seem too happy after the movie They do like the photo ops. So he's doing like, you know, fake smiles, uh, Starlight and Huey, they go on a red carpet together and you know, again, Highlander isn't happy to the, the cameras because you know he's there get, taking ca- pictures and everything like that. But when when Star Star did I say Starfire? It's Starlight. I hope I didn't say Starfire. But when Starlight comes out, then everyone's like, oh, they start taking pictures of her, and so he's not happy about that because then you know he's not getting the attention. Congresswoman Newman is there. So from what we saw last season, Congress Newman is actually a soup. She can blow people's heads up. <laughs> and so she's there stan edgar who's uh is he the ceo of, of voight he, he's there he 
says that he hopes that this demonstrates that Voight welcomes the oversight of the Bureau of Superhuman Affairs. So that's what the congresswoman she or started this um, whatever bureau to watch over soups. Um, they've been able to root out like a few bad apples together, and some dude in the crown calls out to Nadia to like the congressman. It was like, wait, that's not her name, because her name is Victoria. It's like who, who the heck is Nadia? Homelander gets a lot of questions like, you know, you see like a bunch of like different interviews. It's like, how do you did you not know the Stormfront was a Nazi? And he's like, well, you know, sometimes you make mistakes or you don't see. And he basically says like the same thing over and over again. So Ashley, Ashley Barrett, the PR lady, you see her. She's in a bathroom stall with Adam Bork with his like the movie director. They're like going at it. Then Huey comes in as they leave, whatever. And then Butcher shows up and kind of like startles him. And he says that he found the guy that they've been searching for all, all month. So it's like the boys are all set up. He just needs Huey to give them the green light because that's not Huey's now like the liaison since he's working with the congresswoman. He's like, well, I'll talk to Newman. And then Butcher gives him a hard time about kissing her butt and all the stuff like that. Then we see Frenchie and the female. They arrive at a party. They're doing surveillance. So there's this dude who can shrink in a dollhouse and he's like having sex with a doll. So this is termite. And then he's in a, he, he goes off in the bedroom with this dude. And he, apparently he, the dude says he wants him inside him. So, so he shrinks, termite shrinks down, oh, enters the guy's penis, like through his urethra. And he's just like going in there kind of like, like touching like the, the wall. And it's just, it's just, oh, man, I can't, yeah. So the, the problem is they were, like, doing cocaine, the coke, before, and Termite sneezes while he's inside, and it, the sneeze caused him to grow. The guy's just, like, torn apart. And this is a guy that he cared about, so he's just torn apart and dead. Frenchie enters, and he sees, like, all this stuff. And, and he like recorded it, whatever. And then he tries to leave, but the guy won't let him leave. So he ends up, he runs up Frenchie's pants. And he's like really strong and being small or whatever. It seems like he's strong. I, I don't think it's just normal strength. But then uh, uh, Kamiko comes in, the, the female. And uh, so she stops Termite because Termite's going to, he he ran up to Frenchie's leg to like, I guess, go up his butt so then he can get big and tear him apart. So she manages to stop him, but then he bites her hand. So he flings her against the wall and trips Frenchie, and he's about to jump into Frenchie's mouth, but then Butcher holds a, a baggie in front of him, so he jumps in there. The baggie's full of cocaine. So then Butcher's about to squash him, but then uh, then he, he says that you know they better call a bureau. So Huey wakes up uh, next to Starlight, so he, then he talks to his dad in the morning, and he goes to work. So he's at the FBSA, the Federal Bureau of Superhuman Affairs. This, uh, the random dude from the other night, he's sitting in a waiting area, and he seems nervous. So Huey goes up to him, and a dude points. There's a picture of the congresswoman of Newman, and he's like, oh, I'm just waiting for her, for Nadia. And he points to her. And Huey's like, oh, you have the wrong person. He, the dude's like, no, like we're best friends. So he tells Huey his name is Tony. He's like, just, just tell her Tony's here. He's like, she'll remember. And then he's like escorted out of there. Butcher goes and visits uh, Ryan, uh, his his wife, his dead's wife, his dead wife's kid from Hol Hol Homelander raped her. So you know he's Ryan's at this like a, a safe house. They play you know he got, he Butcher got him connect for whatever. So they're playing that, and he talks about how he hates math, which I take offense to that. 
uh, his mom used to help him. And then he says he had another nightmare about his dad. And Grace is like watching over at this, this secure place. Homelander does another interview and then uh, or he's about to do an interview, but the deep is there. So he had to slot before him for his book deeper. It's about how he and his wife, Cassandra escaped from the, the cult that they were in. She's there too. Homelander. He, he just wants to know, he's like, how did you get the slot before him? So he's really mad that he's going on after the deep. Cause he feels like no, you know, you know, he shouldn't be going after other people, but he doesn't know what to say. And Ash is like, Oh, it was a mistake. And you know, the, the talent booker is so flipping fired. And, but then Homelander, he's like, I'm asking the deep. And he's like, I, I don't know. He's like, it's flipping ridiculous. He's like, I should never go before you. He says some other stuff, whatever. And Homelander's like, Oh, that's very sweet of you to say. And he just does one of his weird, scary smiles. So Homelander's interview, he gets the same questions. How did he not know Stormfront was a Nazi? Blah, blah, blah. Then uh, we see, it's Mother Milk's daughter's Janine. It's her 10th birthday. And it's a costume party. She's dressed as Starlight. Then his, his uh, ex calls in her partner. And you know it's this white nerdy dude. His name is Todd. Um, so Mother Milk, he like kind of backs out of the picture so they can have their moment. And then he talks to Monique later. And you know he's like, oh, maybe we should go out Friday night and you know, talk about this co-parenting stuff and everything. And he's just trying to get some you know time with her and everything. But... They're like the place he wanted to go to. She points out, it's like that's where we had our first date. You know, she's like, you know that that's that's not going to happen, whatever. And and she's like, you just need to move on. At Vought, Voit Vought, whatever. Uh, Robert Singer looks at a vial of V twenty four. Edgar says that they're working on the marketing. So one dose of this temporary V gives a soldier twenty four hours of power, and then they return right back to normal. So Singer's like, well, how stable is it? And he says that it, since it's it's temporary, the DOD has to keep buying doses. So how much is it? Edgar's like, oh, it's roughly $2 million a hit. So obviously, you know, it's all about the money and everything to keep the business going. Edgar agrees that the superheroes are a problem and, you know, they shouldn't have elevated into, with the press and the movies. He's like, in five years, he hopes to be out of the superhero business entirely. Newman tells Huey that Termite is off the table. Voight made a deal with Terminex. <laughs> Then Huey has to tell Butcher, who's not happy, because you know they spent all this time trying to find him and whatever. So after some grumbling, he tells Butcher that he needs to get over him and just, you know, that he needs to get over the fact that he, Huey, and Mother's Milk left the boys. But you know, so Butcher still like he like he took it personally. He's like, well, I don't care about Huey. Whatever. And he's like, Mother's Milk leaving hurt more. Then Huey's like, it's been a year. He's like, you need to move on. He's like, she would have wanted that. And he's talking about. Rebecca, his his ex-wife. Butcher is alone. Uh, he watches a video of uh, Homelander and Maeve on a plane where, you know, Homelander wants to leave them all to die since they can't save everyone or whatever. So, you know, he still has that footage that Maeve gave him. Homelander has a meeting with Stan, who says he called him in Starlight there. And he says it's because he, she's brought back some of the, the wholesomeness into the Seven, you know, after all the fiascos and everything like that, so the board wants to make her co-captain of the Seven. Um, but she's like, Homelander's a captain, and Sans like, it's like this could help both of them. Homelander's numbers are still down because of the Stormfront, the the Nazi stuff. And he says like, he's like, the board already voted. They, you know, she just they just need Starlight to say yes. So she's like, I'm flattered, but no, thank you. If anyone, it should be Maeve. And Stan says that Maeve doesn't have a 96 or whatever, like their ratings, their Q ratings or whatever. Homelander's like, nobody does except Starlight, apparently. So then Stan 
asks Homelander if he'll give them a moment. So Nalone, she's like, there's no way. He's like, you can see how he got. Stan's like, he can get pissy all he wants as long as I'm CEO of Avat. He's like, he's under control, and they both know why. And she points out that you know, he can probably hear him. Stan's like, good. It's like, I hope he can. He's like, real power is being able to bend the world to your will. So she would help decide what the seven would do, what causes they support. She'd have full authority, and he's offering her real power, so she should think about it. Starlight is um, also on a show that decides who's going to be the next American hero. So one is Supersonic, who she used to date when they were on the, the Christian hero circuit, whatever, and when, when they're young. So Huey's kind of jealous, and you know, Starlight says that you know they were just running lines for, the, and he's like for a reality show, so they actually have to rehearse things. He Starlight tells Huey about the co-captain stuff. You know, she does see how it could be good for like the girls and you know in, in the world and for all the hard work that you know has gone on he says that but homelander could kill her or whatever like that and she's like she can bring on people who can help and he's like oh like your boyfriend she's like you know this isn't a good look for you because you know him being jealous so it's photo time with uh, homelander and starlight he has a big fake smile you know ashley's like nervous of course after Homelander sees a train in the hall with like a shake and he comments about all the fat foods he's been eating and he just keeps like pushing. He he's like, you're not even running. He's like, you're making us look ridiculous. He's like the world fastest man. He's like, what a flipping joke. And he just like walks away. So it's like, it's almost like Homelander is like taking out his, his anger on whoever else he can. But so as he walks away, a train mouths is like, fudge you. And Homelander's like, what'd you say? from like down the hall and he comes up to him he grabs him by the head he's like say it his eyes start glowing red and he's then he just leaves Maeve like saw this happen and she texts him and she's like we need to meet so Homelander visits Stormfront so she's all burnt and like maimed or whatever she's like in the hospital bed and she can't talk and he's like how are you and you know he's just like talking to her and he's like you know it's, I, I think like, can she talk I don't, can't remember whatever but you know she still wants a master race and stuff where like he's like no he's like I'm the master race Maeve visits Butcher's office, kind of incognito. She says that she thinks she has something. You know, there's a file on Soldier Boy. He's like, so what? She's like, she asks what he remembers about how he died. Butcher says it was stopping a nuclear meltdown in 83 or 84. He got buried beneath the reactor. And he's like, I always thought it was Bullock's. And she's like, well, you thought right. So she's like, read. So he's like, what's BCL red or something like that? And she says that the rumors say that the thing that killed Soldier Boy, it was like some kind of gun or weapon. Butcher's like, he was, was nearly strong as, and then she smiles. So she says if they can find this weapon, then maybe they can blow Homelander's brain. So he sees a picture of the team Payback you know, from back then. So she gives him three vials of Temp V, and there's two people on the team who would know anything. So the lady he was dating and the sidekick. So Butcher goes home. He's about to dump the temp V down the drain, but then he hears a whoosh, and then he hides him in a cookie jar. Homelander's outside, his, outside his window, and Butcher's like, he's like, oh, if you want to watch me having a wank, it'll cost you a tenner. And Homelander asks he's, if he can come in, and then Homelander's like, where's Ryan? And Butcher's like, uh, he's at 673 Nosh My Bullocks Avenue. And Homelander's like, you know, I can just pull you apart limb by limb, you know, make you tell me. And Butcher's like, nah, that's worthless. He's like, you know, the victim always goes into shock and you have to start small, you know, fingers, toenails, ears. 
Homelander's like, he's my son, you know, he, he's family. So he's like, he's going to, I'm going to find him sooner or later. And Butcher says that he doesn't mean to be rude, but can he just skip the part where he lasers his brains out? Homelander says like, oh, where's the sport in that? He says it'd be like putting down a wounded dog. Butcher says that he's the one with his tail between his legs and all those talk shows. Then they make Starlight co-captain. So he's like, oh, touche, William. And Butcher asks, he's like, what are you doing here? And he like, he grimaces. He says, Vought and the Bureau and all the wheeling and dealing. It's like, it's all to keep everything exactly the same. Then and they, they treat them like they're obsolete. So it's like, doesn't that make you angry? And Butcher thinks, and he's like, yeah. And Homelander says that, what if it didn't have to be that way? Then we see Mother's Milk. He has a bunch of like clippings in a closet. So he starts laying them all out about Soldier Boy and like other stuff. Then we see Huey leaves work. He sees uh, the random dude calling after Nadia and going after Newman. So he follows. He follows her into an alley and he's about to call out to Newman. But then she turns and she's like, hey, Tony, how have you been? And he's like, oh, not as good as you. And he's like, I see you on TV all the time. And she's like, I'm not Nadia anymore. So you can't come to the office calling me that. He's like, well, we were best friends. And she's like, that was a long time ago. So he says that, you know, she has a platform now. She should tell everyone about Red River. And she's like, it's not that easy. So, you know, he needs people to know what happened to him. But she's like, she says, like, I can't. And he's like, please. And she's like, okay. So then they hug. But then his, his nose start bleeding. And he uses his power and he sends her flying into dumpster. Like that, Huey's like hiding behind it. So he's like shoved against like, you know, wall, whatever. She gets like one eye open and she blows up his hand and the more struggle and she finally manages to blow up his jaw and like the left side of his head. He's still kind of alive. So I guess she, you know, she doesn't just blow up the head. She, I guess she can kind of focus on where she blows up, what she blows up. So he's still kind of alive, whatever. And then uh, she like kind of cradles his head. She's like, oh, Tony. She's like, why'd you have to come looking for me? And then she stands and he's like gurgling everything. And then she like blows up his whole body and it's like kind of like raining guts so she takes her phone out she's like it's me she's like i'm in trouble she's like i need i need a team and she gives the address and then uptown girl by billy joe plays <laughs> that's the first episode 302 the only man in the sky there's a tv promo this thursday on vtv bought to television for women it's about the deep talking about searching for a purpose in life not without my dolphin the movie all this stuff Butcher thinks about taking Tem V. He imagines Homelander and the kid um, talking to him through the TV, so he was dreaming. And then Ryan actually calls him like the FaceTime. Homelander visits Stormfront again, so it's apparently his birthday. Uh, she's not very communicative, and he tells her to blink if she wants to wish him a happy birthday, but nothing. So then uh, he 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 leaves, and there, there's like a tear in her eye because you know she has this miserable existence. You know she can't do like like anything or whatever. Starlight looks over the Newman Nadia files. Huey's worried about tipping his card because she could pop everyone's head in the office. So he doesn't want to tell a butcher because it'd mean that he was a soup sidekick for all this time. So she has to leave for a sound check for a stupid Homelander birthday special. So she's like, but just wait before you do anything. Supersonic is practice so Starlight's ex from back in the day. He's practicing this cringy song that he sang before when he was younger. He doesn't want to do it, but he knows that he doesn't have much choice since you know he's not in the seven yet. Butcher shows up at 
Mother Milks, and he brings up the weapon that killed Soldier Boy that could take out Homelander. Butcher says that he can close the book on Soldier Boy once and for all and for his father. Mother's Milk gets angry. He you know, says his dad spent his life hunched over his desk looking into a dead guy, ignored his family, and he's like, I almost did the same thing. So he does give Butcher a file, though, before he leaves. And, and then after that, he starts looking at more uh, files and newspaper clippings. Frenchie and Kamika go to the Vought, the Seven theme park. I don't know what it's for, whatever. She has this huge smile on, his, on, on her face. They go to see this Soldier Boy Ahoy movie. Crimson Countess, played by Lori Holden, sings a song on stage as she's there. Uh, then Frenchie and Kamiko visit her backstage. They kind of like paid for like this meet and greet session or something like that. She then she you know because she Kamiko says she's a fan, so she plays this new song for Kamiko. It's called "No Chimps No Cry," and then Kamiko pins her against the wall, and so she can't do fireball if her hands don't touch. So Frenchie's like, they just want the truth about Soldier Boy. Like, how did he die? Who killed him? And then this other kid and mom come in, and she's able to escape. She shoots a fireball at them. She like hits this dude dressed in his like Homelander costume. She like guts everywhere. Kids are screaming and it's like that. And Kamiko sees like this, you know, brother and sister kid, and you know, she's feeling bad because you know that's like what happened to her. Um, Huey cuts his hand on a glass jar. He's trying to open a jar, but he can't do it. And he tries calling uh, Annie Starlight. He gets mad when Supersonic answers her phone because she's on stage, you know, practicing the the for the birthday thing. Homelander changed the line, so he wants Starlight to do more. And uh, he wants her to sing Happy Birthday to You, but he wants her to sing it with like backup dancers and the, like, the more revealing version of her costume. She calls him on it, and she t- tells him that she knows that he doesn't care if he sings or not, that it's an attempt to make her look more like a sex doll than a co-captain. He tells her to, to lighten the fudge up, and then um, it turns out stands there, and you know, like in an audience in the dark, and he's like, "If Starlight doesn't want to sing, she doesn't have to." So Homelander is kind of surprised that he's there, and stands like their data says seventy six percent of their viewers will make every effort to watch for Starlight. As for Homelander, fifty three percent might DVR the show. So he thinks that means that she can call her own shots. Homelander says he's like, "Well, what if?" I just walked in. Dan says, after the PR fiasco of the last year, it's probably not the best idea. But hey, it's your party. You can cry if you want to. Then Homelander just walks off the stage. A-Train tries talking to Ashley. And there's this other PR person who is also Ashley. Her name's Ashley also. A-Train, he wants to do A-Train Africa. So they're like doing this pitch, like him and his brother. He, he wants to play into the African-American demographic. He has this idea for a video game, and, and you know there's like this mock-up poster. And Ashley's like, is that a video game about the slave trade? He's like, yeah. And he's like, I even redesigned a costume. And you know it's like like kind of like, what was it Kwanzaa colors or whatever? And Ashley's like, why don't we hold off on that? And then as they walk down the halls, he's like, man, she didn't like that. And his brother's like, she hated it. It's like, it was so obvious or whatever. Huey visits a school for kids with powers, like uh, is like it's almost like an orphanage or something like that. He acts like he's looking to adopting a kid, and then this one kid points to a TV screen that's up on a wall. So the lady sees Huey on there with with Starlight. So he comes up with the stories that he's really um, st- sterile, and you know that him and 
uh, Starlight want to adopt and it's like that. So he looks at files on a computer and while they're sitting there, he manages to like stick a thing in a thumb drive and able to copy to hard drive. So in the car, he starts looking at, he finds Nadia's files and he sees like Stan is also in a video. So like Stan knew Nadia, knew uh, the congresswoman when she was young. Stan is at Newman's house and he like reads to her daughter and then he talks to Newman. She says someone at Vought dropped the ball and he says that a Vought crew sterilized the scene within 50 minutes. He's like, you know, come on. He's like, haven't I always taken care of you? So that's who she called in the alley. Butcher goes to this firearm convention. Then he goes to see Gunpowder give a talk. So Gunpowder was uh, Soldier Boy's like sidekick. Then, um, Butcher talks to him at the urinal because you know gunpowder's in there. He's he's like he's like oh I followed you since your payback days and he mentions Soldier Boy. He talks about his sidekick the, the sidekick pedophilia rumors. Then he points out that he has a complaint um, begging Vought to be taken off payback on account of Soldier Boy's habitual abuse. Gunpowder's like that's fake. And then Butcher says he's like I just want to know what happened to Soldier Boy. And he's like you're gonna tell me. Gunpowder's like well maybe I'll just put a bullet in your head. Butcher's says that then it'll be all over the internet and within like an hour because maybe he has it set up for that gunpowder claims that he doesn't care because it never happened he's like soldier boy never touched him like that so but in a parking garage butcher gets his, into his car he doesn't bother is like he's his cars the doors were like unlocked so he sees something in his rear view mirror and he manages to duck before a shot can take him out he he get it does end up getting shot like in a leg He's like starts shooting, nothing happens. And uh gunpowder sees him like in the mirror. He does like this fancy shot, you know, like one of those like, security, you know, parking mirrors, whatever. So gunpowder does this fancy shot that cause causes the bullet to like bounce a couple times and it like grazes Butcher's cheeks. So Butcher shoots at a few cars, he sets off the car alarms, he he manages to escape out of there. So then we see uh this woman is about to jump off a building and Homelander shows up behind her. Ashley and also Ashley are down below and there, you know, there's a camera guy that the film stuff. So Homelander tells her that if she jumps, that he'll just swoop down. So it's all futile. Then Ashley gets a text and she curses. So the, the jumbo screen behind up like uh, on uh, another building uh, up top, it shows that Stormfront committed suicide. And then he says to him, he's like, she wouldn't, it's my birthday. So there's leaked video shows her being taken out in a body bag. And then he starts talking to the, the lady, Chelsea. He, he's like, oh, you know, it's not even my really my birthday. He's like, I don't have one. He's like, it was chosen by a marketing team. And he was, you know, just poured out of a test tube, whatever. He asked Chelsea, he's like, how is it that she gets to be saved, but a beautiful God like Stormfront doesn't? Then he tells her he thinks she should just jump. She's like, uh, I don't think I want to. And he's, he's like, you show some follow through. And she says that, you know, she just wants to get off the roof now, whatever. And he's like, I'm not suggesting anymore. So Ashley's on the phone. And, and then, you know, how did she bite off her own tongue? And it's splat behind her. So whether, oh no, I think she was backing away and she fell off. Mother's Milk has a whole floor covered in files. There's pictures and articles. And then this alarm goes off. So Janine calls him, his daughter. He goes there and takes his pot off the stove top. And we, he knocks off the fire alarm with a broom. He's like pounding on it, whatever. Pounds it on, on the floor, on the, on the ground to stop it. And you can see Janine's like kind of scared. And and then, but she does go up to him and hug him. Huey arrives at the 
bureau office newman comes up to him and she's like where were you and she, she sees his hand was cut like that and he's like oh it's nothing then she's like who's nadia and he acts confused so newman's like some guy came in yesterday asking for nadia and he's like oh yeah yeah there's this guy who looked at your picture and said that he knew you she's like and you weren't going to tell me he's like oh it's just some guy off his meds and then she says you know with you being late and your hand you know it seems like there's a lot going on Starlight comes in and she's like, oh, sorry. You know, he's like, he was with me. You know, we had things to discuss kind of loudly. So they act like that they had a fight and, you know, she's checking on him and he continues the, the fight saying, he's like, I'm not a kid. I'm perfectly capable of handling myself or whatever. And Newman's like, it's a little awkward. She's like, oh, I'll just excuse myself. So then in his car, he shows Annie that like the files of, of Newman you know, so there's like this picture. I don't know if it's like a parent with their head blown off by a baby crib. So maybe that's her, or whatever. And you know, he's like angry because he thought Vicky was his friend. You know, the congressman. And he's like, oh, and I may have signed this up to adopt a child. <laughs> Mother's milk drops off Janine, and then he wants to talk to Monique. He tells her how you know he's been trying to stay away from from all of it for her and Janine. Then. Then the soldier boy thing came up and, you know, he's starting to get ticks and his compulsions. He tried upping his meds and, you know, he said he, he lost his poop in front of Janine with, I guess, the, the smoke alarm. And he's like, soldier boy is like a, you know, sliver in my brain. And it's like, he doesn't know what to do. And she's like, you have to go back to butcher. And she's like, I, I never wanted to turn you into something that you're not. And she, she says she's sorry, but, you know, she can't be with him anymore, but he should go do what he has to do. He has to face this poop down. And he's like, just please don't tell Janine about this. Then she's like, well, Janine will be right here waiting. Just, you know, stay safe for her. Frenchie shows Kamiko a video of another theme park. He's like, oh, we'll go there tomorrow. And she signs that, you know, there's like a roller coaster. She's like, it was never about the roller coaster. Her and her brother, Kenji, never had a childhood. She just did the same thing to a you know little girl and a brother at a theme park. So, you know, how can they ever be children again after you know, the horror that they saw? And, you know, he's like, it wasn't your fault. And she said that she'll never be a normal girl who likes roller coasters. And she's broken, can never be fixed. There's poison in her veins. Then Butcher, uh, he's wrapping his wounded leg. Leg. He finally watches this video that Ryan had made for him. So Ryan made him a Lego movie with a like a phone message from his mom, and he just watches like hearing her voice and everything. It's like a like a punch in the gut. Then Butcher calls Huey. Huey brings up Crimson Counts, Countess thing. Uh, Butcher says that Huey was right the other day. Things are good. Ryan's good. He should just leave well enough alone before he fudges it all up. Huey pauses and he's like, you there? So Huey finally says, Newman's the soup. She's the head popper. And he's like, yeah. And she's pretty much Stan Edgar's daughter too. So the past year, my life has been a waste. I thought we could fight Vought the right way, but we can't. It's all rigged. If we're going to take them down, we have to do whatever it takes. We have to do it your way. And he's like, butcher, you there? And he like puts the phone down and thinks. Homelander, he's lying in like Stormfront's like hospital bed, and you know, he's just looking at like the the blood stain on the mattress or whatever. Gunpowder goes to his car, and Butcher's leaning against it. He tells him, he's like, "Get the fudge off my car!" And Butcher's asks, "Why is he protecting Soldier Boy?" And he says that you know he would have done something to him. He'd have to throw him off, throw him to the the fudging dogs. Gunpowder then draws his gun. He shoots three times. Butcher goes down. And he, so Gunpowder, he's like, that wasn't too smart. So Gunpowder slowly walks up to him, grinning. Then Butcher starts getting up. 
and he pulls up his shirt and a, a bit and the bullets just like fall off gunpowder raises his gun and butcher grabs it and it's like just breaks it snaps it gunpowder tries pulling another and then butcher headbutts him he pulls him up and he like just punches and gunpowder tries you know punching him in the gut but like nothing butcher like punches him hits him it goes flying across the garage butcher hits him some more and he's like enough and he's like you know soldier boy used to slap him around a little bit it was just hazing but then it went too far he's like all right and butcher's like what flipping happened to him and he's like he didn't die in an accident all right he's like the whole nuclear meltdown thing was just bs he's and butcher's like i flipping know that he's like what killed him and gunpowder says he doesn't know butcher hits him again and gunpowder yells he's like i don't know i don't flipping know all right it's like we were just in nicaragua in 84 he's like i didn't see it happen i was just a kid he's like ask the other ask the cia and he tells butcher that they were working with the cia and butcher's like who was a case officer and he's like grace it was grace mallory and butcher grabs him again and gunpowder's like please he's like i told you all i know butcher's like i know you did but it don't change what you are he punches him again and again and again it's like 12 times then his, his eyes glow and like laser vision comes out it zaps part of the car and then he turns around and like zaps some more and then he looks at gunpowder like the top part of his head just like shh, like slides off and then the car just like snaps in half so that was pretty heavy <laughs> homelander's birthday special supersonic does is like dance on stage while singing homelander's like backstage silent then a train comes out with a in a colorful costume ashley's first like what is he wearing he calls out to the, the, the he calls the co-captains out he shakes homelander's hand and he's like happy birthday and homelander whispers he's like i can see you your girdle you disgusting fat fudge he's like get off the fudging stage which is pretty harsh but again him taking his anger out on on, you know the unfortunate below him starlight talks about uh you know she's like we're not just here for his birthday she's like i want to announce a new foundation for the homeless at the starlight house or something like that someone in the crowd yells hey homelander your nazi died and it's like "Uh uh-oh and then the the heckler's like pulled out an audience he's like what what was that homelander like you know keeps a smile on his face and then starlight says you know, she starts defending him. She's like, you know, Homelander's just human, just like the rest of us. He's like, we all make mistakes, right? He's like, but we all deserve second chances. And in that spirit, Homelander has agreed to donate $10 million to the Starlight House, which is, I mean, and Homelander's like, no, 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 no. And he's like, Starlight lied to you you just now. She's like, she did. He's like, I don't make mistakes. I'm not just like the rest of you. I'm stronger. I'm smarter. I'm better. I am better. I'm not some weak need flipping crybaby that goes around flipping, apologizing all the time. He's like, and why the fudge would you want me to be? Ashley tries to get him to go to commercial and Homelander. She's like, Roger, go. he's like, Roger, don't you dare stop rolling. And he's like, all my life, people have tried to control me. My whole life, rich people, powerful people have tried to muzzle me, cancel me, keep me impotent and obedient, like I'm a flipping puppet. But you know what? It worked because I allowed it to work. And guess what? If they can control me, you can bet your butt they can control you. They already do. You just don't realize it. He's like, I'm done. I'm done apologizing. I'm done being persecuted for my strength. Like you should all be thankful for, for what I am because you need me. You need me to save you. And it's like, I'm the only one who possibly can. And he's like, you're not the real heroes. I'm the real hero. I'm the real hero. And that's the end of the second episode. Episode three, 303, Barbary Coast. 
we see a flashback to Little Miss Hero Pageant. So we, young Starlight has this pain in her side. It's like in a makeup room. Her mom's like, we have to do whatever it takes to win. So go out there and keep smiling. So she goes out there, sings Hit Me Baby one more time. And she's like clearly in pain. And as she's doing, you know, you can see her like her hands like clenched behind her back. She's just trying to deal with the pain. And I don't know if it was like anxiety or just like something, something was going on. In the present, Starlight watches Homelander speech again. Ashley runs by, and she's like, uh, is crisis management going to do something about this? And she's like, yeah, sorry, Starlight, not now. She keeps running down the hall. Homelander's in his like office room or whatever. He's watching the video as well. Ashley r- runs in. She's like, oh, you're up. And he's like, no knock. So he's sitting on the couch naked. She's like, I'll just come back later. And he tells her to wait. And he's like, what do you mean? I'm up. And she's like, 21 points with your base. He's like, 21 points. They loved your speech. A massive 44% uptick with white males in, in the Rust Belt. So they're, they're um, saying that he's confident and unapologetic, and he's not afraid to not afraid to be himself. And then you could, I guess apparently he's gotten excited because she's like, oh, because he's still naked. Um, he's like, they want me to be myself? She says that they he did slip seven points in the urban area adults 18 to 34 but it's not bad it's good because ultimately everybody loves him and starlight together as a team so together they have a q rating of 98 percent. no one's ever been that high not soldier boy not anyone so butcher is vomiting so like after effects for an attempt v he stares at himself in the mirror and his eyes are still kind of crackling so he's like does he still have the laser eyes Mother's Milk's cleaning up the place. He says now that he's back, they have to police themselves. You know, they have to keep the place clean, whatever. Um, Butcher comes out to make coffee, and Huey walks in. Mother's Milk and and Frenchie greet him, give him a hug. He finally goes to Butcher. He's like, I know what you're going to say, and Butcher cuts him off. He's like, no. He's like, I'm just chuffed to have all the boys back under the same roof. Then he starts making fun of him, how he was in his fancy pants lording over them all this time, but he was nothing but a soup bootlick. Um, lifetime achievement for C of the year. Huey's like, yeah, yeah, that's achievement. Are you done? He's like, no, mate, I'm just getting started. Believe you me. Huey says that they have to get Ryan safe because Vicky knows where he is because they flipping told her, which means Stan Edgar knows too. Butcher says that he's one step ahead. They're already out of sight. Frenchie um, gets a text. He's like, I can't go. And Butcher's mad, but Frenchie's like, it's an emergency. He was like, I'll go instead. Butcher's like, no. He's like, the congresswoman might suspect something. Huey says, well, I thought of that. And he asked Kamiko, he's like, can you break my arm? And he's like, Vicky might get suspicious if I fake you know, being sick. So it has to be something real and to last for days. So then Mother's Milk instructs him, like, <laughs> instructs her where to break it so there's no permanent damage. And she just like snaps it. It's like uh, so, so nasty. The PR people are talking about potential slots for the sevens. So Supersonic gets one because of his appeal to girls 11 to 14, which is gross. He also has a slam dunk for the Latin X market because I guess he's from Mexico or something like that. Moonshadow is their second choice. Uh, she's body positive, but not too body positive. Starlight says she was thinking Silver Kincaid. And Ash is like, but she's from Afghanistan. And Starlight's like, she's from England. And she has the highest rescue stats of the finalists. And she's a UNICEF ambassador. Ash is like, okay, but we'll have to run this by Homelander. And Starlight's like, actually, according to my contract with Stan Edgar, I get final say over the two slots. Frenchie meets with Sherry, his ex, and she's asked for like some passports or like that. She said she messed up. She went back to work for little Nina 
and she was moving stuff for her and some guy stole it. So they were wearing masks and she was high. So it was like 11 kilos. And she asked, she's like, why don't you come with me? And he's like, sorry, whatever. He's like, no, I can't. So she kisses him goodbye and she leaves without saying a word. Butcher, Mother's Milk, Kiwi, and Kamiko all show up at Ryan's new place. Grace greets them. As they head inside, Huey asks Mother's Milk, uh, why did he come back? And he said that, you know, Soldier Boy killed his family. So he just wants to get to the bottom of this. Starlight tells Supersonic that they want to pick him as one of the winners tonight, but he needs to say no. She, you know, wishes someone told her what she's about to tell him. There's something wrong with Homelander, something broken. He threatened to murder her more than once. He's murdered other people, and it's only getting worse. So it's just be putting himself and his family in danger. He says that he needs a, a second. He's like, you just told me all the stuff that he swallowed for years was for nothing. And she's like, just promise me that you'll leave and never look back. A-Train comes out of this medical center. His brother's waiting for him. The doctor said that it was like playing Russian roulette. If he runs again, maybe nothing, or it could be his heart. Ryan's playing Connect Four with Kamiko. Uh, he says that Butcher said she had powers. And he's like, I do too. He's like, do you like yours? And she shakes her head. And he's like, do you ever get scared of them? And she nods. And he's like, me too. And then he's like, Aunt Grace wanted to get me a dog, but I said no. I was afraid I'd hurt it. And she texts on the phone and it does show him. She's like, I know what you mean. I've hurt people. He's like, well, I'm sure you didn't mean it. And she types, I hate my powers. I wish I never had them. And he's like, yeah, me too. So the others fill Grayson on Newman's truth. She says that you know, she was the one that got her appointed after attack. So she'd like to know what their, the plan is to eliminate her. And Butcher's like, well, that depends on what you can tell us about your little holiday down in Nicaragua. And she's like, I've never been there. And Butcher's like, he says, well, a little birdie told me that you were Payback's case officer on a classified job that Soldier Boy never came back from. And she scoffs. And she tells the others, she's like, whatever it is he thinks he's heard, he's mistaken. Butcher mentions a safe and a ledger that he took from her place. He's like, how long does she think they and her families will last when he puts everyone in her flipping names on Facebook? So she's like, Nicaragua's ancient history, and I could be killed just for telling you. And he's like, well, all of your agents will get killed if you don't. So she finally says it was part of Operation, Operation Charlie, C-H-A-R-L-Y. It was Reagan's pet project off the books. Helped the Contra rebels fight the Russian-backed Sandinistas, but they needed a way to pay for it. So some of the cash came from selling arms to Iran, Oliver North's epic fudge-up. But the rest was cocaine, and she was in charge of trafficking the coke into the U.S. and then using the profits to buy more weapons. So he did whatever it took to fight uh, in the fight against the Reds, the Russians. Mother's Milk's like, that's some self-justifying BS. You know, was she part of the other thing too? Huey's like, what other thing? Mother's Milk, like, tell him. So the unwritten policy was to sell cocaine strictly to minority neighborhoods to destabilize, demoralize while staying out of the white ones. There's a flashback. Rocky like a hurricane plays. Payback shows up. They're like being annoying and getting the soldiers all riled up. Soldier Boy is about to shoot off a bazooka. And so young Grace, she's like, you have to put that down. And he's like, oh, we're just having fun. And she's like, our munitions dump is in that direction. You're about to blow up half our camp. So she's like, put it down. She said like sternly. And he's like, oh, he's like, I do like the assertive type. And he's like, with a body like you, you're being wasted down here. And Crimson Countess, she like didn't care for that because they're supposed to be together. Stanford Edgar, young Stan, introduces himself and apologizes. He says that he's an associate with Vought American. 
she doesn't um, shake his hand or anything and just asks if he wants to explain why the flipping freak show is there. You know, like, what's this all about? He mentions the association they have with the government. Payback will embed themselves in and fight alongside the Contra rebels. So think of it as a trial run, superhero in the military. Then she sees one of the superheroes hovering up above. She yells, like, get down. And the dude's like, what's the problem? So she's like flab- flabbergasted. She's like, the problem is that the enemy might spot a flipping flying man above the tree line and find her position. So Stan tells Swato, that was his name. She's like, she's right. It's like, no flights without Officer Mallory's clearance. Then she asks Stan, she's like, is this a joke? She's like, soups aren't soldiers. They're undisciplined, untrained, and untested. They do, they do not belong in a war zone. They belong in That's Incredible, which is a show that was on back then. Stan says that, he's like, tell that to Soldier Boy. He's a living, breathing American hero. And she's like, I'm not allowing this. And then Stan pulls out the orders from the director. And he says, he's like, and I'll also need a couple of your men to fetch water for our tents. So he kind of like pulls rank on her. Later, she's walking around. Uh, some, it's like some of the paybacks just like sitting in the sun. He, she overhears Black Noir. So Black Noir has his mask off. So he's a younger Black Noir. He's talking to Stan. He's like, I want to lose the mask. So people don't even know it's me under this thing. And he's like, I have to you know, wear it just to get a cab. Stan says that Payback is a country's premier superhero team, and Stan threatens to reassign him to Minneapolis-St. Paul, where he'll want a mask simply for warmth. Then Soldier Boy tells her that she should smile more. He's like, I bet it's a beautiful smile. She tells him that his lines don't work. He's like, well, they did on Lonnie Anderson. And she's like, it's either a joke or they're scared of you. And he starts like insulting her, and then one of the rebels gets like shot, and there's like this explosion. Butcher interrupts her. He's like, hold that thought as his stomach starts rumbling. Homelander barges in on, on Starlight. She asks if he minds. You know, she's just grabbing a bite. And he's like, nope, I don't mind at all. He says that Ashley told him she chose Silver Kincaid. So he barely remembered her name. You know, she had to like tell him. He's like, I have, uh, he, he has notes, uh, you know, since he's co captain, right? And she's like, no, actually, I choose new members. And he's said that he's like, I'm pitching the, the craziest twist. The audience will never see it coming. And she's like, well, they already made their decision. And he's like, oh, you're going to love it. Ashley opens the door and Homelander's like, return of the deep. And Homelander tells Starlight before she says anything, doesn't Christ tell us to turn the other cheek? So the deep's wife comes up to her and hugs her. And she's like, oh, I really want us to be sisters. And the deep says that he had something made for her as a peace offering. And so it's this dolphin necklace. And he's like, it's 24 karat gold with certified conflict-free diamonds. He says that he put into work and he realized that when you've made an unforgivable mistake, the first person you have to forgive is yourself. She looks at him and she's like, what makes you think I want a daily reminder of the guy who flipping mouth raped me? She yells the last part, like looks at Homelander and Homelander just like looks away like do do do. And she tells him that she needs a word. So Ashley ushers them out and she's like, absolutely not. And he's like, do you really think I'm going to let a flipping Muslim in on the seven? So that's Silver Kincaid. She says that she's taking this to Edgar, and he, he's like, my speech last night, 38.6 rating and a 59 share. Edgar said it himself, popularity is power. He won't die in this hill. So she just kind of swallows, and he's like, do I need to remind you of the Flight 37 video? He scoffs. He like walks out, but then he turns around. He's like, go ahead, release it. He's like, let's light this candle, huh? He's like, sure, I'll lose everything, but then I'll have nothing to lose. 
First, I'll take out the nerve centers, White House, Pentagon, then any domestic defense capabilities, uh, then critical infrastructures like cellular, internet, that kind of thing. And then, well, I think then I'll just wipe out New York off the flipping map for fun. I'll even throw in Des Moines and that little cousin flipper hick town that Maeve's from, because why not? He says that he's like, I'd prefer to be loved. But if you take that away from him, being feared is a a one okie dokie with him. So go ahead, partner, do it. He's like, no, you don't want to do it. Well, then I would say you have no leverage because I am the homelander and I can really do whatever the fudge I want. So deep and his wife are start going at in his office and she reminds him that he has this feminine feminism thing with Rose McGowan and Alyssa Milano. And he's like, Ooh, I like charm. And she's like, you have to take this seriously in case that witch starlight comes after you again, but she doesn't say which. And while they're going at it, he's just like, he's staring at the squid in the tank over his bed. Cause he's into sea life butcher vomits he's in the bath he's looking in the mirrors i start glowing again so he's still feeling the effects ryan knocks on the door he's like are you okay in there starlight calls huey says that homelander had a breakdown and has lost his mind she mentions he's bringing the deep back into the seven so she brought up the video and he's like go ahead and and release it he, so huey was right co-captain was a bad idea he wants to tell her to run but she has to stick it out and she's like sorry he says that uh, he's back with butcher they're onto something that could kill Homelander and he needs her to buy them some time. And she's like, how much time? It's like silence. She's like, you don't know. So she's like, I have to pace on a smile and stand next to Homelander as he's losing it, hoping he doesn't kill me or worse. Huey struggles and he's like, if that's what it takes, then yeah. He's like, sorry, but you know, Homelander and Vicky are running around, laps around them because we you know, keep trying to do things the right way. It's like, we have to be as mean and messed up as they are. So she starts to say that he's sounding like Butcher, but then Huey, he's like, but he's right. A-Train hangs, he's hanging out at his brothers. The, the kids are like, what's up with your corny costume? And he, you know, they have some talk about that. He talks to his brother how he's trying to rebrand, stay relevant. You know, he can't run, so what else can he do? His brother shows him this news clip about this hero, Blue Streak, who stomped on a black guy because a white lady thought that he was following her and was gonna mug her. Uh, his brother's like he lives just a few house you know up and he has like has kids so a train's like should speak up he's in the seven a train's like i'm michael jordan i'm not malcolm x so he like doesn't want to do anything frenchie walks on the street and his car pulls up and so it's like nina wants to talk to you and there then he's like that's that's okay whatever and then there's two guys in the streets too so they're gonna make him go with them butcher is still in the bathroom he's like trying to fight the laser eyes and it finally passes um, Ryan was waiting outside. He says, uh, which is like, oh, it must have been something I ate. And then they, they talk about he, Ryan has crackers because like Ryan's mom used to give him them when he was feeling under the weather or whatever. So then uh, Ryan's like, but it's not just your stomach. He's like, your heart is racing. He's like, I can hear it. And your blood smells funny too. So then you know, Butcher returns to the others. So Mallory continues, uh, Swato went for another joyride and gave away her position. Sandinistas brought Russian special forces with them, but that didn't matter to the soups. Crimson Countess blasts two of them, and Grace is like, those are my men. So she killed you know, two of her guys. She sees Black Noir slicing guys. Swato runs and then like flies away, but this missile blows him up out of the sky. Soldier Boy's fighting, and rather he shoots this guy, or she shoots this guy, it almost shoots uh him in the back 
gunpowder is going crazy with this big gun in like the back of a jeep just, just, just shooting everyone she runs but then there's this big explosion she blacks out she wakes up and she hears black noir grunting and when she sees like half his face is burnt off and like his including his his throat and everything he like tries reaching for his helmet he's like so that's why he wears his helmet now and doesn't talk other soups are injured. Crimson Countess comes up to her crying, saying, they killed Soldier Boy, the Russians, whatever. They had some kind of gun or weapon or something. And Grace is like, that's impossible. And she's like, I saw it. It's like, they took his body. And you see this helicopter lifts him up in the distance. So Grace, in the present, tells him that she lost 116 men and Vought got full immunity. And that was the day she decided to make them pay. Butcher's like, oh, what a wonderful story. He's like, where did the Russians take the soup gun? And she says the trail went cold behind the Iron Curtain. Mother's Milk says that she knew what Soldier Boy did to his family, and she didn't think he needed to know the truth. She says it wasn't that simple. She wants to talk to Butcher alone. So Butcher says that uh, you know she came to him after Becca disappeared and promised him Homelander's head. All this time, she knew that there was something that could do the job, and she never said a flippin' word. She says that whatever this weapon is, it probably won't work on Homelander. And he's like, what if it does? She says, um, even worse, because it wouldn't end with him. That, you know, he'd go after another soup and then another and then all of them. He says that they could have stopped Homelander and Ryan wouldn't be running from one safe house to the next, wondering when his nutter dad is going to drop out of the sky. And Becca, he's like, Becca might still be alive. And for that, he's like, I'm never flipping, flipping, forgive you. She's like, this was never about Ryan or Becca. It was, you know, you're. It was always selfish and it was always only just for you, for the hate inside that you want to let loose on the world. So she thought maybe he changed, but she was wrong. It's like, you are your father and you always have been. So then he starts walking out, tells the others, like, we're off. And Ryan's like, when will I see you again? He's like, oh, you won't. Safer for you. But Ryan's like, wait. And Butcher's like, I got to go. Ryan grabs his arm like hard. And Butcher's like, you have to let me go. Ryan's like, you said you'd always watch out for me. Ryan's, he's like, let go. I won't let you go. And he's like, well, maybe I don't want to look at you. Maybe after what you'd done to my Becca, did you ever think about that? And this like, it's like, like a slap in the face. This gets Ryan to let go. And Ryan's eyes glow and Kamiko gets into like a defensive stance and he rips off like this necklace thing that like Butcher gave him. He's like, I hate you. And he runs inside. And then we see Frenchie. He's in like a Russian deli with a bag over his head. Nina cuts his bind and he's like, why am I here? She says, you know, some stuff from the past or whatever. She asks, where's Sherry? He's like, I don't know. And she like puts her knee on his crotch and like she pushes and he's, he says that she had a, a place in Bayoni. He's like, last time he saw her. And he's like, why? Nina's like, because no one stole heroin from Sherry. She stole it from Nina. And she says that she'll make Sherry's death quick and worth Frenchie's while. He says that he doesn't do that poop anymore. And she talks about how no one changes. So I think she's going to offer him more drugs or whatever. So she's like, you know, no one changes. And, you know, he was always like a dog on a leash before Butcher held it. It was her before it was hers, his dad. He says that he works for the CIA now. So unless she wants the government up her rear, he's leaving now. And she's like, well, we both had bigger things than the government up our rears. And so as he leaves, he's like, just think about, or she's like, just think about my offer. Homelander welcomes Deep back. Deep's wife's there too. So they're sitting at a, at a table. She raises a toast to us. Then the food comes in. Homelander says that 
he took the liberty of ordering for all of them since he's pretty sure they're going to love this selection. So there's like lobsters and shrimp and all that stuff like that. And he like snaps a lobster in half and Deep's just like, uh, can I just get some bread? And Homelander's like, oh, you're back in the big leagues. Nothing but the best for you. Ashley's like eating too with them. And she's like, slurps down an oyster and, you know, saying she's like, oh, I'm so hungry. And Deep's just like watching, like kind of grossed out. Then Homelander's uh, talks about how he's been reading about Martin Luther King Jr., how he was... He, he was persecuted and he spoke truth to power just like him. So Homelander is comparing himself to Martin Luther King. Um, he says that how he showed the people the real him and they loved it. You know, it's like if only he knew sooner, you know, there's so many things that he wanted to do and now he can finally do them and no one can stop him. She's like, free at last, free at last. This other dish comes in for, for the deep. It's got one of those covers on it. He says, oh, this is a South Korean delicacy. He opens it and then there, there's a squid in there. And Deep's like, holy poop, it's Timothy. He's like, this is my friend. He's like, I can't eat him. He's like, I'm not going to eat him. I can't. Homelander's like, sure you are. He's like, he's delicious. The Deep's like, he's begging for his life. He has kids. Deep's wife sends him a text, all like all caps, eat the flipping octopus. And he's like, looks at her. And then Homelander's like, hey, Deep. He's like, yeah. He's like, eat the eat flipping Timothy. He starts gulping, like picks him up with like, chopsticks. He's like, I'm so sorry. And then Timothy's like his his like tentacles are like on his face, like kind of trying to stop him, whatever, and like going in his mouth. And it's like almost like Deep's wife smiling, and Deep mumbles like he's praying. He like sucks in. Ashley like gags, and like black ink comes out of his mouth, and he like swallows. Homelander's like, wasn't that delicious? Frenchie is angrily putting like nicotine patches on his arm. Kamiko comes and sits. She's upset too. Then she says that. He's like, she's like, you should have seen him today. He's like, how can you work for a man like that? He responds like, you work for him too. She says that she's only here because he is. Then she's like, let's just leave. Uh, they can go like Marcel or whatever. He's like, that'd be nice. He's like, uh, but then the rest come in. Mother's Milk grabs a file and just leaves. Butcher's like, let's have it. He's like, where were you today? Frenchie's like that he was detained by little Nina. Kamiko is like, who's that? Butcher asks, he's like, what's that Russian slag want? Then... He's like, oh, this is a gold mine. He's like, set up a meeting, like the three of us. And Frenchie's like, oh, it's a very bad idea. And he, but he insists that he get on the phone and set up right now. He's like, why, why am I doing this for? And Butcher says, because we're going to Russia. So probably to go after the gun. Supersonic visits Starlight. He says uh, he talked to producers and said he had a family emergency to, and he had to bow out. She's like, that's really good. But when he got there, he was thrilled to join a team. She's like, that's a mistake. He says, you know, he was in rehab for Oxy and everyone bailed on him, his family and Vought, except for her. Does she really think that he's going to just bail on her now? She's like, are you sure? And he's like, well, someone's got to have your back. Butcher's holding the necklace that, you know, Ryan ripped off. Huey walks up and he's like, Come on, then. Let's hear it. He's like, I'm a flipping monster for what I've done to that kid. And he was like, no. He's like, the others don't get it, but I do. He's like, the gloves are off. If there's anything that I've learned, uh, and then Butcher vomits green liquid like right into Huey's face, and Huey just stands there. And then he's like, WTF? As like some had to have gotten in his mouth, which is so nasty. So American Hero Show, uh, Homelander and Starlight stand. Starlight says, you know, the first of two selections and newest member of the seven is supersonic homelander's like well this is it final new member to seven is lord of the seas the deep and then the two women finalists moonshadow and silver kincaid they're like confused homelander says that um he's moved and touched that starlight has chosen to forgive deep the deep 
he says, uh, or she's like, I accept your apology deep. You deserve a second chance. And he's like, thank you. It looks like we've all grown. Homelander says, to be clear, he's like, I had nothing to do with you coming back. He's like, Starlight insisted on it, but keep your distance, pal, because, well, she's my girl now. And he puts his his hand around her shoulder and he's like, sorry, I, I can't keep it a secret anymore. It's time we let the world know. He's like, Starlight and I are in love. Hashtag Homelight. And then director yells, cut. That was perfect. Ashley's like, that was incredible. The director is like, is like, Starlight, I need you to not be so shocked. And so he wants to do another take, even though this is supposed to be a reality show. And Ashley's like, Starlight, you, you good? And she pauses and she's like, yeah, let's go again. So goes through it again and blah, 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 and all like that. Then she turns Homelander's head and she kisses him. And then the version of young Starlight singing Hit Me Baby one more time plays. And you can see she's like clenching her fist behind her back like she did when she was a kid and in pain. And that's where episode three ends. Woo. And that um, is your hour-long recap on the first three episodes. So I guess normally it'd be like 20 minutes an episode, which is normal. This is why shows should not <laughs> drop more than one episode at once. Oh, my goodness. And then we have Marvel's Ms. Marvel. That's Marvel Studios' Ms. Marvel. That sounds weird. So new show, uh, season one, episode one, Generation Y. And that's W-H-Y. It starts off, we see this, like, this like, YouTube video with drawings that tell the story of the Battle of Earth against Thanos and the awesomeness of Captain Marvel. There's mention of like, Scott Lang, like, interview, stuff that he said on podcast interviews. And Avengers Con is this weekend, and then she ends, like, new episodes drop each Wednesday, you know, whatever. And it's like Sloth Baby Productions, and then she's like uploading the video. So um, I, I should just say, I mean, this, this show is it's, it's just so like heartwarming and i know that sounds like but it's just it's so good and uh, i'm really curious to see how where how the show is going to work out because it 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 definitely feels different from all the other marvel stuff which is great because we've been getting a lot of that lately it's just everything's so so varied so ms marvel's uh or kamala's mom calls her down so she's gonna be late for a driving test her and it's almost like is her dad giving her bad advice because he's like don't use her turn signal you know don't look in the mirror too much and says maybe he doesn't want her to pass so she gets behind the wheels and she's got like sunglasses on and then she slams it to reverse, hits a car behind her. And she's like, uh, I don't think anyone saw. And the structure's like, that's my car. So then we see the car has to get towed. Um, the parents drive her home. It's almost like they're arguing with him and stuff like that. She's like staring out the window and she's fantasizing about like Ms. About Captain Marvel. At school, the, the, the coach calls her Camila and she's like, it's Kamala. Other girls kind of give her looks. She can't. She tries going to her locker, but there's two other leaning against it, and they're just, like, ignoring her or whatever. Bruno, her friend, this is guy Bruno, comes up to her and gives her a slushy. They talk about Avengers Con this weekend. They bump into this girl named Zoe, and she's, like, pretty rude, so I guess she's supposed to be really popular, has a lot of followers and stuff like that. Uh, then she gets called to the office. Counselor thinks that he, he, he thinks he's pretty cool. He's like this young dude, whatever. Teachers say that she's doodling all day. She's off in fantasy land. Uh, and, but then he's like, you know, but she says something. Mr. Wilson, Mr. Wilson was my father. My name is Gabe. You know, his name is also Gabe. But it's a little confusing. But and, she, you know, she's saying how it's, it's junior year. She needs to start thinking about her future. You know, SAT, college admissions, all this stuff like that. And she's just like tuning him out. So then we see her, she rides her bike to the Circle Q. So it's like convenience store where Bruno works. And this is going to be the first Avengers Con. So I was like, how are they going to get there? Because, you know, this is historical. 
Bruno says that she should smile and just ask her mom. And he puts like the finishing touches. He's like airbrushing her like Captain Marvel jacket. She's trying to think of like a final flourish for the costume to, you know, make it, you know, a little, little different. And uh, it's, it's also kind of because every once in a while you see like animated like graphics in the background and stuff like that. At home, there's this like a mail. It's this box from her nanny, her grandma, I guess. And she sees like this bracelet and all this other stuff in there. And her mom takes it. She's like, this it's junk. And she asks um, Amir, her brother, to put the box in an attic. And so Amir's wedding is coming up. And so Kamala has to go run errands with for the wedding with her mom. Bruno shows uh, Kam- Kamala's dad some of his inventions. So he made this like security camera thing with devices that control lights and stuff, you know, kind of like, like a smart house or whatever. When Kamala comes home, mom insists Bruno takes some food and it's funny. And he's like, Oh no, no. She's like, Oh no, that's fine. She leaves. She comes back with like four containers, like just like a minute or something like that. He's like, how'd you have all, you know, box this up so fast. He tells Kamala and he's like, ask, ask her like that. So she asks both her parents. She's it's like really incredible. It's never been done before. It's educational. Bruno's really into it. He asked her if she, if she'd want to tag along and mom's like, you want to go to a party at night? She's like, is this a joke? She's like, you're 16. And she's like, well, you know, I promise I won't do anything stupid. And she's like, you know, you trust me, right? And mom's like, no, I don't. She's like, strange people and boys out there. And then she calls like the cosplay as a historical reenactment. And she says that, you know, she'll be dressed as Captain Marvel. And mom's like, ask if it's a really tight suit. And she's like, no, it's, it's not tight. And Kamala's like, it's not like... I'm going to party and to do cocaine and it's just like shock silence. And her brother like walks in and she's like, if he asks, he could do it. He could do whatever he like. And she just like storms upstairs. So in a room, Amir comes in with like a drink and he tells her that that was a bold move. Um, not well thought out, but he respects her for that. And she's like, all mom says is no. And he's like, well, I'll talk to them. And then she texts Bruno. She's like, she said no. At the circle queue, it's like... And as we get more into graphics, like emojis appear in the street and there's like a neon sign at the store and like all this stuff. He goes up to the room above the store. That's where he lives. Next day, Kamala puts on her Captain Marvel outfit. She like, looks in the mirror and she's like, are the pants too tight? And she grabs like a, a sash to wrap around her waist, which, you know, Ms. Marvel wears. Mom knocks, so she has to put on a robe. Mom says that her brother told them about her Avengers party, even though it will be a distraction from her studies and there will be a lot of haram, which is forbidden or prescribed by Islamic law. I had to look that up. A lot of haram going on there. They have decided to let her go, but there are special conditions. Her abu, her dad, will drive her there and he will go inside with her for two hours. As far as addressing goes, she has a surprise for her. She pulls out this like big green flowing green shirt with like padded shoulders and abs. And she's like, the Hulk. And she's like, the best part, ta-da. Abu jumps out wearing like the same outfit. His face and hands are painted green. And he roars, big Hulk and little Hulk. And she's like, oh my God. And she's like, there is no big Hulk and little Hulk. She's like, this is me and Bruno's thing. And dad's like, can't you make an exception for Abu? And she's like, I can't wear a Salzwar kameez to Avengers Khan. And, and he, he's like, you can't come with me, not dressed like that, because it's so humiliating. The parents are disappointed and sad. And she's like, okay, I didn't mean it like that. And mom's like, if you don't want to go with your dad, she's like, you're not going at all. And she's like, I made this costume for you. And, you know, you're not going to dress up like those other girls in skimpy outfits. That is not you. And she, like, kind of tosses a shirt to Kamala and walks out. 
And then she's like looking at her dad. She's like, Abu, it's almost like he's on the verge of tears. And he's like, you're not going. So I, uh, it's just so hard. It's like, this is her thing. And you can't force things on kids. And I know, you know, different cultures and oh, I don't know. So Bruno is thinking about applying, uh, maybe he's a thing applying Caltech, like on his computer. Kamala calls him and she says the worst thing that ever happened. And he's like, meet me on the roof. She says that she almost made her dad cry and she's never seen her mom this upset. She's like, maybe they're right. Maybe, you know, she spends too much time with fan art and her head stuck in the clouds. She wants, uh, she says, you know, wanting to dress up as Captain Marvel is weird and childish. And he's like, no, it's not. And she's like, let's be honest. It's not really the brown girls from Jersey City who saved the world. Bruno's like, sure they do. He's like, you're Kamala Khan. You want to save the world? You're, then you're going to save the world. And it almost looks like, it's like, are they about to kiss or something like that? Then he's like, uh, with the right equipment, of course. So he shoulders these like prototype gloves he made. She's like, are those proton gloves? They're just basically, they light up. And then they kind of like play fighting up on the roof. Then we see her in the locker room, gym class, and in and, and class, you know, she's not too coordinated. You know, she gets a ball to the face. She has a bloody nose. Kamala gets an idea about going to Avengers Con. She thinks about Bruno's smart house device thing. So she can go to dinner, then go to her room. They can watch the house. If her parents go to her room, then she can yell that she's changing or something like that. You know, so then her dad won't walk in. She explains how to ride her bike to the bus. And, and you see, like, this all played out. Like, they're doing, like, flips and tricks. You know, they ride the bike, land on top of a bus, you know, do, like, a summer, like, a flip or whatever. At Avengers Con, you know, she wins the contest. There's photos with fans, and she sneaks back in the house. And Bruno's like, "So your plan is take the bus?" And she's like, "That's all you got out of all that?" And he's like, "Well, your costume isn't finished. You know, maybe your mom is right, and you should stick. You should add something Pakistani." So then later she goes to attic. She finds a box from her nani, and she takes out the a bracelet and like a red scarf. So and then. Uh, as she, when she takes it, like the, the bracelet, like a light in the attic flickers a little bit. Coincidence? At dinner, you know, Bruno's outside and she's like, oh, I have a biology report. So, she, you know, she goes out, jumps out, out at the window onto a branch and it breaks. And then she's like, oh, that was my way in too. They have to catch the bus. You know, they, they ride their, their bikes. So they bring their bikes on the bus. She's like trying to bring hers in, but then the door kind of closes on her hand and then the bike gets left behind and the bus leaves you know it won't it won't stop for her they arrive at the con uh there's captain marvel cosplay contest zoe it turns out is there dressed as captain marvel too and she's like looking bruno's like oh the costume isn't even authentic you know because it's not like right it's a little little skimpy um last call for the competition so you know she goes in the bathroom she starts putting on a bracelet she's trying to you know she can't get it open or whatever last call for the contest so she goes um uh, but she left her gloves behind like in her helmet or because you know, her helmet was on top and her gloves fell out there on the bathroom floor. Bruno's like, where, where are you? Where are your gloves? Where are she realized she left them behind and she's like, there's no time. And she's like, I can't get the bracelet on. Then it kind of opens, expands a little bit. And then we, we see like this force field kind of shimmers around her. And it's almost like, can she feel the energy or whatever? She like falls back and she kind of like flips into this other dimension and then she comes back again. She's like, do you see that? Bruno tells her, like, you got to go. So she's on stage and then there's like bright lights from all the flashes and the spotlight and people taking pictures so she can really see. So she's kind of covering her face with her hands. Then she lets out this big crystallized light, it like kind of shimmers out and it shoots out shimmer blasts and the audience cheers. One of the blasts hits like this big 
Ant-Man, like giant man statue, whatever. And then the head ends up falling off and rolls. It's like smashes into things and this cable starts to snap. Zoe comes up um, to her excitedly. She's like, are you available for parties? And she's, she's like, I can tag you. She wants to take a picture. She's like, I can tag you. She's like, I follow back mostly. Then there's this like this giant Mjolnir that like sw- swings, you know, from the cable snapping, swings into Zoe. So she goes flying up and she's like swinging on it. But then when it swings, arcs back the other way, um, she starts to fall from She's like pretty high up. Kamala ex- extends a giant energy hand that kind of like buffers her, her fall. And then Bruno's like, we need to go. They ride back on Bruno's bike and he's like, what just happened? And she's like, I, I don't, don't know. It's like, I have powers. Bruno helps her climb up. And like, as she's trying to get up on, onto the, the roof of her house, like this energy platform appears under her foot to like help her up. Um, and we see like the plan was to be back at 929, but it's really 1111. So she goes in a window and her mom is waiting for her. She's like, Kamala, where have you been? What are you doing? I am not recognizing you. Who is this rebellious girl sneaking out, lying to Abu and me? Kamala whispers. She's like, I'm not trying to be rebellious. So then Muniba, her mom, she's like, and I'm trying to protect you from yourself. I've seen what happens when people get obsessed with their fantasies. Kamala says that she knows that she's going to tell her story about Nani, but Muniba cuts her off. So you know what I was going to say tonight, huh? And you knew it would betray me, and you still went out and did it anyways. It's time to stop fantasizing. I wish you would just focus on you, your grades, your family, your story. I mean, who do you want to be in this world, huh? Do you want to be good like we raise you to be? Or do you want to be some, you know, this cosmic head in the clouds person? She's like, you think about that. So then Kamala just like plops back on her bed and like looks at it's a captain marvel poster or whatever and she looks at her bracelet and she sees like kind of like the shimmer in her hand and she smiles and she's like cosmic and that's the end of the episode but there is a mid-credit scene so you got to be careful um someone's cell phone buzzes this lady named deaver she gets a video of kamala at the con and she says to this other guy she's like check this out so this dude's like pouring coffee and it's like teenage girl at avenger con the dude's name is cleary and you know he's like oh she's a cosplayer with too much time on her hands and she's like not this one he's like i've never seen power like that and he's like yeah bring her in so who are these people like what sort of agency do they possibly work for and like what are they going to bring her in for so there's going to be some some problems we'll have to see what happens but what is interesting um it's it's like okay what's who's the, who is the enemy of this you know there is there I forgot her name there was some lady that was like cast but like right now and you know we don't need an enemy right away you know we're, we're, we need to see Kamala get her powers and figure out like what the heck's going on and she, you know she's dealing with her parents which this is different than like the normal teenage hero just trying to deal with balancing life because you know parents are a lot stricter. And so, you know, she's going to have to deal with all that. And so it's, it, and, you know, she doesn't even have her regular costume yet. So there's still a lot going on or that needs to happen. So, but this was just such a good show. I mean, apparently people like review bomb the show on IMDb to try to give it a bunch of one star reviews. That's so stupid. So is it because she's a Muslim girl? It's like, are you really, that's so, I don't understand the problem with that. Oh my God. It's like, how can people be so intolerant? Because, I mean, this actress, she's so good. She's so, and again, I'm trying not to say delightful, but it's just like such a good show. And it's, I don't even know how to describe it, but 
it's 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 such a such a nice and pleasant show so definitely you know watch this and then we have the movie feature which is jurassic world dominion oh so um apparently on rotten tomatoes if i look at this it is currently at a 33 percent on rotten tomatoes surprisingly the audience score is 80 percent that seems kind of nuts i was not super crazy about the movie it was fine like if if i were to rate it i i think i would give it like i think i would off my gut without you know trying to analyze too much i would probably say like a 2.5 out of 5 it was fine. It does some some things well, but there's just a lot of the story. I feel like it's it's just it's kind of like trying to get too big. My problem with the last movie, besides Chris Pratt, <laughs> is you know the whole thing at the end where like let's introduce human clones in this, and then oh the dinosaurs are escaping into the real world. What does this mean? And blah blah. I was like that. So while you know, I guess it, it's kind of taking things to the next level. You know, we, we've we've seen Jurassic Park, we've seen Jurassic Island or whatever. So now the dinosaurs are everywhere. You know, it's like you know, where else can you go? You know, you, you can't just keep doing the same thing. So now that they're out in the wild, like, what does this mean? And it's it's weird when the, the movie starts off. You know, it's almost like to fill everyone in on what's going on. There's like this news report going on, and we see this like lady reporter like walking and like talking through the forest and there. It just I'm like, "Who is this?" It's like, "What? I don't I don't want to watch this." But it's it's like telling us everything that happened about how they got out and everything like that. There's this uh Biosyn Genetics, which is like they won like the rights to try to look at for like medical applications and stuff. You know, how can we learn and everything like that? But apparently, you know, there's other stuff going on. You know, there, there's poachers, people trying to, you know, capture the dinosaurs and hunt them and do, you know, evil things and stuff like that. So it's like all this is going on. And uh, then we have Chris Pratt and Dallas. I feel I do feel like um, Dallas Bryce Howard. I don't remember so much from the, the, the second movie, the last one. But I feel like she's been amped up a little bit. She seems like she's kind of like tougher like less damsel in distress and more assertive and, and, you know, taking the lead on things, which is awesome. One of the things I remember from like the first movies, she's just like running around in high heels in the jungle. So at least she's like beyond that actually doing something like, you know, it starts off with trying to like free these like captured little baby dinosaurs and stuff like that. Then part of the problem, like it's almost like there's, there's like all these different stories lines going on at the same time because the the girl um Maisie who uh the, the clone they're trying to keep her you know they, they kind of live in the middle of nowhere like out in the, you know this little lodge and they're trying to keep her safe and away from the town but she's just bored out of her mind because she's a 14 year old girl and at one point you know this this dude he's like a poacher he sees Chris Pratt because <laughs> Chris Pratt, they're riding horses trying to s- capture this like herd of, and I don't even know what kind of dinosaurs they are, but it's just uh, dinosaurs versus horses, and like the horses are stronger. Like you, they can la- He throws a lasso around a dino. Oh my god! And I think the problem I have is like just like Chris Pratt is like doing all this stuff, and it's just like what? 
oh my gosh it was just just way too much and um so anyways this poacher guy sees chris pratt i don't know if he recognizes him follows him then he sees the girl so they they want to kidnap because the girl's been wanted because you know she's a clone and you know whatever all this stuff like that so she ends up getting kidnapped and uh blue the raptor had a a baby uh asexually whatever that gets kidnapped too and it turns out guess who wants to, to kidnap these two biosyn they're supposed to be this, this good corporation but they're really not another part of the world there's like these huge giant locusts that are like wiping out all this grain strangely enough uh they they didn't wipe out this one field because they use biosyn seeds or something like that so obviously biosyn is trying to destroy the competitors farmings and so what's her name Ellie Ellie Sattler from the first movies, she goes in and and visits uh, Alan Grant to, to try to get his you know help with seeing things. They're gonna go into this one like place where Biosyn's at because uh, Ian Malcolm is is work, is like speaking, doing stuff, talking to stuff there. He has this book about mathematics and chaos or whatever and. So, you know, you kind of have these separate stories. You have, like, the newer characters, you know, the, the Chris Pratt, Dallas Bryce Howard, and you got the original characters. And eventually what's going to happen is these two storylines are going to merge together. So when that finally happens, it's uh, it, it's it's kind of interesting. It's kind of cool to see the two mesh together. But at first it's just kind of weird, and, and you, you kind of see the similarities in the character types and um, I don't know. We, we were also introduced to this this other lady. Uh, she's a, a like a, a what do you call it? like a freighter pilot? Uh, her Kayla, you know, she becomes like a, a a main character. So she is like she, I think she pilots the Beta, the the baby dinosaur, and then they took two separate planes because they didn't want to keep you know the Maisie and and the and beta in the same plane in case something happened. So she sees Maisie, whatever. And then later, uh, Chris Pratt and Dallas Bryce Howard, they go to this, this city to Malta where like, it's supposed to be like this black market trade and some Dallas Bryce Howard comes, you know, she comes into contact with, with, uh, Kayla and, you know, she tries telling her story. She's trying to find this girl. What? But eventually, then, like at the drop of a hat, because at first Kayla's like, "I don't know you. I don't." You know, and Dallas Bryce Hart starts talking to her because she's American and you know like that. But then she's like, "I don't care. She's like, I don't you know, want to hear about your problems." But then she decides to help him. <laughs> like it's like so weird. Out just how quickly and suddenly she decides. There's more. There's like some sort of reason, but we aren't told. And at the, at this point, and it's just just kind of weird. So it just kind of goes from there, you know, trying to infiltrate the place, trying to find Maisie and Beta because Chris Pratt promises, you know, Blue. He's like, I'll get her back. I promise you, I'll get her back. And and yeah, so it just it just goes from there. And it, there's just a, a lot of dinosaur stuff, which you know that's what people want to see. But some stuff, it just feels like it's just like dinosaurs just for, for the sake of dinosaurs and. I don't know. and there's some cheesy moments and the the like final scene was just so incredibly cheesy in my opinion and it was just like oh my goodness and but uh, yeah so the this biosyn guy though i mean 
he it it sounds like you know he wants to do the good thing for the world and everything like that but obviously by with these locusts if they wipe out all the people's cr- i mean this could like cause all the starvation but he doesn't care because he wants people to use his by whatever bios and stuff and so it's like he's really kind of evil we find out more about Maisie about uh her mom you know who she was cloned from and uh, get some more information and so you know Maisie the actress who plays Maisie was great I don't like the idea of the character but I think she was brilliant in her performance and uh you know, there is a part with Ian Malcolm in his shirt. You know, there, there's a little like reference to that, and it, it's interesting that the Ellie and Alan Grant thing because I I saw I remember where it was. There was an article about them like when he first started, where I think she was 22 and he was like 47. There's like this huge age gap, which seems so crazy. I, I mean, it, it happens, you know, whatever. People fall in love, blah, blah, blah. But then the thing is, you know, it, it's the hypocritical nature of Hollywood. If it was switched, if it was an older woman and a young guy, you know, that would be that would be wrong and everything like that. So even at, at this point, you know, are they going to get back together or whatever? Because, you know, so much time has passed. And it's like, how old is he now? And But there's some, uh, there's some fine things about the movie, but it's just... I, like I said, I just it wasn't for me, and and I'm not like a, a a Jurassic Park super fan. I think I mentioned that before. You know, I'm I've just been okay with them. I, I know some people really love them, and that's awesome. I'm not like super into dinosaurs either, but I can appreciate the way they look on screen and seeing them going and and everything like that. But uh, I, I just felt like it, it's just so hard. I, I again, I totally get unleash dinosaurs on the world we need to you know open this up in next level and everything like that but it just felt like it just exploded too much like it was just way too big and massive and just too much going on uh, i don't know so you know i was a little disappointed in it and but it's not a movie for me so if 80 percent it has 80 percent of rotten tomato for an audience great critics don't like it i didn't really like it but you know, I don't have to like everything. So it's just not what I wanted. I'm just, it's just a whole thing. Just Chris Pratt's like, I'm going to put my hand out and that's going to get the dinosaur, evil, you know, whatever dinosaur, the pea brain to calm down. Like, oh, look at my hand. Uh, uh. Oh my goodness. So that was, I, I don't have anything else to say. You know, the dinosaur effects are cool. Uh, yeah, I think they use, uh, you know, they use CG and they, they they use regular, you know, they use real dinosaurs, right? They use whatever practical effects and it was fine. And I, is this the end of it? Maybe, you know, there, there was no end credit scene or anything like that. So it seems like this is the end of the trilogy. You would think that they want to do more. They probably could, but it's almost like why bother? They kind of wrapped everything up. Yeah, there's still like what's going to happen next type of thing, but... It's almost like who cares? Because I don't know. I I just I don't care. I mean, just just I who, who cares? I don't care. Just just leave it like this. We don't need any more. Six movies, great. So it was fine. If you into the Jurassic Park, I'm really curious. You know, I I haven't asked anyone who like any hard, hardcore Jurassic Park fans. It's like, are you upset or offended with this version, or are you excited because it's expanding the story more and and elevating? And I don't know. But I, I was just kind of bummed. That's okay. 
So that's going to be that's going to be it. So that that was it. You might like it, you might not like it. I would say, you know, if you're into dinosaurs, you should definitely check it out, but yeah, it wasn't for me. But this podcast was for you. So thank you for 250 episodes, whether you've been listening since episode one or since episode 249 or episode 250. I'm glad you're here. So thank you for 250. It's 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 a lot of work. I, I, I'm not going to lie, but, you know, I I'm doing it for you guys while you guys hear it. I'm especially because of, you know, the Patreon support that helps. So anything you can do, you know, big thanks, Dave McPhail and Andrew Loken. They have been massively awesome. You can be a supporter. Going to patreon.com slash from heck. Any amount you can commit to will be awesome. If you commit at the Rick Jones tier or higher, you get access to the secret podcast from heck, which is 30 minutes of more podcasts in case this wasn't enough. It's like, how long was this episode? <laughs> yeah, I, I talk about comics, movies, and I, I might do some r- random discussions if, if you, I don't know if people would, would like that. I don't think it would necessarily be 30 minutes. I could go on for 30 minutes, but I think that would just be, it'd get to the point of just me rambling. So it might be like 10, 15 minutes, but maybe that would be okay. We can try it. I don't know. But if you can't commit to a monthly commitment, you can also help out by going to coffee.com slash gman from heck, and you can buy me a virtual cup of coffee or three. That is ko-fi.com slash gman from heck. What is going to be next week? Next week is going to be Lightyear. I'm looking forward to this. My little um, my little hesitation there was how much is there going to be to talk about? I mean, I, I guess there could be stuff to talk about. It's you know, it's, it's always hard to talk about stuff without spoiling too much. And for whatever strange reason, I'll spoil the shows. I don't want to spoil the movies. I don't know why that is. And I think maybe because some people with the shows, people you. you usually can if they're going to watch them they're going to watch them now the movies some people just can't or won't go to the movies so they don't want the spoilers right away so maybe they just want to hear about it. is it cool is it not you know minor spoilers okay so i think that's my thinking i don't know so that'll we'll have that next week and then um more of of the other shows uh because you know we have superman lois we had flash time Traveler's wife man of fellow earth obi-wan kenobi um only one episode of boys we're only going to do one Probably, most likely, and another Ms. Marvel. And I think that's it because that's that's a big load right there. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll just keep it like that. I, I'm hoping nothing else comes up. I think, uh, I think For All Mankind started uh, last Friday. I still haven't finished season two, I realize. And I really like the show, but I think part of it is like I didn't want to watch all of them, which I should have because now I'm behind. So I, I need to watch that. But um, that's going to be it because this has been long enough. So again, thank you so much for 250 episodes. My commitment is to you. I want to tr- you know, try to put this out every single week, even though, like I said, it gets crazy, gets hectic, it's it's stressful. But this is this is how what we need to do, right? So thank you. Here's to another 250. <laughs> we'll see. Thank you for listening. Have a good week. Have a good life. Do something fun. Do something exciting. And don't forget, be good to each other. 